everybody welcome to another great episode of the uh, break the rule show my name is Lev Polyakov at Lefpo on Twitter I am your host and it is a great pleasure to be here with Aiden Paladin social psychology meme warfare such an amazing youtuber i've been following aiden for a very long time and i really appreciate all the great work and research that goes into her content and uh we are also joined by the lovely afina hyatt by corpse carter and by kukuruyo who is uh you are a, a hentai not just hentai but you do draw hentai uh, you're a great artist. I love your work. And uh, anyway, here we are. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe. This is the greatest, most underrated podcast uh, slash live stream show in YouTube history. And we are constantly growing thanks to your help. We really appreciate it. So be sure to subscribe right now and also go to patreon.com slash break the rules. And if you become a patron today, you are going to get for $20 the uh, tier award of my father Alexander's beautiful wood cut magnets $30 tier gives you Giovanni Panicchietti's exquisite Japanese wood box prints $50 gives you a custom wooden magnet as well and these recur every year so anyway guys be sure to do that and with further ado let's bring it to Aiden Paladin Aiden can you first tell us your origin story how exactly did you find yourself in this very particular niche of the internet of going through all this I can't even imagine going through the amount of research that you go to in order to make <laughs> your videos. I think I think it's incredible. So just guide us through how, how it all started. Uh, well, uh, I was a doctoral student in communication with an emphasis on media psychology. And I was basically taking a sabbatical for a while from doc school and um, for health reasons. And I was bored out of my mind because I couldn't work. And my dad said, why don't you start a YouTube channel to, to talk to other people? And about the stuff that you're passionate about. And um, one of the things that I, I never expected when I, I started working on my doctorate and, and graduate school work was that I would like teaching because <laughs> I kind of expected that to be the part I would hate. <laughs> but um, it actually ended up being kind of, besides research, my, my favorite part. Um, so I, I really do like uh, trying to explain things to people in a way that is fun or funny uh, and, and make research more accessible because everybody can and should read research. It is accessible. Sci-Hub in its various forms is around and Google Scholar exists. So research is never outside of your capacity to have access to. You really just need a couple of basic tools to be able to, to understand what you're reading and everybody should read more research. <laughs> That's about my whole modus operandi. And as far as your persona goes, first of all, I just want to say that I really love the adorable avatar that you have. <laughs> like, it's, uh, I don't know, there's something really sweet about it. Just this nice girl holding the, what is that drink, by the way? Is it a martini? What is it, it is a martini. Martini. I like, um, I like uh, dirty, uh, dry martinis. <laughs> Good to so, know. And Always martini time somewhere. Hell yeah. And the uh, shirt is uh, I'm Not Daredevil. Can you explain what that is? Oh, uh, well, I don't really like Mark Wade very much as a person, I suppose. I mean, I don't know him personally, but he's he's one of the people who's got Trump derangement syndrome. But he did a really good run on Daredevil that was an Eisner award-winning comic. Uh, and I'm a, I'm a huge comic book fan. And one of the jokes in, in the comic book is that Daredevil, when he's not in his costume, walks around wearing this shirt that says, I'm not Daredevil. Uh, and because everyone knows he's Daredevil, and it's, it's kind of a, I don't know, it's just a joke uh, about and a reference to my favorite comic book character. That's about all it is. <laughs> I like it. And who drew the actual avatar? Oh, I did. 
After what nice. happened with Barron, when I was starting YouTube, and it was like right around the time when when Barron was getting in trouble for the fact that he used a the um, bear from Total Drama Island, I think it was, and I went, oh no no no, I'm making my own art, <laughs> so I don't get caught in that kind of situation. No offense to Barron, I mean that was just like, oof. Uh, yeah, no, it's a big problem with copyright today. Like, uh, that's the thing that really takes your YouTube channel down, where they don't even give you a warning. They just start mm -hmm. it up, and uh, you have 90 days that you can't even stream. So I was lucky enough not to, like, uh, the person who I had some kind of copyright thing with, they rescinded it, so everything is fine. But uh, what do you notice? Like, how, how long have you been doing these series now? I've been doing YouTube for almost four years so yeah, the copyright stuff is is very temperamental, um, and all kinds of things on YouTube. And actually, right now we're in a particularly precarious position because the YouTube blog has just said that if you talk about the election anymore, uh, I think after the ninth, so today going forward, and you imply there could be anything that was a no no, and I can't even say what it would be, I guess, then. Uh, they reserve the right to remove your video, give you a strike, and maybe even delete your channel, depending on, I guess, how Susan feels that day. So uh, that's disconcerting, to say the least. But um, particularly because my next video is about it, too. But whatever. You know, I mean, <laughs> luckily I don't say anything bad. How do that? that deep? I'm sorry? I, said, I jokingly said the Hunter Biden rabbit hole goes that deep, apparently. Uh, well, apparently. I mean, look, and it's very funny because the video I just put out was about psychological reactions, which is the, it, it's the basically the don't push that button effect or um, where if you tell someone they can't do something, it makes them really want to do that thing. Yeah. And yeah. so when YouTube says you can't talk about the election, well, guess what it makes everybody want to do? Go join Parler and Rumble and BitChute and go talk about the election because there's a perception within the, the human psychology that says, well, if I'm not supposed to do it, there must be some reason. And the reason must be because it's true or it's valid or there's something, there's secret knowledge there. That's just how the human brain works. And when you try to hide stuff, it makes it taboo and therefore really alluring. So yeah. dumb idea, Susan, you just made it the most interesting topic. And not only that, but also it reflects really poorly on the people who don't want you asking said questions yeah. because it's like, okay, if, if you don't have an answer, you just want me to shut up, then like th that's implying that I'm on the right trail, you know, and sometimes you are, sometimes you aren't. Um, it implies that to people psychologically, though, which is yeah. why it's the dumbest thing that Twitter and Facebook and YouTube could do is to say you can't talk about this. Go yeah. it, people look, people are going to spin conspiracy theories no matter what. Do you want them to go down into a little echo chamber, which they're now forced to do or be able to air it in public? Because research shows that people don't believe actual fake news fake yeah. fake news and that stuff that is factually incorrect almost nobody less than 10 percent of people at the best of circumstances it's more it, it hovers more around five to seven percent of people and uh, believe at all and it it goes down even lower to about three to five percent when they've seen it twice because people think critically and if something sounds ridiculous and fake they don't believe it so actually access to quote-unquote fake news uh shines light on it and makes it less believable yeah
Well, the examples that you were bringing up in that video, and that is a great video, by the way, for anybody who has not seen it yet, I recommend after you watch this stream, but only after you watch the stream, go to <laughs> Aiden Paladin's channel and check it out. But in Thank that you. video, the examples that were being brought up, they seem to be pretty, you know, kind of ridiculous. So what I'd be more interested in are examples of quote-unquote fake news that are, you know, very, very, very close to reality with a few very slightly altered you know, altered factors. I'm not sure if those kind of things were presented because that I see as being much more devious, where it is so true in comparison to a lot of these sillier examples, but it still makes people act a certain way. Well, I would also just say that it, it's clearly unidirectional in terms of partisanship in that, for example, there's been this myth going around that Trump has lost 59 lawsuits um, over the election. And that's just not true. Those lawsuits that were lost were filed by random people on Trump's behest, not by the Trump team. That is factually incorrect. And yet I have seen it published in major news outlets. I've seen it on many YouTube videos. There's just this fact checking stuff. It, in my opinion, on, on social media websites, on these, these big tech oligarch uh, conglomerates, it is pretty much exclusively the right that gets censored. And and that does have long-term effects in terms of how people perceive uh, media accuracy and whether or not they see themselves as victims and whether or not they ever trust the media ever again. And I, I just don't per see that as happening anytime soon. I think people on the right in particular are done trusting the media. I definitely you... am. Uh, I'm very, very anti-journalist, very anti-media. Oh, how I about yourself, Athena? Where do you get your uh, news sources from? Um, me? Wait, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Oh, I, I don't read the news. It's all fake. I, I don't pay attention to anything on the news. Nothing. Then, okay, but then when you go about your day, do you subscribe to any YouTubers or any, uh, like, do you watch anything that would uh, make you informed about anything that goes on or you just uh, skip all of it entirely and just watch BTR? Um... <laughs> Well, I do watch BTR a lot, but um, I would say that I get like I, I don't trust a single uh, media or news outlet. Um, I would say that I just get all of my news on tw Twitter through my friends or um, family. Like I, I just I don't read the news. It's just it's there to make you feel dread. Um, mm -hmm. So both me and my uh, fiance have that mindset. But hey, it's almost like a rule where we don't read the news or look at it ever. Because yeah. all the time you look at the news, it's like, oh, like uh, 100,000 people dying of coronavirus. Uh, the world is ending. A meteor is hitting the earth. So it's just, it's just, I don't know. It's futile. I think news is useless and you don't need it in your life. It reminds me of that episode of The Simpsons after uh, they experienced that uh, scare of the meteor falling down and then they destroyed the uh, observatory so that nobody will ever know whether a meteor is going to fall down at all. I mean, not that I'm comparing the two fully because I definitely see your point, but uh, at, a at a certain point, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, people have the ability to vote people in. And if they're totally not informed about it all, what's going on, then the people who you know do happen to give a shit whether, uh, again, 
they are informed or whether they're just pumped full of this information like some puppet, they're still going to give a shit and they're still going to vote. And that's going to affect the lives of the people who have been totally out of the loop. <clears throat> so that is my other concern here. Like, uh, do you find, uh, Aiden, that more people like I don't know if you've seen the difference between 2016 to 2020. Do you think more people have become weaponized or more people have started to drop out of getting news entirely like Athena and, uh, you know, instead just, uh, as I believe uh, Mencius Moldbug talked about, are uh, taking the grill pill, if you, uh, if you if you know about the whole grill yes. pill thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I think that uh, I, I like Moldbug and I'm familiar with the grill pill, but I would I would say that there, there's um, a, a two-pronged sort of answer to that. First of all, um, what Afina mentioned is, is a well-studied thing actually called, it's a function of, of terror management theory called mortality salience. What mortality salience is, is thinking that you're mortal. And when you're reminded that you're going to die someday, people have uh, some various different ways of responding to that kind of information. For the most part, we don't like it because um, it's psychologically uncomfortable. Um, the way that people tend to respond to that then, particularly to the way this has been studied the most in in the way that produces this effect is do you know like those um uh advertisements that are like this is your brain on drugs and it's the cracking of the egg or something like that or it's a very violent commercial telling you not to do something generally those commercials don't work and the reason why they don't work is when people get really scared by a piece of media they disconnect from it they don't pay attention to what it, that's i think what you were saying is like this is scary it's uh, it's all doom and gloom and horrible things. And so people just disconnect. Uh, there are other effects of it. My next video will be actually on terror management and, and voting effects. So in terms of why people might have, there there is some evidence to suggest that the particular uh, levels of fear may have induced people to come out in greater numbers for Biden in particular. And um, one study I will go over really quickly because I, I think it's the, the linchpin in it is that there was a recent study that was conducted in 2020 by Su and Shen that found that when people were thinking about COVID-19, they became considerably more leftist in their political beliefs, and they became um, contradictorily a uh, less uh, nationalistic, which we expect, but, but the contradiction is that they became less supportive of the travel ban, which you would say like, oh, you're terrified of, of COVID-19, so you wanna reduce your fear, but because they became so far left, they were less supportive of the travel ban. Uh, th this would not be the only time that fear has influenced the United States election, by the way. The 2001 and 2000, uh, or the 2004 presidential election, uh, which got back in George Bush and the 2001 presidential election for Bush, Bush to a lesser degree. Bush basically won the second time on fear of people being terrified after 9-11. And um, which is interesting because we didn't see that same effect uh, during the second Obama campaign. Uh, a fear had almost no effect at that point because people weren't as afraid. And fear has a huge impact on how people choose to vote. Would, uh, this kind of reminds me of the concept of an informational hazard. Do you think that some of these uh, scaring people, do you think some of that could be classified as an informational hazard? I I'm sorry, I'm not familiar with the term. Uh, or specifically. Uh, so an informational hazard, um, any of you, please correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but it basically informational hazard, for example, something like getting information of when you would die and just the constant fear of that would impair you from your life correctly. Yeah, that's, um, sorry, or, our word for that's mortality salience. <laughs> mortality salience, yeah. yeah. But also informational hazard could be like information you're not supposed to know, like, you know, secrets that'll get you killed or, or anything like that or something like that, you know. 
No, I don't know about that. I see. I, I don't. I, I don't have any data off the top of my head, at least about it's how. It's a that. really cool thought uh, experiment that I'm not allowed to say because it's an informational hazard that you can. Uh, I'm going to tell you to look up. It's called the Basilisk. I'm not going to go into further detail. About oh, okay, that. okay. Super, basilisk. super interesting. Yeah. Um, and that's like a, a great example of a hypothetical informational hazard where just by knowing about it, like I'm actually leaving out one of the words in it. It's not just called a basilisk. It's something something basilisk. Um, and that is an informational hazard. Just knowing about it puts you in hypothetical hypothetical risk. L luckily, it's very, very, very hypothetical risk. It's kind of a sci-fi, you know, what if scenario, but it okay. still is an informational hazard. Um, but in a way, yeah, what, what are you talking about? Mortality salience have also been informational hazard. Well, it's just, it, it's, you know, everybody's afraid of death. And by, and by the way, I should point out that the, some social scientists really don't like terror management theory. Uh, it, ha it generally has low effect sizes. It's not always predictable. Uh, however, some of the data, like the data on that COVID-19 study, right? The effect size for people who, who the effect size for people who moved more left was huge. It was, it was very significant. But the degree to which they um, uh, ceased uh, or ceased support for a travel ban was something like 0 0.008, tiny, tiny, tiny effect size. Um, but, uh, and, and that's why a lot of people have a problem with terror management theory. However, mortality salience does have effects. And, and again, um, one of the other ways it's been studied is in the, the scary commercials and advertisements. And that does, it, it creates an aversion in people. And because for years and years, social psychologists were like, how do we get kids not to do the crack? Well, yeah. we'll make a really scary ad that will tell them about how, you know, if you do drugs, yeah, then you'll die. Like, uh, faces of meth or those really great, um, in Australia, they have these really great ads whenever you buy cigarettes. They have pictures oh, yeah. of like open heart surgery and people's gums rotting off. Guess what? Yeah. Guess what? They are what? so disgusting. They have like a freaking throat cancer on a cigarette pack. It's it's yeah. so nasty. But I know and, so and, many Aussies who just don't mind. Like they just keep smoking them. You know? uh, I don't well, think anyone cares about those pictures that they put on the cigarette packs. Yeah, nobody oh, does. That's no interesting. Well, no, no, no smoker does. No smoker does. No. Which is interesting. Like the I, I live in the UK, and some of the ones in the UK are are really. They, they become funny they're comical almost because mm -hmm. it's like uh the the father dies so it's the mother taking care of the baby and it's like you're trying to tell a whole story and i understand it from a psychological perspective that's more effective than just being like here is a picture of throat cancer because when people yeah. see those pictures it does not persuade them saying scary things happen showing visceral um re uh visceral reminders of death does not change people's opinions usually most of the time it makes them just reject it and go like i don't want to see that i don't care i'm just blocking it out of my memory and they are blocking it out of my perception and they go about their day there was an interesting study with the, the effects of 9 11 because 9 11 um was found to maybe cause people who actually were there in new york in the buildings became more conservative after the fact but it only lasted for 18 months and uh you know the researchers kind of suggest that it, it was a it, it's a fear effect of that that conservatism aspect of politics of wanting to protect things is a defensive mechanism <clears throat> but it's not a permanent one so um eh, just some more data <laughs> on how fear affects people i feel that's a critique also you mentioned your by the way thank you aiden for coming on the show i have also followed your work for quite some time oh since thanks for the, having me guys <laughs> thanks for since the uh I guess we could talk a little bit about the Gamergate days. It seems that like you're one of the only consistent ones who have stayed around and who hasn't become a total grifter that just totally cringed themselves <laughs> and destroyed themselves. Uh, but it seems that it's a critique. You mentioned Moldbug. 
of his, uh, I don't know if you've read his Corona article. I, I know we should, it's YouTube, we shouldn't say the word, the Rona article. I think that could be a substantial critique of his analysis in that what he envisions probably isn't going to happen because the powers that be what they want is more of like a total state world state of exception where the individual is restricted, not the nation state. So I don't know. And plus like info hazard, I guess the info hazard thing is also another, um, as, as corpse mentioned to me, it seems like a justification to suppress information because now if you let normies know that uh, certain things are happening, or if you let them go down certain paths and information holes, then it's like, oh, the scary, uh, they'll know too much. And, they'll yeah, and, and in a way, it is a threat. It's like, oh, you know too much, I'll send yeah. them, you know, I'll, I'll do something to you. You know, it's, it's a bit like, like there was a bit of like implicit threat if certain Americans voted a certain way. You know, it's like, oh, we're, oh not, yeah. like, we're not advocating mm -hmm. that someone do anything. But, you know, if it happens, you know, it's like, it's like that kind of way of threatening. But it seems that the control of information ever since the, like, national state of exception, sorry, international with the pandemic it seems that that's even more, it's become even hyper accelerated because now people think that information is life and death and we can all question the validity of it, you know? So I, I don't know, I think that this will continue, but, but what do you think, Eden? What, what do you see the state of the control of information in general? Um, I think that we are kind of looking at the new norm and, and the way that it's been framed, everything about this pandemic, and the way it is continually being framed, particularly by the left, is that, yes, this is the new norm. You have to get used to these things. And, and it won't be the exact same stuff forever, but it's how you move in soft authoritarianism into hard authoritarianism is by the, the, the adage boiling the, the frog slowly, right? And I think that this is the way that it happens because otherwise you would get the very strong reactants. And we have seen reactants in that, you know, people get upset when you take their freedoms away. But if you do it really slowly and you say that we are doing this so that you don't die and grandma doesn't die, it's harder to argue against that. Um, if they're saying that they're doing it in your best interest and it's literally saving you and your family from death. Um, that is, that's some sneaky politics. I'm not saying, by the way, for clarification, the coronavirus obviously exists. <laughs> it's not fake. It's not made up. It's a real thing. It's just that the way that it's been politicized. Um, it's... And the numbers. Let's be honest about yeah, the yeah. numbers. The number, we're not getting the accurate number. We're not getting accurate numbers. Well, not I survived it. it. I mean, for people that I did watch. too. Yeah. Oh, you had it, Afina, as well? I, I had it in June, yeah, and it was like a flu. You had the East Asian delicacy import? Yeah. <laughs> so, but no it, to couple that i think a question for you for you aiden then the, the panel would be now i'm i'm also someone who had some experience with academia uh i i didn't achieve your level i i have a combined masters but what do you feel as they're clamping down information what do you see as the future of the um dispensers of power knowledge of academia and the media do you think academia, like some conservative fantasy that's going to crumble, or do you think academia is a beast that will stay forever, or at least till, I don't know, they nationalized student debt or something? What do you feel is the state of the ivory tower in the media? Oh, I, I think they're both on very shaky ground. The media in particular is easier to analyze because we have a little bit better access to data about it. And if you looked at the media over the last 
four years, they admitted that they got that Trump bump. Uh, a lot of these media outlets in 2015 were on the verge of collapse because of new media, because people don't, um, like Afina said, she gets your news from Twitter. People get, and from people you trust from your friends. We are in a w much more connected mass media environment than ever before in the history of, of humankind. This is a new level. Like when we talk in communication studies, we talk about like different levels of media interconnectedness and 2020 is incredibly advanced. Information is shared at rapid speed. And I don't think for the most part, people want or even really need the big mainstream media outlets anymore when you have independent journalists who will go do this stuff, when you have people who, who are, are modern muckrakers and will dig up stuff and, and will release it, like, you know, the, the, yeah. who, who will go out and, and find and publish the truth. That, that happens on its own. And, and the media at this point, the, the mainstream media and its allies seem to want to stifle that. For example, you know, YouTube banned One American News Network. Um, which, which is a, a major, fairly major news uh, outlet, but not on par with Fox News and CNN. And YouTube just banned them over the Hunter Biden stuff. Uh, that That is the, the biggest um, uh, problem or, or limitation in, into where this happens is if censorship becomes so pervasive that people cannot interact in the digital public square. Therefore, you can only get uh, media messages from the approved of sources. And I think that's where they're headed. I really do. Unless unless something happens with 230, unless something happens with 230. And I, by the way, am very pro 230, Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, which basically says that if you are um, familiar, does everyone here know what 230 is or should I explain? I, I do not, actually. I don't know what 230 is. Okay. Heard so, of it, yeah. so Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act basically says that platforms on the internet uh, that host people's opinion have a special protection in that the platform hoster cannot be sued in civil li litigation for the actions or words of people who post or add content on that platform. Mm -hmm. However, makes sense, yeah. And that's yeah, that's what allows Facebook yeah. and Twitter and 4chan and everything yeah. to exist. Oh God, people 4, can go. 4chan. <laughs> well, right, yeah. but it's it's the, the that section two thirty. Uh, is what allows all of these websites to exist because otherwise if they are a publisher of information and like a newspaper and they publish and they are publishing the things that these people are saying then they can be sued uh in civil litigation uh, without the protection of 230 for publishing lies and slander and you know whatever mm -hmm. else uh, yeah. that if they don't have the 230 protection they can be sued for all of that stuff uh otherwise the way it is currently is that if somebody lies about you on twitter you have to sue that person who lied about you without 230 you could sue twitter and and get some of the jack dorsey's money right yeah. so um okay. ted cruz right now is trying to take them to task in part over the hunter biden story because missile. yeah the cruise missile basically saying like <laughs> you guys you acted like publishers both over the hunter biden thing and over the 2020 election you acted as publishers by saying this this is information that is true this is information that is not true uh, when you put fact check warnings on stuff like that um you are acting as a publisher not as a platform and i would be prone to agree however i'm yeah. very afraid because if we lose that 230 protection it means that it, little web forums where people go to talk about stuff can't exist yeah so it's a very, very dangerous. They've tried this. I mean, they, they've done so, this. So people with, can uh, essentially go to court for saying like, I don't know, 
so-and-so is a fucking loser online. Like like some anonymous guy could just get in serious trouble for saying something like that. Something innocent like that. What well, happened with Kiwi it's... Farms, they tried to take, the federal government tried to shut uh, Null down. Yeah. That's yeah. an example. But, but Null was protected under Section right. 230. The, the problem is that, like, again, so right now, yeah, you can sue someone who, if they call you a big meanie doo-doo head, and you can prove in some way that that caused damage to yourself. If you can prove that them calling you a doo-doo head caused damage to yourself or your business in, in some measurable way, you can sue the person who said it. Without 230, you can go sue the person who hosts the website where that statement was made. And that's the why Section 230 is a very important part of the Communications Decency Act. Because now, as much as I hate Twitter and Facebook and <laughs> YouTube too. Well, I think you have a farm stratifier call. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everyone well, you're does. You're not defending the, the people in charge of the companies. You're defending the little guy. You're defending the people who use those. Like those websites, basically without 233, I, we, I, no one, we wouldn't be able to use those websites. And just like, like no. whether we're trying to say something, whether we're trying to report on the truth, or whether we're just shitposting, all that would be under scrutiny. So we're all at risk. Is that, right. right. Removing 230 would be the end of free speech as we know it on the internet, because you would have to host, everyone would basically have to host their own websites. We'd, we'd go back to 1995, you know, yeah. where everyone had their be, own web zones. Maybe that would be good, though. I mean, if, if it means, <laughs> it'll, what, what, 1.1 will commence again, I guess. Uh, but you couldn't do something like free webs if you, or something like that, where you, or, yeah. Um, yeah. because then if you, if you host it on a video hosting site, still, you could drag it up, up the ladder and say, well, now free webs or whatever, or GeoCities can be sued because they're hosting your content and mm-hmm. therefore they're responsible for what you say. To, an end to Section 230, there are maybe revisions that can be made to it, but an end to Section 230 would be an end to the internet as we know it. Yeah. And, uh, and and the part about academia, where do you see that? Heather? Oh, so <laughs> yeah, I know that was. I got off on a tangent. Uh, oh, in terms of academia, um, it's more well established, but it's not without the capacity for change. Academia always changes. Um, the the thing is, is that you know after the 1920s, the communists went out of the streets and into the into the academy. And that's basically where they have fermented and fomented their ideas for years until they have become unquestionable. And, you know, critical race theory is a perfect example of that, of how they have really warped the, the way that quote unquote science is conducted into the fact that we, we have to even question if two plus two is equal equals four or five now, because if a black person gets a different answer than a white person, well, then there, there's critical race theory would say the reason why they got a different answer is because, due to systematic systematic injustice. Yeah. Um, and that's not science. <laughs> yeah, your videos on the topic have been really, really great. Those are those have been some really good videos. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, I, I wasn't familiar with your work at all until uh, Love sent me a lit tears channel and I binge watched your videos last night and I enjoyed Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the, Two plus two equals five stuff though, and critical theory is the example of, of how the academy has been poisoned. The problems with the academy are endemic in that the way that it works is based on uh, you know the system of tenure. So once someone gets tenured, it's basically impossible to get rid of them. They can do anything they want for the most part and, and get away with it. And so the academy is salvageable, but it will take a, a lot of concerted effort to get rid of nonsense. And, and it, it, it can't actually just originate from the university itself. And the reason why is because, for example, people who want 
college debt loan to all be forgiven are also probably people who have degrees in feminist critical theory and feminist dance studies and stuff. And when you pay people to do that as professors and you give them money and you give them a job, now, then you can't fire them because they're tenured. And uh, then, then you, you promulgate those ideas uh, further for more people. And if it all becomes free, there's, there's no meritocracy there whatsoever. And so it's never, uh, the merit of those ideas is, is never put to test. And therefore they, they exist without question within the zeitgeist. That's my fear for the academy. There was, um, there was a date that I was on with this girl a couple of years ago, and I remember she told me how going into college into these uh, classes of critical race theory and all that, they were the very prestigious classes. They were the classes that all the students try to get into for some reason. And I think it does why. have to do, well, I think it also has to do with connections where the smarter students know that this is the kind of stuff that's going to give them a lot of power and a lot of leeway to express that power wherever they happen to be. So of course they're going to go into those uh, centers, learn exactly how to wield this power and i think it does come down to power and also to the uh carl schmidt friend enemy distinction i was wondering like a uh, geo could you talk a little bit about that and uh, aiden as well and then i would also love to hear from a uh, kukurio who we've not heard anything from at all i know this is kind of like a fish out of water thing but i really value kukurio being here so i want to get into kukurio later on as well so geo what do you think well no i was just going to say that maybe a pushback would be that it, it isn't so much the professors themselves. I've heard this argument that it was the, it's the administration now who is more radicalized and professors have to toe the line, but also that to me, it seems like the consumer model of education is more to do with it. I mean, there is explicit ideological censorship, but I think the censorship in academia, it's different than, you know, what the, uh, the IDW people think it's more of like, they select for certain people in a certain phenotype and a certain, people who have a personality of deference but no but the friend enemy distinction is carl schmidt's idea that every group or society is fundamentally predicated in a founding mythos of a distinction between in-group and out-group and that is sort of repeating itself throughout all of civilization if i recall I'm, I'm butchering it obviously but the founding mythology of every group or civilization is always that friend enemy distinction and people like to deny it and they like to confuse it with jargon but really at the end of the day, it motivates us for al almost every political motivation comes down to it. That's what yeah. Schmidt believed. But of course, words, he was a, all, he was a Nazi, so don't evolve. listen to him, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, let me tell you what. <laughs> I didn't know that. But Oh, that he was a Nazi? No, I don't. I I didn't oh. know about this this philosophy. I didn't know he was a Nazi. I don't. I don't. I really know very little about the man. But I do know this. Okay. That's very. That's a made. That's actually my primary or maybe secondary form of area of research in social psychology is group psychology, where we have the exact mm. same terms in group and out group, and social psychology and all of its research is predicated on the same beliefs that. Every single thing that we're involved in socially is a, a combination of in-groups and out-groups. And we are basically uh, inherently made to believe that the in-group is good and the out-group is bad in some way. We hate the out-group, but it means we really prefer in-group and we, we probably distrust or, or don't want to associate with the out-group. That is, and by the way, so if he was a Nazi um, or whatever, <laughs> that research is solid. It, it has been verified over and over again with research for the last hundred years that that is how people construct reality is via social yeah. psychology via group psychology i know in political science he's having somewhat of a rebirth like people are more willing to talk about schmidt because of a 
the ideas of post-liberalism. So like Patrick Deneen and other, uh, well, not too based people like Adrian Vermeule, but um, yeah, he's, he's an, even though he's, he's like that weird space as Martin Heidegger is where oh. yes, he was a Nazi, but academics will still read him because of his immense importance. So um, that's and interesting. Course, yeah. And of I, course I really don't a, know him. And, and it's just so interesting to me because I obviously mm-hmm. I come at things from a, a research communication psychology perspective. And then it's like to hear philosophers and political scientists say the same stuff. Uh, mm-hmm academics often talk past each other. A lot of times we'll be in different, cause we're in different rooms coming up with the same freaking ideas and testing them <laughs> in our own labs and then just not communicating. It's interesting. Well, Paul Sitting, very... Paul Sitting Shows in the chat says, just got here, Aiden's gonna read CCRU writings. Maybe, I mean, Aiden, have you heard of Nick Land? Uh, maybe. Uh, Aiden? Uh, you're muted right sorry. there. We go. Sorry, one second. I had, to, I had to take my sweater off. I'm sorry, could you repeat it? <laughs> yeah, so uh, Paul Singh Chow says Aiden's going to read CCR, uh, Cybernetic Culture Research Unit Writings. Have you heard of Nick Land? No. Oh, okay. We're not going to go down that rabbit hole. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but but you've, maybe you've heard of accelerationism. and. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've I've been an outspoken opponent of accelerationism. Mm. I I, yeah. I don't believe it's a good idea. <laughs> no, because um, look, if we if we believe the idea or the the supposition that society does work in stages and that it, it happens cyclically all throughout history, I don't see the purpose in accelerating it if it's going to happen inevitably anyway and make things worse. Um, perhaps without. Uh, needing to. I, I think accelerationism as an idea probably leads to, to bad stuff. Um, well, then, yeah, maybe, well, Nick Land, that's kind of a bit too heavy for anyone. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I No, it seems that you, you, well, you why, why enjoy it? Carl Schmidt. If Schmidt, if you're talking about the cyclical history, too, but well, yeah, not to ahead. turn this into a Nick Land thing, but can you say why exactly Nick Land is in favor of uh, accelerationism unless it's too long? to uh to go yeah it's through. way too, don't yeah it's way too long it, it would even it goes into some very esoteric rabbit holes but uh, oh this could be a this could be an interesting episode you, for for you well, aiden if you ever want to do a nick no, land episode a, like yeah maybe a relevance to the topic would to the discussion would be um well aiden what do you think you know now, now that we're talking about this because nick land talks about um information technology and so forth what do you think of the idea that when it comes to digital technology and the internet, that algorithms themselves, we know they're influencing human behavior, but I mean, it's quite a leap to say that the AI will come and we'll all become human batteries. But what do you think of this theory that's even the social sciences very popular and in vogue that information technology is fundamentally altering human behavior and the algorithms are going to make us into uh, wire headed uh, pleasure machines, I guess, or something like that. Uh, evolution works very slowly. Uh, for example, uh, something that everybody utilizes every day for the most part is something called a cognitive heuristic. What a cognitive heuristic is, is that um, when you see a stick in the grass, you go, ah, and jump and, and jump backwards because you think it might be a snake. It's a basic function of our evolutionary psychology. Well, in the modern day, it's very unlikely that you're going to find a snake in your house, but you might see a cord on the ground and still think snake because psychology is is still very much um, based in in these um, 
evolutionary practices. And that means that stuff does change very slowly. So the idea that that all of a sudden within the course of one or two generations, human psychology will fundamentally change because of access to the internet is, uh, I don't think just unlikely, but uh, nigh impossible because these things do not change with an individual psychology. I mean, it, it can affect an individual person, right? It can make someone more neurotic, it can make someone more psychotic to have access to this stuff. However, that's also not necessarily what we find uh, in the data. But in terms of large scale changes of human behavior on an evolutionary level, people are still gonna react to stuff the same way they would online or off uh, to a, a fairly fundamental degree. degree. Um, for, for example, right? Like the way that, that people form relationships online is accelerated. It's um, because you, you people uh, share information uh, more quickly, but when people meet up in person, that honeymoon effect that happens from meeting someone on the internet and sharing information very quickly, it dissipates and people go and have a relatively normal relationship. And by the way, because relationships form faster on the internet, they also dissipate and break up much more quickly. The internet doesn't change anything fundamental about human psychology. It may accelerate it, <laughs> to use that word again, it may exacerbate it, but it doesn't, uh, people don't change. Human psychology is human psychology until we have a couple thousands of years of evolution to move into it, or at least a couple hundred. Well, well uh, Pulsating Shadow is bringing up CRISPR and Neuralink, so that's always been an interesting question for me. If we take, for example, like the Chinese government, who has been uh, spying mm. and tracking their citizens uh, you know, much more thoroughly than the West has, the question is, once these brain chips get introduced mixed in with all of these uh, social credit systems, then how much of the human is going to be left as opposed to a puppet, as opposed to like even more of an NPC, somebody who's just following <laughs> whatever orders are being given through their little microchip headset and they get like uh, some some cookies or some stars as rewards for doing certain actions. Like that's a big dopamine. thing for me. That yeah. is actually where it gets scary. If they can, if they can hook you up to a dopamine, dopaminergic activator, that would start to be where you get it. It over it supersedes evolution because if they can start now, hang on, there there is an upside. There's an upside because <laughs> the human body develops resistance to dopamine over time. So it, the more dopamine is injected into the body, the more resilient it becomes towards it, and therefore every hit is less and less effective. If you were to give someone a dopamine hit every time they did something that was socially acceptable or something like that, that effect would eventually wear off in terms of its potency. But then what would happen to just like we're talking about pornography, for instance, yeah. where like cheesecake, softcore is not enough anymore and people have to up the ante. Would a similar thing happen in this situation? Like I, I'm reminded of the Romans in the Colosseum. First, they brought in the animals just to look at them. Then they wanted them to kill each other. So I, I don't know. Like it's like I it's like there's an ideological trust, effect like... to that too. I think that there's kind of just as in you know pornography gets more immersion. I think that works with ideology. So it's not just enough to like repeat the slogans. Then you have to start dressing a certain way. Then you have to start acting a certain way. And then it's not just protest; it has to be violence. And then it's not just violence; it has to be a war. Then we have to elect a certain certain someone. Like like um, in other words, that itself is accelerationism. You know, we we're, 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 we keep accusing each other. Oh, we're not doing enough for the cause or the movement. So we go further and further and further. I think that's that is basically what it is. It's it's precisely is that it's it's more and more and more to get a bigger hit to get a, a social hit with the activism stuff of um, and and there's all kinds of other social psychology psychological factors involved in that, which is that you know you you basically build up something called social credit, um, social credit, which is 
not necessarily the same thing in terms of how we discuss it in the research as it is by what I think people like AOC are proposing we all get, like this Chinese social credit score. Social credit uh, in, in the research sense is that you, you earn good boy points by doing things for people you know, by being nice, by being a decent human being. And uh, so I think that you earn a, and, and it can be uh, inter and intergroup, particularly intergroup, meaning uh, if you, you get good boy leftist points for having a BLM sign, you get more points for going to a protest, you get more points for throwing a Molotov at a business and, and so on and so on and so on. And social media is a major vector of this because it, it provides a, um, a digital footprint of the manifestations of your good boy points uh, towards your intergroup. So it's yeah. like virtue signaling? Yes. Well, uh, virtue signaling is a form of gaining social credit within your in-group of, it, it actually provides some sort of value. You get some people think you're a better person and then they might treat you more nicely. Maybe they'll buy something from you. That's how social credit works. They'll do something from you. The way that we, we talk about it classically in research is that like your friend uh, needs you to help him move out of his house and you don't want to do it, but you do help him move because one day you will need something back from him. And, and that's how the social contract generally works. And there's a very uh, literal physical application to this. Like, let's pretend we all live in the Stone Age. You know, if, uh, you know, if, if we're going to reduce life to try like this tribes of 5,100 people, and we're also going to reduce life to hunting parties, essentially a fire team of you know, three to four men. I don't want a guy who's going to run and hide. I want a guy who's going to, you know, have my back with a spear. And then I want more than that. I want a guy who can take down a mastodon with one spear. I want a guy who's right. going to risk his life. And, and he wants the same thing of me, you know. And obviously, we, life's a bit more gentle than that. So maybe we don't need to go that far. But I'm sure that, you know, if we did live in the Stone Age or a similar kind of like post-apocalyptic sort of environment, you know, we wouldn't want guys uh, doing like half-assing. We don't want 50%. We want 110%. I mean, if you play a sport, it's like that. I, I don't, if I were to play, I used to play hockey, you know, and it's always about more and more and more. Like one goal isn't enough. You got to do a hat trick and you got two, two hat tricks, three hat tricks. You know, so there is a, a, a there is a, uh, what's the term? Uh, literal well, like, physical application for it. You know, it, it I has think this a is role in society. This may be why people uh, are not that big fans of the uh, soy boy, as they're called. Cause <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. That, that's that's lo- actually my problem with that. I would much rather have someone who is passionate about doing what they love as a friend than someone who wasn't. You know, obviously, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want a crazy person, but, you know, it's, it's much cooler to have a friend who's like, yeah, let's, let's go outside and do something cool today instead of like, oh, you know, let's just watch TV. No. Yeah, but about the crazy people, it is interesting how the political, the political left has managed to utilize and weaponize the the absolute like refuse lump and prole of society yeah. when you look at these antifa mugshots i mean yeah no i'm it. not saying this is you at know? all a good thing i think I'm... that can go into a bad thing but like what it, what, what it reminds me of right now is the imperial japanese of how imperial japanese work you know uh they taught them young in colleges a lot of the people who would fight in the 40s were college students in the 30s and, you know, and it kind of started off as cute, like, okay, you know, I'm going to die for the fatherland, but then it becomes kamikaze, then it becomes never surrender, and it becomes, okay, they're firebombing us, but still not surrender, you know. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I would say it's also commoditizing uh, those people who, who might otherwise not have a lot of outlets in society, in part because they've been indoctrinated through the education system. You're talking about people who probably don't have a whole lot going on in their lives. They're like baristas at Starbucks or something. They've got $80,000 worth of college debt for their 
pointless liberal arts degree and you tell them you can make a difference. Everyone will love you if you, you, you get injured or die for the cause. And, and that has to be extremely, um, I, I, would, I, I would suppose, appealing to people who do have low social capital, who, who yeah. are, are low in, in the social standing with their peers. Well, this goes back to a question that we were asking uh, before, and I like bringing it up just because I'm also divided in what I think here when it comes to even something like uh, liberalism, which I consider myself to be a classic liberal in a certain way. I think, Aiden, I'm not sure if you'd fit yourself into that category, but... Oh, no, I, I'm, oh, a, I'm no. a real Trust hard libertarian. No, I'm a li I'm hard. <laughs> I'm very libertarian. I but mean, like... the I, same thing. No, that's, that's pretty that much is, liberal. That is a classical <laughs> liberal. It's like yeah. it's a different definition of it. It's not the liberal that's being used today. So no, I, I, I know, be... I, I know, I, 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 I'm close to an ANCAP. So I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty far libertarian. So. Okay. Well, it, I, okay. I mean, so I, we, we probably so, agree. I, I agree with like Sargon and a lot of stuff he says. Well, let's, and, and, you know. oh. I think. Well, hold I think the same. Well, the same thing. The same thing applies in this argument because I do have that side of me too. I think that would be like the classic liberal libertarian side, like whatever you want to call it. That side is one that would, let's say, have an open door for people to choose their own path as individuals. My problem, though, when it comes to that, when it comes to uh, how does that uh, how does that book go? Uh, manufacturing uh, manufacturing consent. The problem mm -hmm. that I have is that once you let the freak flag fly for everybody and let everybody do whatever they want to do, then a lot of these structures that we have held for a long time, you know, like the family, community, all these yeah, different exactly. structures come undone. And sure, you could say, well, it's their choice. It's their choice to do A, B, and C. But how many people are really like the artists and philosophers of the world and how many are just like so normie tier and so much more of a ideas have people rather than people have ideas mode that it's it would affect down the line society in a very detrimental way if it's just everybody do whatever you want but i don't know i'm conflicted in this so my I'm very my, conflicted too. my response would be that part of the problem is and i don't even like saying this but it's i think it's the truth is the problem is the social safety net in that if you tell people uh, do what thou willst and you can you can choose to you're basically like allowed to fail and if you you take a choice in life that is probably going to lead you to failure that, or it's going to lead you to not have a lot of options to do um, more complicated uh, jobs or, or but it isn't just about that like you can also invest and do all kinds of things you don't have to have a bunch of degrees you can start a business there's all kinds of ways to succeed under capitalism if you basically choose not to, I don't think that the government should prop you up. Private charity, yes, but the government shouldn't. And it's because the government props up people and allows them to, to fail. And, and I'm not talking about people who have disabilities and are not, you know, do not have the same access to, to stuff in life. And then that becomes a slippery slope because then you say, oh, black people don't have the same access to, to um, the capacity to learn and have educations and such. Like, eh, no, I'm not so sure about that. But I think the argument that I would make, though, is that if you disincentivize people from sitting around being bumps in a log uh, by just saying, well, if you don't do anything, you'll starve, <laughs> you know, as the way things have worked throughout all of human history, that's a pretty big incentive to do something. 
And right now, I don't. We really that, that incentive doesn't exist in the West. It, I mean, unless you are severely meant. So I used to work with the homeless, right? And there is this. This is so telling about much of the left. There's this perception within the left that everybody who's homeless is there because they have been disenfranchised by the system. Uh, they have they they people have been racist to them. People have been sexist to them. They've been abused in some way. No, the reality is that most people who are homeless are mentally ill, uh, severely mentally ill. Uh, they, they didn't choose that. They, they just are mentally ill. And unfortunately, because, um, is it Lyndon B. Johnson? I'm trying to think of who did it. Uh, uh, you did that you, study in 67. Is that you're talking about his report in 67? No, you, where they found, uh, you, like poverty culture. They found out about that. Uh, what made it illegal to just pick someone off the street and put them into a mental asylum. I think that was Johnson, but I could be wrong. Uh, yeah. It was a response to Kennedy because Kennedy was the one who put the, um, pieces into place for it because of his personal experience with his sister who was um, mentally infirm. Mm -hmm. We can't get those people help. It, it is illegal to take a homeless person who is mentally ill off the street and put them into a mental health facility. So we can't help those people with that. Uh, I've gone off on a tangent here, but the reality is that I think removing the crutches from society is probably a good way to get people to be incentivized to work. <laughs> No. I think that a lot of those people, especially the younger generation of leftists who worship socialism, they think that life is supposed to be easy, mm -hmm. which is why they want the government to do everything for you and make all of your decisions. They don't understand how um, dangerous socialism and communism can be to, um, to mankind, because when you worship socialism or communism, you have no respect for human decency. Yeah, I, I agree. And and to people who don't know much about communism, and there's research on this because they haven't had a personal experience with it, uh, compared to people who have had personal experiences with communism, um, I think they, they, they just look at it as, as an idealized form of, whoa, you mean like we all get to live in like a kibbutz and we all share everything and nobody's hungry and like we all hang out, man, sounds awesome. I. I know that sounds patronizing because I was being patronizing. <laughs> what did what did Mark's uh, not Mark inaccurate fish in the daytime and you could do a little bit of work and right. read some books at night. Right. That's that is not realistic nor how it actually manifests itself in actuality. In actuality, people are going to starve and people are going to be worked to the bone. And and while the the upper class, which there still is in communism, by the way. Um, yeah, they, they don't go they, away. They rest on their laurels and 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 watch as you you do all that work and you starve. Uh, no, well, that's I don't, true. I don't I, what disagree. is happening in North Korea, essentially? Yeah. Right. And, and by the way, Aiden, I don't know if you know this or not, uh, but uh, I'm originally from Russia, from Saint Petersburg, and my parents are from Russia. And uh, when you were talking about the mental homes. They were mm -hmm. sending people to mental homes. They're like friends of my family when they said something bad about the Russian uh, uh, government. <laughs> See, and, that's, uh, not, that's not what I was talking about. Yeah, and, they, like, and, they, homeless and, dying. and they force oh. fed them and they force fed them pills that intentionally screwed up their brains in order to oh. have that be like a sign for other people. You know, don't, you know, better think twice right. before you read that book or before you talk about A and B. But uh, the interesting thing for me, though, is that while I am very much aware of the dangers of uh, communism and the system like that the other danger that i think has gone a little bit absent in a lot of libertarian discussions has been with these free market uh, corporations all these companies like the things they're doing right now well that's sure, what i was sure you could say yeah like that's like, my my pushback i think that the problem with 
a lot of this discourse that has be well i don't know if it's popular anymore i know back in the youtube uh back in the heydays i mean i know uh all of them got banned and censored and now bread tube is ruling the roost but uh i think the problem breadline too <laughs> the problem is that i feel that late capitalism is more responsible nowadays for the current uh destruction and dissolution of previous orders and values and also the social um the social uh what would you say milieu has been torn asunder i by these forces of capital specifically the woke capitalism is the current orthodoxy of the day and i think when a lot of the anti-sjw's go off about the authority well communism and culture marxism which is a misnomer in my opinion i, I feel okay. that they're yeah i feel that they're not focusing more on the source of how is it that capital created not created but rather enabled a lot of these discourses to flourish and why is it beneficial for people to be rootless cogs uh, living in pods and eating bugs and uh, not having relationships and so forth. Like, I feel like that's kind of missing from a lot of anti-SJW libertarian discourse. And of course I'm, you know, a terrible fascist reaction, not fascist, but you know what I mean? <laughs> terrible reactionary. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess, I mean, the label is dead, but uh, yeah, I feel that, I don't know. I, I, I think a lot of the social safety net could work, but we have societies of, tens of millions of people that sh don't share common cultural or um, cultural, ethnic, or religious understanding. Well, and also it's important that yeah. our leaders, our leaders should have skin in the game. You well, know, we have a breakaway why... political class, so there's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like, um, and, I, and I want to ask something because because I, I feel a lot like Lev, I'm very, very conflicted. There's a part of me that, you know, really just wants liberty, liberty, liberty. And then there's another part of me kind of inspired by personal experiences and people I know. Because I really can't handle it. <laughs> to, yeah, I really want people to be free and, li and live their best lives by being free. But stuff like a lot of what we call traditions, like, you know, the family, mm -hmm. uh, you know, marriage, having kids. Um, I know a lot of people who they were not lucky enough to have a nice family that was together or, or a family at all. And they are not free. Like that did not like, like they can't just drift or wander like they uh, they are not more free because they're actually less free. I think that in my experience, people who had very loving families who were together like after they got out of the household they could they could really explore themselves they could really do brand new great new things well even um, yeah. even in aiden's video with um like the pill is really was well, that was a great video that yeah. was a really <laughs> great video and that is um i, I guess yeah it, it does kind of remind me of that because um yeah but I, obviously i'm not saying you know let's let's not forcibly breed people you know no, let's not, well, no, no one's but, saying that yeah. that's the whole yeah no forceful impregnation yeah. <laughs> so i wonder what uh Kukuri but no, notice how as society collapses that. and as people has less children that becomes a porno fetish as well notice that yeah that's, that's uh, yeah yeah that i yeah, wanted yeah. to so, write so about not, uh, yeah not, not advocating forceful breed, but i am saying that i i just see a lot of people ironically have more freedom the more traditional family they come from, as opposed to a lot of people I know who have very untraditional families, mm -hmm. where like the parents are constantly cheating on each other. Well, even the, e parent, even you know, even the well, now you have kids growing up in polycules soon, so we'll yeah. see what happens with that. Yeah, they, they are less free. Yeah. They are less wait, free. wait, wait! They have a lot of problems. To, What's uh, a polycule? Okay. Oh no! <laughs> Aiden, do you want to take this one? Love uh, polycule. As far as I understand it, it's it's a, a polyamorous. Um, uh, association between people that may or may not involve children 
uh, and and can be any kind of uh, different people of different genders and and sexual orientations and identities and they're just kind of very family call and by the way and by the way another definition of freedom which i remember i was even listening to one of those great courses uh lectures on freedom and one of the first definitions they gave is freedom from desire like freedom from always yeah, exactly. being uh you know driven mm. by uh you know s s some insatiable thing that would then go away and we have myself here back hello back i'm not doing any food. dumb shit today i'm just here to i think i'm right behind you though yeah you just because are... the paints there doesn't mean i'm gonna use it That's you guys oh, are no. both in england by the way right so aiden and myself you are both in england right now Oh, okay. Uh, yes. So it's 10 p.m. here. So. <laughs> but uh, um, I, I wanted to go back to hello, by the way. But I, I think that, again, I agree that a problem with libertarianism is that it does tend to be incredibly sterile. And uh, a libertarians for a long time have, have defined themselves as being atheistic. And I don't think that libertarianism is inherently atheistic. It's something that got attached to it by people like Penn and Teller are popularized by them. And I oh, like Penn and Teller, but I, I like Penn and Teller, but they like popularize this atheist libertarian um, paradigm or idea, I guess, that I don't think, because I mean, if I, if I think of who I consider to be my uh, role model as a libertarian is probably Ron Paul, like the, a living one, at least a living one would be Ron Paul, who's certainly a religious person. Um, I understand why people wanted to remove religion when we were looking at the sort of 90s uh, uh, satanic panics that were happening everywhere, which also were not um, helpful to society. But I do think that there is a place and need to be a place for tradition and religion and family and libertarianism. And I don't believe that they are in any way fundamentally um, opposed to one another. It's just that libertarians seem to have seem to have re had a reactionary response against it i think because of uh, it's all coming out of this 90s anti-christian response to the satanic panic stuff of like well you know, in the 90s uh, a lot of libertarians were like occultists they were like discordians like uh Robert yeah and wilson yeah right and i think that but that was all a response to to them seeing christianity as as trying to con to take over everything i mean we're talking about like the time where it was, uh, you know, Dungeons and Dragons is going to indoctrinate yeah, exactly. your kids, stuff yeah. like that, that was ridiculous and absurd. Uh, and I think that it created a, a psychological reactance in a lot of people who might otherwise have have not had that response. Well, were I, they kind of right with Harry when Potter? When Marilyn though? Manson was edgy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I hope that that... Maybe Harry Potter was a self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> yeah, I, I do hope that that changes, though. I do yeah. hope that, that libertarians in, in general... Um, come to be a little bit more um, accepting and welcoming of, of religiosity and well, well you have uh, guys like gk chesterton who was this huge yeah. catholic thinker and he was very very critical on socialism and he wrote a lot of great critiques on socialism but he's also very catholic i don't again i don't yeah i don't think that they are in any way opposed to one another and i think that it, it is a product of a, a sort of modern meme nature of of libertarianism who was that idiot who got up on stage i think in 2000 12 or was it 16 i don't remember who got up on stage at the libertarian like guy who like yeah, who, 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 <laughs> oh my god uh, the guy cross tattoo well i don't know if he cross-dressed but he got on stage and no, 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 iron cross tattoo he had an yeah, iron like cross. I, I just that's why he like, really ginger, <laughs> iron cross and he was like huge and fat and he was yeah like, he was a big was big chubby guy big chubby guy he had the, i didn't i didn't notice the iron cross but i did i did 
well, I could not notice him stripping on stage. Yeah. <laughs> At the Libertarian Convention. Yeah, that, that and, wasn't me accusing him of being like this or that reactionary. I'm just saying that's all I remember about him is ginger tattoo and huge big and fat. Well, it's it's a bit hard to remember anything. I mean, I, I was certainly scarred, but I think that's Libertarian <laughs> has become a meme because of people like that. You know, um, and, and I, as yeah. much as I like Sticks Hexenhammer, I think he contributes to it a little bit in terms of also being a Satanist, you know, and, and very much. Well, in, in, not anymore. He says he's not a Satanist, but he is pagan. Like he okay. worships the pagan gods and all right, that. Right, right. Yeah. I, I'm a pagan, so I don't have a problem. Really? <laughs> but, I didn't know. actually didn't know you're a pagan. I'm a shamanist myself. Oh, cool. I'm, I'm a I'm a Norse pagan, which will get me always called a Nazi, but it's yeah. not mm-hmm. like that. I, I used to I used to be really into like that like Indo-European stuff. Mm-hmm. Now not so much because I have a very I had a very strange experience with religion last summer, not to get into it. But that stuff is really really cool. It kind of became a meme recently, but I do really support like people who who, who if it improves your life, I think it's a really great thing. I, I agree, and and by the way, the research is fairly clear on that. Religion does improve people's lives. It makes them happier. It makes them feel less afraid. There's all kinds of things that religion does positively, particularly, and and I mean, this is the truth, in terms of the data we have on it, Judeo-Christianism, Christianity has a positive effect on people. Uh, So uh, I personally am all for uh, Christianity. And I, I, I do think that's a problem with libertarians is that they have this very 90s-esque anti-Christian inherent stance of like, oh, we think the Christians are going to take our freedoms away because they kind of were for a while back then. I mean, we should have. We should (laughs) have. And to address Putana in the chat, yes, the satanic panic was justified. It was real. The Franklin cover-up. Read read the Franklin cover-up. No, no, the satanic panic was real. It was justified, but they went after the wrong people. Yes, yes, that's that's true. true. The Franklin cover-up in Boys Town. Hang on. You guys are right. There has been weird shit going on for a long fucking time, but some, Google yeah, they chose the wrong target. It's the sketchiest thing, and they keep they, getting away with it. They just picked the wrong targets. The satanic yeah. panic went yeah, after the... It was just like some... <laughs> let's yeah. let's yeah. see around on that one. <laughs> no, but I think that's, that is another problem. Again, we're talking about information traps to make a more, you know, less meme point, is that when it came to the satanic panic, you had cases like the McMartins and so forth, mm-hmm. where it discredited the legitimate, what I feel, not to get too Alex Jonesy on on you, but I do feel that the people that powers that be do worship some form of left-hand occultism and they do uh, worship, what would you call it, Moloch or whatnot. And I feel that a lot of the legitimate people higher ups who were dabbling in uh the trafficking of children that was covered up because now the satanic panic was focused on so heavily by the media to say that while you're a kook you're a conspiracy theorist if you're talking about it's sort of like people saying nowadays that it's become a meme where it's oh jeffrey epstein didn't kill himself you know that it's like people put it on t-shirts and i feel that that's discrediting the actual yeah, the um, the, the monumental yeah. weight. He was actually assassinated, and we have no yeah. no answers so far. And and the fact Why that anyone mad about that. And basically, every power broker in in like the last what would you say twenty years has at least at some point rubbed shoulders with people like Jeffrey Epstein. Which I mean, people, it's almost like psychologically disarming people by turning it into a meme, right? So, mm-hmm. well, that's oh, that that is a uh, realistic possibility hmm. that I. I don't know if we have, actually we do have, okay, hang on, I had to access a different, access a different <laughs> part of my brain. Um, so for example, 
we know that when you make things into a joke, it can reduce the harm uh, of a scary thing that it would otherwise have upon somebody. One of my favorite studies to always bring up was Hurricane Sandy. They did this really interesting study on Twitter. Well, they used tweets and they had a, an account that was called Hurricane Sandy and it put out a bunch of tweets before, during and after the, the hurricane. And they were mocking. They were like, I just, I just absorbed a Starbucks. Now I'm a pumpkin spice hurricane and stuff like that. Like really stupid oh, army jokes. You don't, don't worry about the jokes too much, but okay. the, the reality is, is that uh, before the event, before the hurricane hit, people thought the jokes were really funny. When the hurricane was affecting, um, was actually hitting, people did not like the jokes at all. They found them very offensive and very upsetting. However, after the fact, they found them funny again. But the funniness of the jokes quickly diminished because it became irrelevant. And I think that's sort of what happens with, with jokes about this stuff, is yeah. that uh, they have a very strong psychological response when it is temporally relevant. But then as time goes on, it becomes irrelevant and it just fades into the ether and it loses any meaning without the context. Yeah. I, I'm still big on the whole Epstein stuff, but that reminds me of when I used to be, I used to work at the store and uh, you know, it's kind of my job and I, I don't, I, I don't know anymore, but I used to be very friendly with the customers because not only did I like it, but also we were encouraged to do it. And this guy came up and he was like, Oh, I need to find a DVD. And I find him a DVD. And then he just like, with no <laughs> prompt, he just starts telling me Epstein memes. <laughs> and they're all ones I heard. And it's like, dude, I completely agree with you. And these are funny, but I, I heard them like 50 times ago. It's a much more shallow dimension than I think things that we like talking about here. For example... Yeah. This temple of his, this was something that I've seen like years ago, way before any of this stuff happened. There were pictures of that te uh, Epstein temple on 4chan. Yeah, and people were thinking like, what, yeah, like, what is going on here? Why does he have this weird occult looking temple? And if you were to show this to people, they would say like, oh, you tinfoil hatter or whatever, you know, they. And people did. People used to, people used to think that Epstein was innocent until all that stuff came to light. A lot of people yeah. thought that this was a baseless accusation until it became public that he did these things. But even with these things, I think I think that there is an element of uh, the modern condition today, maybe because people don't want to go back to this uh, more, let's say, uh, conspiratorial or uh, I don't know what the right word here is, uh, you know, more magical oriented thinking, even though I think a lot of the thinking that people do is kind of magical because I don't I think we're always going to have some religion, like whether it's BLM or whether it's Antifa or whether it's there's always going to be a gap that will be filled by some religious ecstasy that people will fill, I think. But anyway, the point that I'm getting to here is that the more magical and mystical and esoteric side of a lot of these things, there's a group of people that would completely dismiss them, not want anything to do with them, including the Satanists themselves. They're like the Aleister Crowley people. Or yeah. like, you, know, you, know, you know, the experience <laughs> oh, that we've had there. I'm like, why are you guys so defensive? I'm not accusing you of doing this. I'm accusing of someone else of doing yes, it. Listen, yeah, yeah. For, for the Thelemites we had on, no, the elites. Yeah, I saw that episode. Afghan. I was like, oh, that sounds like a conspiracy theory. You guys never mentioned the J's at all. How did she come to that conclusion? Yeah, well, apparently all conspiracy theory has to do with anti-Semitism, according to some people. Has nothing to do but, with it. it's like, which is well, another was another thing I wanted to bring up uh, with Aiden. But yeah, to the to the to the Philemites, let me say, yes, it's true. The the elites they're not using magic and it's totally irrelevant, but their hot topic magic is is the real magic. So to, that's uh, <laughs> but Aiden, what do you what do you think now that we're talking about this? What do you believe think um because we were talking about censorship before. I don't know if you've been following it, but apparently they're trying to counter the narrative uh, because the nephew, Hassan Piker, he was 
I don't know, his limp video got restricted or something. And like literally within 15 minutes, YouTube uh, groveled and, and, and reversed it. And ContraPoints is out there saying that, oh, look, see, the left gets censored too. But um, what do you <sighs> think of when it comes to this type of stuff? What do you think the, the, the uh, I, I know even just saying it makes me cringe. What do you think of the radicalization narrative they've been trying to push for the better part of a year or so now, two years? The uh, YouTube rabbit hole thing. Of, yeah, I, I know uh, you directly. I think you had a video on it, if I recall, or something. I, I did, and I also yeah. read the Trump Accountability Project research, and I actually spoke to the guy, one of the researchers behind it. Seems like a pleasant enough guy. He was also on PSA Sitch and uh, Adam Friended's show. I don't think he defended mm. himself very well, but at least in private conversation, he was friendly to me. I think he doesn't... I don't think he's... Let me explain what it is first. I, but uh, I don't think this guy has bad, evil intentions. If you don't know what the Trump Accountability Project is, it's very similar to other things that have happened in the past, where it basically, oh no, the Trump Accountability Project. Uh, that's something else. I'm sorry. This is the YouTube, sorry. It's like a YouTube Accountability Project. I'm getting two things confused now because there's so much stuff that's happened. I'm so very sorry. What was this called? Um, it's It's a new YouTube thing that's come out. That is that categorizes people's political um, ideology. Well, like it like it it was like a web of relations. Like it's how a it's a relationship move. web. It's not the Trump account yeah. that's that's yes. I, AOC Sticks, stuff. Sticks I'm sorry about that. I remember. I, everyone was in it. Yeah. I was in it. Um, let I me see if I can that, find it really quick. But I'll go ahead Wait, and describe everyone. what it was. What do you mean and by the way, and by the way, everybody. A lot of people. Anyone with anyone with anyone with over like maybe. 10, 20,000 subs was on this list. Speaking of a lot of people, all the people who are watching this right now, thank you so much. Don't forget to subscribe right now and click that bell. Uh, we have such amazing guests here. Aiden, you are incredible. By the way, Hopefully Aiden, we'll be on that web one day. Break yes. the rules. We'll be oh, hopefully. The, the radicalization. Well, oh, I, I don't want to be. <laughs> while you're while, while you're looking for this, I also wanted to go to Kukuruyo, who has been silent this entire time. I'm just curious uh, what your perspective is on uh, all the stuff we've uh, talked about so far. And you have great artwork. You are a hentai artist as well, not just hentai, oh but you do a lot of a lot of really nice looking hentai. Oh my god! Well, you have talked about uh, like a hundred things. <laughs> <laughs> is there any Sorry. specific one that would stand out for you, like something that you would have the uh, the most interest in? You don't know. <laughs> well, that that's completely fine. But let me let me ask you this: as far as your uh, sphere of influence, like I know, like uh, you you follow Aiden, and uh, would you say that there is a splitting up in terms of some of the people who are you know drawing like the anime hentai art who are let's say much more. Uh, I don't know, SJW versus the ones who are maybe willing to give other points of view a chance. Do you see there being battles that are fought there? Or what, how exactly would you describe the state of that uh, art community today? Mm, the art community. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, like a split. Like the people, could, especially the people who does uh, hentai and, and lutes and all of the stuff is like anti-PC culture and the people who's more like colored Stumbler style is more like woke and all that stuff. And well, I, I maybe have a different perspective because I live in, in Spain and in Spain we have it like far worse than in the United States. Far and, worse in terms of like Antifa, things like that? Like, uh... Well, not specifically Antifa. There's not much Antifa, I, I will say, but Spain is probably the most woke country that you can find in the world. 
Really? But they had Franco this whole time. You, would yeah, you say like, we, we bounced it. We, we made a bounce to the complete other stream. Would you say it's similar to, say, Ireland, where a lot of um, countries in that Eurozone that, that uh, were more during the, you know, the 20th century, they were more conservative. And now it's like they're almost trying to catch up. They're like the little kid that wants to catch up with the uh, other big kids, the European countries like Ireland, Spain, uh, would you say that's the case? They're just trying to like outwoke the, the, the Anglosphere countries. Hmm. Yes, uh, I, I think it's that like we had Franco and all that stuff and then we, we just bounced it completely. And the, the thing is that in Spain, what we do is uh, we pick, uh, the reason why I take too much attention to what happens in the United States is because in Spain, what we do is uh, we pick the things that are happening in the United States two years later, and we multiply it by 10. <laughs> it's actually the same in Kuwait. That has been more and more common where things that happen in America, even though they don't affect Kuwait at all, people like Kuwaitis, um, they subscribe or conform to that ideology, whatever it is, two years later. <laughs> Seems like everywhere seems to have this big thing of like trying to copy America because I think it, the UK is especially bad for this. The whole like George Floyd shit, where it's just like, oh god, there's like I, so I much of that like graffiti everywhere and shit of you know. Yeah. Well, that's ridiculous. That I wanted to bring up with everybody, especially Aiden, is that there is a story I saw in Ireland. Uh, there is a young white man who got uh, very young, like a teenager, who got beaten up. Uh, by some gang members, and the Irish courts wanted that video scrubbed offline. You know, they just wanted to get it completely. Well, it's, just, it's American political colonialism in the yeah, of but also that's a really scary form of information uh, destruction, which has happened there. Like, or like in New Zealand, where they just wanted to put people in jail. I mean, that's kind of a different because that's pretty touchy. But the the New Zealand shooter, they wanted like put people in jail for just I, I like, like sharing that. the video. I like that term, Geo, American political colonialism. Yeah, yeah that is what it is. Yeah. That's well, basically what it is. It's as, as the <laughs> Hollywood culture. We well, I think it's it has to do with the Hollywood culture industry, um, because globalization really is Americanization. And as Hollywood has colonized the imaginations of people through the culture industry throughout the world, now the American political ideological, uh, the the political industrial complex. Now it's like this weird form of American political colonialism where now the whole world has uh, Japan uh, j from, from well, speaking Tokyo of Japan. To, guitar, to, to Jakarta to, to, uh, to Rayat, they all have to have George Floyd uh, touring um, yeah. uh, projection screens of uh, George Floyd. Big golden, so. <laughs> golden coffin funeral march. Yeah. 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 So it's fascinating. First of all, I, I wanted to be clear and, and fix a mistake I made earlier, when I'm covering a lot of things, I mix names up sometimes. I was not talking about Trump Accountability Project. I was talking about Transparency Tube, which I've posted in the chat. If you guys want to check it out, uh, this this is the thing I was talking about. Yeah, where I, I, I spoke look. I spoke to the researcher on this, and I do not think he has malintent behind this. But if you'll notice, people like Tim Pool are are like far right and stuff. It's um it's, <laughs> it's, it's quite oh. odd. Um, <clears throat> Well, I, apparently I, he's a I fascist. Also, uh, he's a Nazi, according to. Uh, yes, I also team. read. I also read their their study on how they collected these data, and um, I have problems with it. But 
that's for another time. I think that uh, it is interesting, though, to think about how America seems upstream from global politic culture in that, yeah, like the BLM stuff starts in the United States. It really started four or five years ago. And it was it's okay. So the impetus behind all of the let's be real riots uh, this year were was was George Floyd for the most part. And then when we saw the same things happening in the UK, it was like, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> this is happening in the UK and it was just uh, it's very bizarre to see the power of American politics globally like that mm. I don't know but, what that's about but also is it the uh, working class or the upper class because one thing we noticed with the uh, extinction rebellion protests is that a lot of these people were the upper class uh, British people and I remember there was even a video well, of they them call the middle to... class there that's what they call mm. their middle class well <laughs> The working class was basically rallying against them because they were disrupting their work. They were disrupting them being able to get onto the uh, train. I don't know, Aiden, if you were there at the time, like what exactly was going down related to that. But uh, yeah, l let me know. Wait, uh, what specifically? The uh, Extinction Rebellion protests oh. that were going down in England. And then later I, I, the BLM I, ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I paid somewhat attention to them. Like where I live is is very you know, in the country. So none of, I didn't get any of it here, uh, but I saw it on TV a little bit. I didn't pay too much attention to it because again, it seemed like a runoff from the stuff that was happening in America and was, and therefore not organic, right? Uh, it was um, faux outrage or, or maybe not faux outrage because the way it, psychology can be a mind virus, right? It, it literally can in that ideas can spend, can spread um, in a viral nature. And it can be that, well, because you saw these grievances online, then you took them up for yourself. And, and and particularly if you ruminate upon certain ideas for a long enough amount of time, uh, it can feel very real for you. That is if you experience that pain or suffering or whatever, uh, rumination, it has a, a lot of effects on the psychology of people. And I think that's what a lot of stuff is, particularly when people are inside all the time and have nothing to do but look at their screens and they ruminate about stuff and it makes all of these things way exacerbated in their minds. So. And particularly, I think, why. also, if, they're, if they have a lot more money, I think that also factors in, not all the time, but uh, I even remember there was a, I was at the National Arts Club where I uh, run the Art and Technology Committee in New York City at Gramercy Park, and we had a guest speaker who's also, you know, on these, uh, uh, not exactly Antifa, but Antifa-adjacent anarchist groups, and there was this lady who was like the daughter of some billionaire who, as soon as this guy went outside, she threw food at him, and like her boyfriend punched him out. And it was because, like, he uh, kicked her out of his apartment that she was staying at and partying all the time. So you think, like, people like that, you know, they have better things to do, but not really. You know, like, they have everything that they ever wanted to, given them on the silver platter. And because, I, I don't know why, like, I guess not everybody's going to be like Buddha or Alexander the Great. You know, Alexander the Great yeah. had a really prosperous father who, uh, you know, was already at a high point. You know, somebody... Well, also, you know, if everyone's doing it. it, if everyone's doing it, you know, why not? <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't matter how much money you make. A lot of people want to be part of the part of the pack. I just don't think they have that much else to uh, yeah. to work on. If they if you don't have that much else to work oh, well, on, well that's true fight because for. if you have a lot of money, you have to worry about less. This isn't me saying that people shouldn't have more money than other people, or saying that people who have a lot of money don't work hard for it. But like a fine, you know, if a fine is five hundred dollars, the guy who earns five hundred dollars per year, the guy who earns five thousand dollars per year, and the guy who earns fifty thousand dollars per year are all going to interact with that fine differently. They're all going to have a different opinion on whether or not they should break it or how they should break it. 
or if at all. I agree with that. Yeah. So if um like if you, if you got parents who could just give you bail, like that's very different than going out and doing whatever you want. Knowing you have bail on arrival is very different than like knowing it'll take a few years or knowing you won't get it at all. Knowing you'll or, you'll or, just go to prison. They don't even need to know their parents will bail them out because clearly these these uh, big in terms of the United States. Yeah, and the Minnesota Freedom Fund, which is funded by all these uh, fucking celebrities, Seth Rogen, all those types. Celebrities so. and de- celebrity Democrats will bail you out if you fly the right flag. Then, then they will bail you out, and you won't face any yeah. consequences. But that kind of stuff is down, you know, horrifying. You. Yeah, that's that's the kind of stuff's horrifying. Oh my god, the the level of just sheer. I, I, I can't describe it as anything but malice and, and um, vileness when, when they were bailing out all these people who had set fire to the buildings and they said to the business owners, well, you have insurance, right? Yeah, that's, that is, yeah. excuse me. Fucks. And also, again, it's this belief that anyone with, um, and that's the other problem is that if you're a target, you know, if I'm, if I'm, if I own the target company and I have, I can s- sacrifice one mall. So that way I get all this fucking support and everyone, you know, fucking likes me. But if I have one store that I spent 30 years of my life on, you know, and I'm not even breaking even, because that's what a lot of people replace it really with for, money. Yeah. Just because you own a business does not naturally mean you have a lot of money or you, or the insurance to, to cover that. No. Especially in low income areas. Well, no. Uh, sorry. Oh, I just want to say real quick, this Korean girl that I went to SVA with, her parents, you know, put so much money and energy into this uh, store, and it was one of the stores that ended up getting burned down, so she had to make a fund online, like, through her church to, uh, you know, help rebuild, but that's, you know, that is such a tragedy in so many people's lives, and that is, again, like, the benefit that these upper-class assholes have, or the upper-class assholes who fund everybody else, you know, like, they don't give a shit about all these stores all they give a shit about is their ideology and being right and i i don't know i, yeah. really I think some people there from what i saw did, didn't even seem to give a shit about like any of it they just wanted to loot they just wanted like to revel in the chaos to get out for a bit yeah a lot of them like, were just thing. angry they, they just were angry and they didn't care who paid the consequences so um and also i just have to add you know i'm not i love freedom we've just about how pro-freedom i am i really am but i really want a working a working class movement not necessarily i don't think marxism is the solution at all i don't like marxism but when events like this happens like i like there needs someone to vouch for working class people um and there needs to be some kind of moving for the movement for the working class because i just i don't see that anywhere well unions (laughs) used to be reasonable i I don't even think the left for the most part in the united states is really pro-union that much anymore i think they're they're actually very anti-union they're very it's it's so bizarre it's like the, the the unions now let's be real unions are very often corrupt so they're yeah, not the be- they're not the perfect yeah. solution, but it's bizarre to me that if you claim to want to fight for the working class, you don't also want to advocate for the working class advocates that actually go to court and fight for their rights. But I, I think that the thing also with the looting and stuff, you're right. It's that um, they did not want to do or prove anything. I think a lot of people just wanted to steal stuff. And the reality is that they, there is this perception within the left that anyone who owns a business is the 1% when that couldn't be farther from the truth. I won't go into details, but a friend of mine or someone I consider somewhat a friend uh, owns a business. He, he owns a comic book shop and he's spent his entire adult life pouring every last penny he has into this comic book shop and it got destroyed. 
Yeah, I so, mean, yeah, so how can you say, because people say like, oh, a physical life wasn't lost. Well, maybe, but maybe nobody died. But that's- Well, his children, maybe his, his, oh, his children have no Christmas now. How about that for yeah, sure? Exactly. Like, like that is a, there's a human casualty to this. You know, we, and there's a very human, find... it, just, it really makes me mad when people say like, oh, at least you're alive. Like, oh yeah, but there's more to being alive than just being alive. I have to How about if you didn't me. do that stuff and steal and burn things down for your own amusement and, and, and enjoyment, then everybody would be better off. Yeah, I, exactly. I just, it doesn't make any sense. I know that they, you know, they're communists, so they want to redistribute the wealth, but they are really- but They really do they're, that though. They're not aiming for the right targets. Tiny shop owners, yeah. in downtown Detroit or wherever are not rich even by the way because this is this is the confusion I think too and, and again it it displays the fundamental I think lack of knowledge that a lot of leftists have if somebody owns a Sephora and you might think oh Sephora that's a very expensive uh makeup store it's probably a franchise I don't know Sephora for sure but I'm most of these stores are franchises, meaning that an average everyday person owns that store. They bought the right to sell the products there. They had to pay into it. So they have the right to sell the products, but they are not Sephora. They are not, I don't know. Oh, exactly. No, exactly. no you're, right? you're completely right. Also, because if there's a threat of physical violence, like this is something that really pisses me off the people to get. If you break a window, a big glass window, you need to be aware there's a risk of someone being blinded just by being in the vicinity of Yeah. If you're with your friends, if there's like three guys and you all agree to break the window and you're the only ones around, go for it. Um, but if you don't, like if there's other people around, you're putting them at risk. So when you like, when you do shit at a store, there's the cashiers, there's the clerks, there's everyone who works there. And guess what? The company doesn't give a shit about them. You know, <laughs> they're not getting the healthcare benefits that could uh, well, you know, really help someone we need if they get really fucking blinded by a, a shard of glass. And it's funny because Target, you know, Target essentially set them up. Target was okay with their mall getting burned down, but they did not give a shit about the people in that mall who had to work for them or else they would get fired. Yeah, and then franchises would eat the cars. I've got something I kind of want to mention to this. It's like somewhat related, but I kind of feel that people don't really understand like what a life means. Like I don't. And I feel like a lot of these people doing shit like this where they're like burning buildings or picking all of this shit out is like, I don't know. I feel like maybe we should just force people into like bad situation, like war. I don't know. Like I don't like war. Well, we but need. Maybe. I feel like we need something. We well, we well, need to like remind people that life matters and, and that you should have basic empathy because when you're suffering, some like 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 people should know what it's like to suffer. I guess is what you're saying. Well, no, it's not suffer. It's not suffer. It's more than just suffering, though. It's like I don't know if like the Magus goes into this a little bit. It's like a book I like, but there's like the whole. I think people should just like roll a dice almost and just like to get all the war bullshit away from them. I kind of agree with this, but it's like offhand point. But just roll a dice. If you roll like a fucking six, you just die. And I don't know, I feel like that would like I feel well, like that no, would that probably solve a lot of problems. Life, life, life is precious because you can like with one out of six people die. <laughs> so that's reminding people that life matters, I guess. Well, so, I, I mean, feel you know, we need not the worst idea. <laughs> we need almost like I would say an Ernst Younger uh, worker state. Where the state yeah, values exactly, Gio, I completely where, agree with where you. Where we, we, we have to say about working class people, especially working soldiers who mm-hmm. fought in the First World War, is very relevant today. But because we need to find a solution to this problem that is in between, like bourgeois liberal individualism and like rootless capital, like basically people have to earn a wage to live 
And, you know, Marx was at least tacitly right in a lot of respects in terms of uh, the way that, you know, commodity fetishism and people are alienated from their labor and so forth. But we also have to find something between that and Marxism. And I feel that the worker state could be a viable thing. Oh, did I... Is that fascism? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. Was, fascism. Don't worry about it. Geo, there, was one, there was one problem, though. Which a solution is, between socialism and, and oh. nationalism and capitalism. Well, <laughs> when you're, okay, when you're talking about when you're talking about, let's say, a country like South Korea, right now there is so much automation, from what I understand, going on as far as the robots doing a lot of the work. This is another question that I don't think we should just uh, put in the corner, which is. As technology gets more advanced, as more things get automated, including self-driving cars, self-driving trucks, all this stuff, then the question is then, how are most people even going to work? Like, we're talking about a working class. Well, the question is if it would. Yeah. That's, right. that's a, there's a big if there that, again, that's like techno-determinism, which I'm, I don't know, I'm skeptical of, but I don't mm -hmm. know, like... I guess the general question would be for Aiden and everyone, like, what do you feel would be, like, the picture of a future society if, like, we have, like, I don't know, people just can't work because of automation, so we have, like, some kind of, like, uh, glorious automated luxury neoliberalism. <laughs> men and, men and women will be weaker if technology progresses because men and women are already getting, like, weaker. They don't work out as much. They're getting fatter. They're getting obese. They're getting, like, out of shape. And I feel like if technology progresses, we need some kind of, like, I don't know, just like something. We need something to keep people fucking doing something, like I'm going insane. Because yeah. like, it's, I just go outside and do what I fucking want. To be honest, like I don't have. There's like barring stuff that's closed. I go out. I do whatever. But it's we need something. I need to fucking fight something. I've said this before. I need to get out of my system, or I need to fight for something. Because it's not. I don't. I can't see anything at the moment in society. I'm like, I would like die for that. If I was forced into that, that'd be like super. Yeah, cool. it's like, yeah, no. exactly. Um... So, why would you die for anything well, i don't know like i'm sure there is like a worthy cause to die for i don't know like no there is nothing i don't know maybe that's... yeah i, I agree like, maybe who, don't die for stuff you go to the army <laughs> well, i don't know what are you fighting like... for well, i don't know fighting for myself i don't know like i just need well, some kind of drive let, let, yeah that's a good point. so maybe a fina than than aiden so uh <laughs> Yeah, I'm I think it's more of a man thing. I don't know. Like, I'm and, not and I, have, gonna, I have a good friend of mine who was a former Marine, and I was like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm kind of thinking of enlisting. I was like, don't fucking do it. <laughs> just oh, don't. I don't want to enlist in the army. Like, fuck the yeah. army. It's more like, the I way don't know, the it's kind structure of a box excessively. I don't know. Yeah. But no, I don't want to join Antifa. Fuck Antifa. Maybe if things go get worse, there'll be like Weimar situation where you'll have the free corps that are more like fascian based and red pilled. You have Antifa, which will be like the com the the communist international of their uh -huh. day. There'll be the neoliberal international. I joined, what is it? I was watching that uh, Mishima biopic. I joined like a private army or something. Like I wouldn't join the army, but I joined like a private army. Well, thing. Antifa was the Antifa of their day, by the way. They were holding rallies right before uh, Nazi Germany. So that was one of the things that was responsible for people voting Hitler yeah. into power. They were so fucking afraid of a lot of these commie movements that were starting up. And they like saw him as being, I guess, like uh, the only thing that would stand in the way of uh, Germany becoming full uh, communists and it wasn't a joke like Britain I think handled it well where I think the British were able to introduce certain social programs in so that people would calm down and they wouldn't go communist but uh, you know things uh, things work in uh, different ways well, Vi but, uh, Weimar was a very crazy time it was a very crazy time a very crazy place indeed well Aiden uh, what do you think uh, real quick I, I want to say something about the idea that uh, of like 
the, the people need stuff to do. Not all of them. <laughs> okay. There's this factor called need for cognition. Um, if they, if they don't need something to do, then give them something to do, like force them to do something. Cause otherwise they're going to be, become annoying <laughs> to be around. I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree a hundred percent, but it, as difficult as it is, because I would imagine probably everybody here is very high in need for cognition. And what need for cognition is, is a, a desire to know more about anything. Like, just, I want to know more about that thing. Not, not necessarily everything and anything, but, like, I want to know more about stuff. Um, there are some people who are just content to never know more and never do more and just kind of live uh, as they are and not e expand their lives or their, or their um, psychology or their, their philosophical knowledge or, or not, not expand their humanity. They're fine being bumps in a log. You know, that, that is perfectly acceptable to them. Those people, you're probably never going to motivate to do almost anything because they, they don't see any value in it. They just don't see value in, in self, um, self-exploration and, and improvement. They just don't care. It's, always going to be hard to motivate people like that. And it's like 50% of the population. And by the way, here's the interesting part. It is completely unrelated to intelligence. Okay. So interesting. I'm skept a little skeptical on that. But it's true. On. No, uh, in, uh, need for cognition, the need to know more, the need to, to learn and grow is unrelated to basal intelligence. So do you I don't know, but it isn't. I, but I so, mean, what do you mean? You just, this, how do we define intelligence in this case? Is it IQ or what is the... Uh, I, IQ, Waste Weschler, yeah. So do you, oh, Aiden, awesome. now that we're on this topic, thank God, because I want, I'm dying to ask you, do you agree with the distinction created by our good friends at uh, Colliac that, well, former, uh, do you agree that there is a relationship between High wits and low wits versus midwits. Do you agree with that? So I, I I'm very new to the term midwit, and you know mm. what I would have always called them would be um, suits. Oh, gee, just suits. low information. Yeah, yeah. suits. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the the midwit um is an interesting term, but what what is the relationship proposed between uh well, high wits and low wits? Exactly? Yeah, yeah. The, the the relationship it proposes that um. Highwits and lowwits share a lot of common assumptions and opinions about the nature of reality and the nature of various like uh, in, like heuristics towards what is innately true. And basically, highwits and lowwits have this capacity to view things like traditional sources of knowledge and uh, gut instincts with more of a forgiving lens than, for example, midwits that believe in like you know, Reddit, I fucking- Oh yeah, give me a give me the paper, but I don't really know how to read the paper. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, one, one... yeah the debunker in the chat. Right yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> you know- I'm going to debunk. <laughs> I'm debunking, oh God. <laughs> one one thing that, that I, I tell people all the time, and it is it is usually the truth, is that if you're looking at something in human behavior and you go, whoa, why do people do that? Think about evolutionarily why that might have happened. And it explains most things. And you don't have to overthink it. It's like, uh, yeah, that makes sense. That's probably why that happened. Because when we were monkey, that was why that needed to be the case. Um, I do think that, you know, I, as much as I like to overthink things, I do think it's the same way where it's like, when okay, when, not just me, but when any person who, who studies any kind of social science or any science really at all goes into uh, doing a study, they have a pretty good idea of what they're expecting. That's how they form their hypothesis. 
unless you have no idea and it's a completely new area of research and then you have a hypothesis that that is multi uh, bi-directional right and you go i don't know i think these two things are related but i don't know how they are typically we have a directional hypothesis i think i say i think this thing is related to this thing in a positive or negative manner i think that is kind of a product of intelligence but that is essentially also just instinct which is also what low intelligence people are relying on is instinct. It's just that the high wit or whatever, I, I wouldn't even call myself that. I think I'm probably a midwit, but the high, the high intelligence people are just relying on instinct that is supported by, by data. And that's it. It's still instinct. To, to, uh, I, I think that's completely correct. Whereas I, I believe that like people who are the midwits, they want to study to tell them everything. Uh, they, they want to be told how to think to a, a different degree rather than being intuitive. Yeah. But also um, it's easier and to be used by authorities good. for that. Yes, like and intuit your intuition is a good thing, guys. It is a good thing to follow. But also I would say that right now. Yeah. But <laughs> but also would say the midwit, I think, you know, if we're talking about the Reddit phenomenon, the midwit is also, I would say, the ones who look at in terms of social dynamics, intelligence really is social currency. It is the hipster yes. glasses that you wear, even though you have no eye problems. Yeah. It's that same level, I think, of signaling where it seems, but at the same time, it's an intelligence that is grafted to um, over socialization immensely. Like these, the midwit is in general the more the more sort of over socialized out of all the populations because when you have, I would think the attention economy and things of that nature nowadays people are very much reliant on like hyper specific specificity oh god tongue tie hyper compartmentalization specificity i feel like a lot of people as well when yeah. they're like i don't want to like go into like a whole midwit ramp but i feel like a lot of people go oh yeah the dopamine in the brain and shit like that it's just like they will like go into specifics about chemicals they know nothing about it they know how to ex don't know how to explain it but say Oh, the dopamine goes to your brain, or the hunter gatherer. I'm fucking sick of it. Just, I don't but know. That, like, but, then, but that oh. is also, I, I mean, to that's push back a bit. What I do. <laughs> no, but but <laughs> a, that's yeah, Aiden. I think I would push back. I, I'm I'm critical. I think of Evo psych and things of that nature. I, I mean, it's applicable, but I don't know. I to me, it just seems reductionistic in some. It, what would you actually, say to that criticism? I, it actually does make sense, though, that the midwit would be the person who evolutionary from an evolutionary psychological position would be the person who knows just enough to impress the mate, right? Because the midwit is the majority of people. That is the main, the mass of people, male or female, but particularly male. In this case, we are majorly looking at men here, not women so much because women don't really, women have other ways to show their value, predominantly physical. Men uh, can show their value physically as well by look at me, lift up big rock, uh, but also uh, because we're an advanced monkey species, it's, it's often intellectual. And so you only need a little bit, but you don't want that intelligence to necessarily be abrasive, right? Whereas like the high intelligence people might not be able to tolerate the thought being like um having some <laughs> i i'm thinking of there's this old uh bit from um where it's like oh no the woman has had a thought of her own <laughs> she must be put in her place it's it's or, very much or like that ancient greek play what was it called <laughs> the uh you know what i'm talking about like where they got a woman to be like in the uh, leadership position and then all of society went to shit oh, aristophanes the, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, Brands oh, H. Forever wow. talks about that a lot. It's it's very predictive of our situation nowadays. But anyways, yeah. But but the, my my point is that like the the midwit is very able to to attract women with his intelligence, but not 
abrasive intelligence. It's actually, I would say it's an evolutionary strategy. Midwitism is an evolutionary strategy for mating. I don't know. I feel like with a lot of this stuff, I would rather be like the person, like I was just looking at some mice and men stuff. Like I'd rather be Lenny than the person dealing with Lenny, you know, like I don't want to be the fucking, I kind of just want to be like a big dum-dum sometimes. Like I don't really value my return to monkey. Well, I want to ask you guys, how does this <laughs> run the conversation of midwits and, and halfwits and bigwits or whatever? Are you the average Santa denier or the Chad good boy for Christmas this year? Good well, boy for Christmas. Santa deniers in here are. Uh, green yes. Santa. Oh, if we're going to talk about that, I'd rather green Santa. Fuck Coca Cola. I don't want. If you're going to post images of Santa, it better be fucking green. It better be fucking green. Again, I again, like this... blue Santa, which apparently is a Scandinavian tradition. But and I, uh, I Soviet too. They changed him <laughs> to blue in the oh, really? Soviet Union. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because uh, when I was a kid, we had these wood carved Santas that were like uh, representations of, of Santa from all over the world. And like I think like the Norwegian one had a blue. Uh, coat. And I always thought it was the coolest, the, the prettiest looking Santa that we had. Was <laughs> so I always like liked that one. Was there a point he had as well? No, I don't think he had a. I mean, he had the the typical, you know, puffball hat. Oh yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. But oh, uh, yeah. when when it comes to a lot of these uh, depictions, like I, I mean, I am one to talk. I need to absorb a lot of the things that you have absorbed, Aiden. My perspective comes more from the mythological, mystical perspective on a lot of these things just because mm -hmm. I tend to recognize patterns very quickly and associate them with, like, uh, consciousness as a burst of energy radiating forth, like a starburst or explosion or whatever that then creates various shapes. And you could see that with sacred geometry. You could see that even with our with our own face. Like you see that with data. Data are, data yes. are beautiful. Like I know it's yes. a Reddit, but like data actually are beautiful if you know how to actually understand them and aren't just looking at a Reddit post. <laughs> well, it is important to combine these things together. And I feel like too many people are in one camp or the other camp. I think one solution that, I mean, I'm not going to call it a solution. I'm to call it a uh, whatever may happen later on like I the problem that I have with the word evolution is that it implies a certain upward trajectory or at least I think people associate mm. that word with That's an a upward misnomer. trajectory yeah it was never a straight line it always had curves and bends and yeah well it's it's adaptation yeah. really like it's whatever environment you happen to be in that's going to affect whatever ends up surviving is going to be the best suited which brings me to the idea that i think it is way 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 more easier to descend than to ascend what we have right now as human beings the ability to talk like we're talking to store all this information in our head this promethean ability to think ahead this i think is a very precious gift that can deteriorate over time. I think it is way easier for people if they don't hold this Promethean fire within themselves to denigrate to the point of relying much more on whoever survived. They passed their genes on, but now they're relying way more on Mother Nature than they are on, you know, getting, you know, getting somewhere higher just in terms of. I don't know. I believe in Akasha. I believe, like, you know, in all this crazy spiritual stuff. That's just me. But my whole thing is, I think it is possible for us to tune into higher frequencies, man, or whatever you want to call it. But, but if we don't... Well, love, I feel, I feel you we... want to ask Aiden about the question about 
a certain something in IQ. I don't know. I feel like you're trying to. Uh-oh. No, 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 oh, no, no. I wouldn't. I wouldn't oh, say. No. I'm I mean, I'll well, answer I'm honestly. Kidding. I'm not gonna lie. Like, here's the yeah. here's the yeah. I won't lie about that. I I'm so tired of that. I'm so tired of it. You Sorry. know the recent IQ thing. That's what we were talking. Yeah. I know. Somebody somebody was asking, would you uh, disavow Molly meme? <laughs> uh. Stefan Molly meme. I mean, yeah. I don't know. He said some really dumb stuff. Like, but he's also said some good things. And I think that a lot of the stuff that he says are positive, affirming messages to his audience. I think he is a meme, and I think he's a grifter. I, yes, that was about the word I was about there to you use. Go. I think he's a grifter. You literally beat me before I could There's say too the many word. Fucking people <laughs> who do this. There's too many people who do this shit where it's just like. Uh, here's my opinion, here's my opinion, except it's, here's some, st- I don't know, just fucking sick of oh, the Molly Meme, Watson types. Molly Meme does, does occasionally, does occasionally have studies more, but. He's got what, some cult leader vibes going too. He <laughs> apparently, yes, apparently used to be kind of the leader of a cult from what I understand. I, but that makes him, look, if it makes you feel good and it's not negatively impacting your life, I don't necessarily think it's a problem. And I think that for Molly meme, and I think that for anybody, the second it starts to have a negative impact on your life and you start to do weird shit or give it, spend a bunch of money. No, no, no. That's when we put the brakes on it. Right. If something makes you feel fulfilled or happy, I can't say it's a bad thing. Uh, unless, well, again, you, until it crosses disagree, that line. Hard disagree there. Heroin. Heroin. Oh, heroin makes you feel no, because happy. that crosses the yeah, line. That's taking your I'm really just saying shit. Guys, guys, one at a time, one at a time. Well, let All me right. I'll I'll elaborate. No, if if heroin makes you makes you happy and you're willing to sacrifice your life to do it, I believe you should have the right to do that. Uh I, I it's gonna oh. fuck you up. It I'm a libertarian. I really am, okay? Like I'm a pretty God. But but I think um, what would be the argument? So would you say that people have made this argument that um people like molyneux and people like alex jones now by the way i have to admit i've listened to alex jones for probably almost like what 12 15 years yeah i've been listening to alex jones for and and molyneux for yeah i remember when he was on the youtube sidebar like my god when that used to matter but what is the argument would you your response be to people that say that these people are dangerous there's misinformation and even let's go let's go edgier not alex jones or molyneux let's go fucking andrew anglin daily stormer what do you say to people that say they have a right like it's the right of these tech companies to totally just purge them from their service providers in the internet and they're like oh well they're hurting people and they're evil racist nazis and what would you say to that like well, I, I went over the, the data earlier and mm. I stand by it, which is that when you silence them, you make their voices 10,000 times more alluring because they wonder, people wonder, why can't I hear what Andrew Anglin has to say? Why can't I hear what stupid shit Richard, Richard Spencer has to spew? And then you have made it a commodity. You have made it v- valuable by restricting it from people. Anything that is restricted, why is gold valuable, right? Why is gold valuable? Why are diamonds valuable? Because they're they're rare, that's Mm. why. Well, uh, diamonds are are artificially, diamonds are artificially rare, but- uh, But but you know what I I mean. Yeah. In in theory, like these things are valuable because they are rare, they're hard to come by. Things that are difficult to obtain gain value 
via social capital, right? The way the value that we put on things. So when you you ban someone's speech, you apply value to it. Therein is the conundrum and the the contradictory nature of social media sites banning people. I, f- I don't know. I feel like you're giving too much precedent to what is it the Barbra Streisand effect? I don't think like Streisand effect is real. No, I know it's real, but what I'm <laughs> saying is, is like you're thinking that when they're like banning, the, I don't really agree with the banning, but when they ban this shit, I feel like you're thinking, oh, then that's actually going to promote them, and that just isn't the case. I don't know. It's just like it depends. I mean, it's yeah, it's an imperfect sort of social. Yeah, I think that I think the data are kind of are 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 actually slightly more in support of that. Uh, so, for example, let me bring up a study, right? Um, there was a study that... Uh, I have to bring a study? Up. Oh, okay, vouch with your studies. I want to hear no. your opinion. I want to hear your opinion, Rob. I, I value opinions about women's studies. Do you think these people... Well, studies should... are just opinions. I don't have a... My, all of my opinions generally are based on research. So let me just really? explain it real quick. For the most part, really? yeah. I'm a social scientist. That's, yeah, pretty much... Oh, oh, I, well, I guess that makes sense, <laughs> but still... <laughs> If I don't have data for something that I can't make a, a definitive, okay, wait, like, how far does this go? Hold on, how far does this go? Do you like go to a restaurant and then do you like I don't want to order this from McDonald's or some like well, restaurant? Oh uh, yeah, in terms of like, uh, what we want McDonald's, yeah. If I don't like got a PhD in really? McDonald's studies. Like you can't just like go somewhere. There, there are people that do study McDonald's in a in a scientific, uh, obviously. But Athena uh, has to go. So Athena, final mm, thoughts before oh, you I'm have sorry. to go. Thank you. You've been so lovely as always, Athena. Friend I'm of sorry we all right spoke you on. So it's okay. This was just so interesting to me because I don't delve into these topics often. So this was very interesting to be a part of. And please, please go to Instagram and Twitter and subscribe to Athena's uh, accounts. She is Thank a you. fashion go icon. Yes. Go subscribe nice now. to talk to you, now. Athena. Again, I'm sorry. Trad <laughs> fashion nice icon. Right now? Yep. <laughs> yes, Thank it's you, been, everyone. Go do that. Athena's too lovely to everyone. Everyone. And everybody, everybody subscribe right now for Athena's sake. Athena is wonderful. She's a friend of the show, and she is lovely and uh, like uh, like was said before, a great fashion icon. Subscribe for the sake of Athena right now. Everybody who is watching it, as she's well not as like her. those other Instagram. She is she's about a few <laughs> million leagues above the Instagram baddies and whore influ- yeah. art ho influencers. She is not your average art ho. So let's <laughs> there you go. Thank you so much. It's very smart. She's awesome. I'm not even talking over now because Athena's very nice. I wish she had more to say. <laughs> well, I have to go have dinner. Um, I hope you all have a wonderful night. You, you too. Happy holidays. Thank you so much. Thanks. Happy holidays. Take care. Happy Merry holidays. Bye bye. Bye bye. So yeah, and everybody subscribe and also go to patreon.com slash break the rules. I do not promote this enough. Go to patreon.com slash break the rules right now. And some of the things that you end up getting $20 tier gets you original, beautiful magnets that my father, Alexander Polyakov created $30 tier gets you Giovanni Panicieri's beautiful Japanese woodblock, pr- woodblock prints. $50 tier gets you a custom wooden magnet, including the first two things as well. There we go. Go to patreon.com slash break the rules right now. I'm going to post the link short in the chat and again subscribe 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 and click the bell one thing I wanted to also make a uh, slight correction on is that my personal view when it comes to consciousness and all that I think like everything else everything that exists is in a way conscious you could call 
panpsychism or whatever, but also the door to Akasha is open to anybody regardless of wherever they were born, wherever they come from. I don't think that limits us in any way. What I would say, though, is that I think human beings No, love, general, no, not lower caste. Yes, lower caste yes. cannot do it. No, no, no I, okay, I think I think people could you become need, lower... You need eye color that is <laughs> no. either... Oh, you need eye man. color that is either blue or green... Nothing else. Don't worry. Oh, I, I have I have neither. My my eyes are my eyes is brown. Yeah, I'm oh, a designated you cannot enter, uh, worker no, soldier can't. cast for life because I'm a green brown. So that means I'm I'm designated just be a soldier labor for life. Oops. Exactly. Yes. But uh, the other thing that I wanted to say in relation to this whole thing though is that when I say that human beings have degenerated, I think that. If you look, for example, at Cro-Magnon's cults, people portray Cro-Magnon's as being like these, ooh, you know, these. Right. But, but really, if you take a look at the skulls, they are very well shaped, you know, like they, there yeah. is no indication that they would look like, uh, you know, like the Grug, the caveman, you know, and that, that's something very interesting to me to think about, like people assume that there is this upward trajectory of modernization while like i said before i think it is way easier oh. to you know to denigrate over time if you don't work on yourself and it brings me to the idea that uh, socrates had when he was talking about uh, the advent of writing how he was lamenting it because now people can't remember as many things and when i think of radio and television and now the internet and vr and all this stuff all these inputs that we're putting into us like the willpower of the human being hmm. seems to denigrate over time the more outsourcing there is to these external mechanisms that make it work a certain way and as a result like i think i think if you do look at let's say more tribal societies i wouldn't say like i think that they may be disconnected from certain things but connected to others i think that they would be connected more and i, I don't have the studies in front of me but i do remember i do recall reading about this and please let me know okay, just, if, uh... you don't even need a study Hold to on. say this tribal people are going to be easily connected to each other on a personal yes. level right, more right. Than anyone yes. like, you don't need a fucking study not just that not just being connected Stop to saying each studies other. say not your own so about a study i'm getting not I'm just calling you on this <laughs> okay. i mean not you just... can call me on it but <laughs> no yeah. I'm, I'm talking to us now as but well but i guess yeah. an extension would be that I, I to further my to further you and myself's point is that science itself i feel is also another product of power knowledge and ideology and it's it not a neutral um it's not a neutral template of human knowledge that people make it out to be. And so when you see people like Vouch who talk about studies all the time and they cherry pick various uh, politically nuclear sources and going on about, well, this, this study that you're citing actually has not supported to me, it just seems very, uh, very cretinous to use that, that level of midwittery, in political debates i feel that politics to me has more to do with someone's gut fauna and instincts than it does with whatever knowledge that you're retaining in the moment i don't know i could be wrong about that but oh by the way another quick another i know quick i'm thing. aiden i'm sorry i'm kneecapping no, your I, profession no. but no i i'm trying to think of what to even respond to at this point 
but, but, by the way, while you're thinking, one one quick point that I did want to finish off with uh, my rant from earlier is that while I think that they are like the tribal people are more connected to each other, I'm also curious how much they perceive themselves as an individual versus being part of this mm. mass whole. That's always been interesting thing for, for me to think about because it reminds me of like the archaic Greeks and uh, Julian Jaynes who wrote that book about how uh, he believes that the mind was split during the Bronze Age and as a result people perceived the voice of the of the gods coming from the right hemisphere and did not really attribute their actions to themselves as opposed to just like this mass collective like uh kind of like they were puppets as opposed to people and i wonder if most people still do retain that but have like the mask of uh being this quote-unquote individual snowflake so i don't know it's an interesting thing content, for me to think about though. like when i see like footage of tribes people they look content Oh, I don't definitely. know. It's like I don't think that second oh. necessarily matters as much. Oh, but I think we're I don't know, they like they tribal pa painting. Okay, tribal photos. Yeah, I do think so. No, not so. just photos, like footage. I'm talking like, like right, right, right. tribes and stuff. No, I, I agree. They do seem happy because I agree that um, technology technology complicates things. Life is simple. We are all apes we are all monkey right so when we get into this advanced technological environments we're talking about stuff that that massively compounds the psychological factors that are pressing upon us in yeah. more and more ways yes social media is perhaps the most heinous thing <laughs> as we're all con communicating via a form of social media perhaps the most heinous thing that's happened upon the human psyche because it puts pressures onto people's minds that it was that the human brain was never designed to, to be able to comprehend or, or take in the idea that basically like at any point in time, you can be shunned by not just the entire tribe, the entire tribe times a thousand. And again, why I say that we should pay attention to, to evolutionary psychology when we look at things that happen and why things affect people is because there's usually an evolution, evolutionary psychological reason behind why things happen in human psych, um, if not always. So yeah, why do people get upset when stuff happens on the internet? It's very easy to say, oh, just brush it off. Just don't pay attention to it. Yes. But at Have the same time- Have you seen this book, by the way, uh, Bad Science? Sorry to interrupt. I just uh, didn't want to forget this. There was this book that was written by Ben Goldars talking about how um, a lot of uh, the scientific uh, studies, they were also biased by the people who are making them to achieve a oh. certain conclusion that they wanted to see. <sighs> how much do you want me to go into it? <laughs> I haven't read this book, well, but- Oh, we can, can... Go, go, go into it later. I mean, okay, it's well, not... I kind of have yeah. something to say. Like, so you talk about all this technology stuff being like, you know, oh, double-edged sword, if I'm hearing you correctly. Would you say Yes, it, it is exactly, you're right, double-edged sword. Yeah. So how do you, with all this like study and data talk and all of the things that you do, how do you try and combat this stuff? Because it just seems like you're feeding into it a lot. Like this, you don't, I don't know. So, like, someone post a well. picture of Ted Gazinski in the chat right now, please. Oh, no, I mean, there's, there's not much, there's not much I can, I can do to, to, to counteract it. I mean, really, it, you don't think there's anything you can do to counteract technology? What, like, what could I, okay. We'll go for like long walks. So that that's like a good. I, I know, but okay, <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, but, but let, let me, uh, which I, I just did today, by the way, but like, um, l let's try to put it into, into, <laughs> into some perspective. What I have chosen to do as a, as a profession, so much as it is one, is that I chose to leave the academy because I, for a lot of reasons, but ultimately I am going back and finishing my PhD, but part of the reason I chose to leave 
part, the smallest part at first, but became a larger part as time went on is because I realized that when I would teach in a university hall, nobody cared what the fuck I was saying. They just didn't. They cared enough to know how to pass a test. When I go on YouTube and I, and I, and I make a video and I say, here's what the data say, here's what this research indicate. People listen and they, they take it in because they are doing it via their own volition, not because it is part of a university course that is saying you must take and pass this course in order for you to get a stupid degree that isn't worth anything in the long run. And I'm saying that about my own goddamn field. Like Have you, that, <laughs> that's the Aiden, that's a good point. Have you heard of uh, Justin Murphy? No, sorry. You don't know about Justin? Oh, yeah, he uh, was I, also an academic. He was a political science researcher and he left... I know James, I know James Lindsay and all of them. We, mm. we talk occasionally, but I don't, <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't you, know him. You should look up Justin Murphy. He, he also came on the show, but he, he, uh, well, he got into some political controversy, but he left and he's all about creating alternative institutions. And he, That's I mean, you have to do, and he has several different projects that are designed to help, uh, whether or not they're griffs or not design uh, he's a friend of mine so i want to be charitable but he has several <laughs> projects designed to help alternative what he calls indie thinkers to uh fulfill their potential outside of a university setting now, also arranged myself, marriage right isn't he trying yeah to well he's got an arranged marriage site now so <sighs> twitter incels uh, can find uh, love now well which I think well I, <laughs> I i actually fundamentally uh, agree with the concept to make our own tribes because anything can be a tribe a tribe isn't necessarily a nation or a group a tribe can just be you and your friends going your own way and that's what i completely support you know that's that's what i think is the solution is, and a bit of it, it i mean i know it, not everyone can do this i can't do this right now with my income but you know go off the grid homestead learn to build sure. your own stuff uh, my biggest the thing i recommend the most is just working out i think like if you work out with your friends i think that's like <laughs> there's all kinds of other research on how working out is good for your psyche in general so i suggest everybody work out just a little bit lift a weight once a day you can do calisthenics calisthenics anything yeah. yeah i was being facetious but no yeah, i know i know not just working out but also meditating and again like i i can only take i don't i don't want to be this weird hippie guy in the conversation all the time but i do want to <laughs> say that without using any drugs whatsoever uh, just trust me on this aiden as far as my own personal experiences yeah you can get to the point through breathing techniques where when you close your eyes, you would be able to see a shining white light in the center that can turn into a star, like a five-pointed star, into a triangle, into oh, a, dude, even into a DNA helix. I mean, I don't, I don't know about any of that, but awesome, man. Try, try it out. I'm, no, I guarantee you. Oh, but anyways, so we're, we're getting it. off way off. <laughs> no, no, I think, no, I think it's absolutely on but I, think, I, know, I think that's absolutely on topic because what we're talking about here, Geo, is that we're trying to see what exactly are the limits of uh, what can be what can be seen through studies and if there are certain things that we've just been ignoring because they haven't really been part of the curriculum that maybe studies yeah. could be applied to. No, I think meditation is a good thing. And one of my favorite classes I ever had as an undergrad was our professor had us every day, we would come into class and he'd say, we're gonna meditate for five minutes. We're just gonna sit in silence and just think. And it was, that was actually helpful to, to collect my thoughts before the class. It was, because we, we talked about, you know, it was a philosophy class. So, you know, that was helpful to think about stuff before the class. And I think that it can be useful to, to meditate. I do think that, and I'm saying this based on science and data, Science, science data, 
you know, lifting and, and cardio and doing things with your body that activate your body. They are good for you. They make you feel better. Do that kind of stuff. Uh, it, it actually will make you psychologically feel better if you're physically active. That's true. Data are, are fairly consistent on that. Because that's what I'm adamant about is that, you know, I mean. Oh, can you speak a little bit louder? Sorry. Like really form a group of people you like and do cool stuff with them. I think that's the solution. If you don't that, yeah. Like that, you're just mm -hmm. going to go with the pack. You're going to go, I mean, like, think of all these riders. Like, do they know the people they're riding with? But no, it doesn't matter because we all agree with, we all agree with the same fucking message. Oh, well, all, um, there's we a theory all, behind um, that. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but I, I see this phenomenon where, um, where people care about people who don't give a shit about them when you should be focusing on, so, I mean, some people don't have the best family lives. So like if your family doesn't treat you well, make your own tribe without them. But uh, if they do, you hold on to that shit, you know, family and friends, you know, and, and that's why I recommend, I just talked about working out just now, maybe it was a little bit off topic, but I think that's a good tribe building thing to do, you know, when you can, you know, especially, especially amongst men, I think all genders, but yeah. especially amongst men. Really quickly, what that's called is a social identity model of de-individuation effects. And I'm sorry that I got really excited to talk about it, but... <laughs> oh, go ahead. I, I never heard of that. What is it? A social identity model of de-individuation effects is a, a, a combined communication and a media psychology theory. What it finds is that people who are pseudonymous, or uh, which is not quite anonymous, but kind of anonymous, such as you would find in a riot or a protest yeah. are very quick to form instantaneous group identifications with other people it bolsters their self-opinion it bolsters their emotional state it makes them feel better makes them feel great when they're a part of this instantaneously formed group other things about this group that are true is that they as a process of forming the group instantaneously develop norms without and and laws without any kind of things being laid out so we can kick people out of the group as we feel willy-nilly because they violated a rule that we haven't even made established. There so is, uh, there's a Facebook page I really like. I recommend you guys check out called Primeval Initiative. Um, if any of you guys know like the esoteric bodybuilder kind of barbarian sphere of uh, Facebook online sphere, whatever, uh, the, I think he used, he used to go as Rune Goon. Great page. And he, this is a quote I really like where they describe quote, a tribe is based on mutual respect, a community mm -hmm. of shared power while all are supported within and pushed to be better. Whereas a cult isn't based around mutual respect. It's for the benefit of a select few. It is a shepherd leading you to slaughter. Um, and I really agree with that, that sentiment. And I think that we have a lot more cults and a lot fewer tribes. And that, that's probably a problem. I think it probably contributes to depression too, you know. I would suggest it probably does lead you. Yeah, well, I mean, because I think well, that a, a good portion of the human population is essentially suffering an, un, an unrequited lo love for people who will never know that because these people are the the CEOs of the companies they work for. These people are imagine. These people are on social media. You know, it's um. What's that oh term? no, the social media <laughs> stuff. It does create yeah. a, a perceived perception. Yeah. of love and and it, it is not by the way the same thing it's a and, perception and we, of it but it's not the same thing and we discussed before um you know like what is there to die for like like what can we die for? so there's so few that probably people would consider worthy to die for maybe compared to antiquity or in the past and, and that goes into it i i wouldn't die for jeff bezos <laughs> the fact that you... i was working for him very recently but you know, this is but my friend, yeah. uh, a girlfriend, uh, a parent, like, yeah, definitely I'd die for that. Yeah, 
Aiden is a good faith poster. Uh, but Caustic, uh, subscriber, uh, Patreon of ours. But uh, yes. Aiden, oh, and, you... and, and I'm going to read Caustic's uh, thing uh, as well after this. And by the way, the full message is for everybody who's counter signaling Aiden. Understand <laughs> that, she's, that she's a good faith poster uh... like Short Fat Otaku. And while they may not agree with us on everything, she cares more about helping people than being right. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Also, because oh, me and Gia are like cool. reactionaries, and we're having a pretty con good conversation with the libertarians, so yeah. that's how you know it's good faith. But, but it, that's a good point that the corpse brought up. I, I wanted Aiden to give get your opinion on. It is not the same, but what do you think of as the future of e relationships and oh. e networks and the netizen, as a friend of the show Alexander Bard calls it? What do you feel of the? What I I'm starting to work on a paper on this on a, an essay, but when it comes to moving from a reality of the internet not being taken that seriously to now the internet because of various reasons is the it seems that hyper reality of the internet is taking over meat space and meat space just becomes fuel for what happens online in terms mm -hmm. of politics and culture. So what do you think of the idea that we're entering maybe a sort of an e-maturity where people say that, well, the relations I have around me are so fundamentally fucked up. The nation I live around me is so alien to my values. And I mean, I come from Canada, so say no more. Uh, what do you think of the idea that the only relations we have that are meaningful and deep are online relationships. And we're just going to have to like find ways to make them more meaningful. Like, what do you feel? Or do you think that would be a total alienated hell world and that we're all just going to suck dopamine off of each other through clicks and through cults of personality and parasocial relationships? Like, what do you, do you have a, a negative, I know that's like a dichotomy, negative or positive, but what is your nuanced take on like the future of internet relationships? I actually think that they have become a, a, a bit more desensitized as to where they were maybe 10 or 15 years ago in that there's this this hyper fast nature via which internet relationships occur I, I spoke about this earlier but the reality is that the way that okay the way that people communicate on the internet is not the way that people communicate in real life because we do not have the typical even if you even if you were talking about talking to someone via video so there's there's um Media richness theory is the thing that says that low media richness is text, high media richness is face-to-face -face communication. How much information you're willing to tell somebody is dependent in part on media richness and a bunch of other factors. But when media is low in richness, like text, or even when it's just not face-to-face, -face, even if it's video, it is still different from the richness of face-to-face -face communication and allows people to have this disassociative factor that lets them feel more comfortable sharing very personal private information. It is the hyper-personal model. So we call it hyper-personal model of, of uh, interpersonal communication. <clears throat> Yeah, it's well face to face unless we have some kind of weird like, you know, existence VR. It is true that when you're face to face with someone, it's it's a different like having met people that have followed me for years on the on Twitter uh, in real life. It, it's just a totally different dynamic. It's like that relationship is much more meaningful because you met that person in real life. So, yes. I, and let me uh, get into some of the data here. Because hyperpersonal model has been around since the 1990s when researchers were first like, what's this online dating thing about? Mm. It's not a positive necessarily. 
for example, people who uh, get involved in these relationships via the hyperpersonal model are more likely to cheat. They're more on their significant other. They're more likely to fall out of love with that person very quickly. These are not long-term relationships so long as they remain online. They have to have a physical face-to-face uh, communication aspect. They have to have this very, very important hormone connection called oxytocin that happens via skin-to-skin contact or vasopressin in males. And uh, without that, they they uh, they bloom very quickly and they they die very quickly. Well, yeah, I, I feel that you know, in my opinion, uh, dating apps like dating websites are so uh, tools of social control and biopower. Now, y- you take it more from the social science, the uh, social psychology aspect. But me, uh, I I know this may be a shocker for people who don't know, but I'm I'm very well. I'm I'm pretty much consider myself a Foucauldian, a right wing Foucauldian, believe it or not. Uh, and I think that dating sites are basically an extension of uh, biopower. They're meant to control people, and they're meant to instill a certain uh, approach to interpersonal human relationships and intimacy that are very advantageous to power itself, because people are now stuck in these sort of root, rootless, uh, transient, stale relations that they just keep swiping left and. Uh, I don't know what you feel of that, Aiden, but uh, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, I agree that it, it's it's meaningless. It's become commodified and uh, gamified, I would say. Yes, actually. gamified, yeah. Um, I, I don't know how, how, how better to describe it other than gamified. Uh, that doesn't mean that, that real relationships don't exist, but this internet stuff, as great as it is as a communication tool, is actually doing some harm, I believe, long-term to to human communication and particularly human relationships. I believe it has given rise to the thought culture, which is things that in any other situation we would kind of, as a society, be like, hey, that's not cool. Um, You know, it's not to the same degree as like people shun porn stars, but the internet has made it so that it's not just okay to be a porn star, but it's okay to just be a woman who just that's what you do is just, is just sends nudes. And uh, that devalues women, I believe also, because it places their entire value as a human being upon their bodies. And it's very funny that feminists, some feminists are interested in this, whatever you want to call it. Um, oh, sorry, empowerment. Keep speaking, something's burning. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be right back. Oh <laughs> no, <laughs> if something is burning. It's called the internet. <laughs> uh, and, what, and what do you feel? I know this is like totally like, um, like manosphere chateau hertis uh bordering on misogyny i mean i've I've been working with the honey badgers since i started so don't worry about it well no this is more nuanced (laughs) than that stuff but do you do you feel like it's true that um women are uniquely susceptible to the attention economy and once you have an environment (laughs) where women are seen uh, on terms of only fans or instagram influencers where women have this instant dopamine pipeline of attention that like you know the whole like uh manosphere logic that eventually these women they can't form meaningful relationships because why would they want that from just one man when a million men are asking for nudes in the dms so i don't know what you i I don't know i I don't mean to like i don't have the data on that i don't have on it can i have an opinion can we have an opinion but my you and i feel you're being brutal you're being too i'm sorry but i want to hear some actual opinions i don't like talking to a a spreadsheet i really want to hear like (laughs) talking to a spreadsheet look look listen do you want do you want your would you approve of your daughter doing something like this like an only fans would you approve 
Like, oh, no, I'm no, not saying, no, like, this out is right. of, No, out of my house. I'm sorry. Like, no, I mean, I think that this is the thing is that we do recognize that these things societally are wrong and weird and we don't uh, approve of them. Uh, and I do think that the, the whole idea... It doesn't sound very it, libertarian of you. Like, are you a libertarian? I don't know. I'm, I'm sorry I'm, I'm being so I brutal. I apologize. Uh, it's just... Well, no, it's fine. Yeah, you're right. You're right. The thing <laughs> is that it, it isn't inconsistent with libertarianism in that if I feel that something is morally wrong it has nothing to do with whether or not I, sh- I want to be legal or not right so i think that only fans should be legal i think it should be fine i think that it's horrible at the same time moralistically that mothers have to watch their daughters go spread their shit for men randomly online and yes i do find it uh i, I think it's going to mess up a lot of women's heads in the future psychologically the fact that they have formed their entire sense of validation on this very small period of their lives where they were sexually at their height of attractiveness i also feel like i mean i wouldn't want to see my daughter doing that no i wouldn't of course i wouldn't uh in terms of like the this the feminist sort of revolution here i don't know how long that's going to last because you have to understand that as this is happening at the same time we are experiencing a renaissance in terms of uh, how realistic fake women are becoming a, a in terms of like a mo- an AI model, a CGI model. As that stuff becomes more and more accessible, I think that women, certain women, are cashing out on their limited time left of physical value in this space, if that makes sense. They know they're on the way out. They know that that they're on the way out and that men can buy a sex doll that looks better than them than they could ever look in about five years. And they're going to hit the wall. (laughs) And they they will hit the wall. And they will hit the wall. Reasonable women, women who have any kind of intelligence or any kind of of, uh, long-term intelligence, I should say, you know, which is real intelligence, which is the capacity to think uh, forward thinking, will understand that that showing off your titties is is a short-term validation, short-term financial gain, but long-term detrimentally detrimental to, towards your um, success uh, as, as a mother and as a human being in general. And we'll, we'll probably, ch- I think that this, this thoughtery will probably die down, maybe, probably uh, over the next couple of years because it will be replaced with digital thoughtery. With, uh, oh boy. Mm-hmm. Well, well, it's, I have it's, a it's question interesting. for all the, oh no, sorry, go ahead. Didn't mean to cut you off. Sorry. I just wanted to say uh, regarding the uh, thoughtery, even if it's digital thoughtery, I could see how that can work out well in some cases, but also people are still going full wirehead mode here. And the idea I think that people have had online recently from, let's say, the more reaction reactionary circles is that, you know, people used to, uh, and still some people I'm sure think that uh, with welfare, it is taking care of your most like the most weakest, the most vulnerable people. And yes, that could be abused, obviously. But when we're talking about psychologically taking care of weak people when it comes to not having them fall for certain scams, that while these scams are legal, you know, like whether it's advertising of certain forms, whether it's something that, again, creates this uh, consensus among people through it being done in a certain way, you know, like with a certain 
very high level degree of propaganda or even low level degree of propaganda, just mm -hmm. whatever it is that's going to hook simple mind, pe simple minded people in. I think the concern that people have is that in order to have a healthy society, you can't just look at all the simple minded, low information people and be like, oh, you know what? Let them do whatever they want. It's their fault if they fall for A, B and C. It's like, no, because just let them be happy. Just let them be happy. But the then that creates a degradation yeah. of society as a whole. Which I mean, we don't want to go down certain red pilled paths, but what? yeah, put it the, put say no more. But because so, that's what I want to ask all the libertarians in the room, because I don't uh -huh. identify as libertarian, and I and just from this conversation, it feels like I probably have a lot of misconceptions. You just asking Aiden. Wanna, yeah, just yeah, ask just, me. I guess just <laughs> it's say, fine. Yeah. I'm the only libertarian. I'm the low. You can be a low. Do you say that a part of libertarianism is like if you were to have a homestead? Part of libertarian, uh, it would be libertarian ideologically to defend your homestead from, say, outside attackers. Because, because my yes. opinion on a lot of this thought culture is it's actually grooming. It's actual grooming mm. of children. So if someone's grooming my daughter, I'm gonna get a fucking kind of... uh, shotgun in Minecraft and do something bad in Minecraft. You know, like like <laughs> you know like that what? would make sense libertarian wise, right? That's a very I hadn't even thought of that proposition. No, I because I a hundred percent think it's uh, it's it's brilliant. that they that they're too. invading your homestead via ideas. However, I believe the libertarian answer and and that I would agree with is that ideas are not a gun. Ideas are not a physical force, and therefore I don't know. That's hang on. I I already went through at the beginning of this podcast. I went through about how ideas have a real effect on how people react to things. But so I do have to ask about money. I'm giving you the libertarian yeah. response to that, right? But your response, and no, a lot of as a libertarian, a as a libertarian, yeah, that would okay, be my sorry. response. As a libertarian, that would be my response. I'm not sure, though. However, let me let me let me be clear. Let me be clear about how strong media effects are. So there's something called agenda setting theory. Agenda setting theory. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That has been studied since the early 1900s. Agenda setting theory has found a 0.98 correlation between what the news reports on and what people think about. Now you would think, oh my God, that means that the media affects what people believe that is not the case that has never been the case in fact the answer is that the media has a very small effect on how people think about the news it affects what topics they think about but not how they feel about those things and so w w if you're talking about the idea that the media injects people with an idea it's been called, called the uh, hypodermic needle hypothesis which has been disproven and also that's, studied for about that's 100 That's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like I I'm just I'm using a physical metaphor because I'm me I'm a I know. Dumb I'm, 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 no 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 don't no, 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 no. <laughs> Wait, um, finish your finish your Yeah, sorry. That was it. That was it. It's that it's the media media perceptions can't do not inject people with how to think or feel that is just incorrect because um, i'm not talking about media perceptions i'm talking about if i have a homestead and a a man in the neighborhood who i have no problem with goes to my homestead and after talking with me he talks to my daughter and says hey you know if you want to make a little cash on the side i think i would be defending my homestead by protecting my underage daughter from this man and oh, that's yeah. what i think a lot of this thought culture is because I, I see well mm. like if you're a well, girl and all your friends are a teen and they're all getting only fans like there's something really fucked up about that. And you but, talked about how male attention, oh, okay. you know, like, like, and there's a lot, there, we know for a fact, there's a lot of grooming online that yes. a lot of unscrupulous, not just men, but a lot of them are men. Uh, we'll go after young girls. And, men, you know, women, DMs, men. Doing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're doing sketchy stuff. Yeah. And they're doing sketchy stuff. 
you know, it's, if, if you should, if you would defend your homestead from bandits or something, uh, or from like, or let's say, you know, it's about organized crime. If a mafia guy comes over and says like, oh, you should do this or else, you know, or you'll make a lot of money out of it. But you know that he's basically going to, you basically, you're going to sell your soul. In other, in other words, sorry, let me just wrap up. Well, children libertarian, libertarian to defend yourself from selling your soul, right? Uh, children need to be protected. Yes, but I, yeah. I have caveats on my libertarianism, right? Children are a different beast. Children need to be protected. Protected. Okay, so yeah. children are not adults, and therefore they do not have the same freedoms as adults. That means that children shouldn't really be allowed to go online and post this kind of stuff. It really okay, but sorry, what do you consider a child? Because we might be getting some classic no, like, please, libertarians. No, please, <laughs> yeah. no! In my opinion, okay, do you want my opinion? I, I actually yes. believe a child is anyone under 21. It's true, your brain doesn't fully okay. develop till... Yes, yeah, because fair. your brain doesn't so fully develop... I shouldn't develop be allowed until to, that's fair your, your brain okay. actually doesn't finish developing until you're 25. But I, I, I actually think that the 18-year-old uh, restriction is a little bit lenient. I, I mean, yeah. I'm, I understand why it's, it's okay. It's an okay restriction, but 21 probably is a better restriction than, than 18. Uh, and I don't mean that to restrict young people and, and, and dunk on their parade, but because I know it's, it's very hard when you're that young to understand necessarily the things that are going on in your own mm. psychology and your own um, physiology. But, because of course you can't, no one can completely understand yeah. their own physiology as it happens at them at every point in time. So, that's so Ka Caustic says, Vaush has very interesting thoughts and only, I'm sure he does. <laughs> I know he does. I know he does. <laughs> so, uh, can I, can oh, I, oh, speaking of Caustic, I wanted to read out the uh, when to go psychosis but I to push, thing here. Can I just push back one thing sure. really quickly? Aiden, I know we're, see, I hope we're not coming off that we're attacking you, obviously. Hmm? No. Okay, good, good. Wow. No, it would be me that would be the main person. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. no and I'm, I'm just me. aggressive in conversation. Yeah. No, give, give me things to defend. I, will, I like okay. it. Okay, good. I will push back on what you said about the injection theory of media. I th I have a more sophisticated. Well, I. I That's I like, a hundred year old theory, so I won't. No, I know, I know. <laughs> I I think that I, when it's, I say also, it's been it's been disproven. So go ahead, but no, but no, about being disproven. I I feel that what I mean by. I would say that when it comes to like the one to one relationship of injection theory, whereas people look at the evening news, which what I think what they were studying at the time and like it was the radio. So uh, when people were looking yeah. at the evening news and they're getting their opinions and their opinions are being shaped and informed by the news itself, the news media. I think that is, of course, ridiculous and it's disproven. But what I would think I, I would counter that with elite theory, which would be that when you have what I mean by media, I mean every sector of the media. Like we're talking like McLuhan, Elul, mm -hmm, uh, Mumford, yeah. like media, media culture studies. We're talking about the enculturation of media in general. And I would include the Hollywood culture industry, uh, the assumptions that are played out by academics. So they're played out by- uh, Right, that's cultivation and, theory. Yes, I think cultivation uh, theory is- Which I have a big problem with. I yeah, that, cultivation but, theory is a terrible theory. <laughs> we get no, talked some shit about that one too. No, but Fuck I think that Crock Hour. Fuck Siegfried Crock Hour. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, but I think that there's a valid point to be made that to push back on you would be that there is a certain enculturation in terms of and it's not a conspiracy, but it's more of the discourses in society that are taken up by major institutions of what would you call, you know, Molbug would call it the cathedral, uh yeah. the blue empire. 
I, I also think, call it the cathedral. You're fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that that's more of a sophisticated answer to how people are informed by the opinions. It's, it's to me, I would feel that the news media is almost less effective exponentially less effective than say the major network like ABC, NBC, while here in Canada, we have CTV, uh, the network shows that push like this, like nonsense on you. I think that is, and especially if you get the women in a certain demographic of middle to upper middle-class white women, if you get them to believe something then I oh, think you're right. that that would trend towards society. Why do you think they watch things like law and order that that's shown nowadays with the judge who's a black lives matter judge? Uh, why would you get them to watch? This is us. And by the way, I only watch this is us because my mother makes me watch. It. And it's very interesting to see. You have to keep, see, you have to watch these shows. You have to watch. This is mm. us. You have to watch 90 day fiance. Well, you, don't have to, you don't have to justify watching television. My mother makes me watch the these shows. Even, affair. even if you wanted to watch it on your own, you don't need to justify that occasional TV. Or yeah. Yeah. Fine. Girls. But although I see girls, especially but, socially. Wait, HBO is a bit yeah. better because, uh, Jack from the Perfume Nationalist red pilled me on on girls from HBO. It's a terrible, disgusting show. But see, there, I, I'm grateful that my mother makes me watch this, these shows because it really gives me an eye into what most quote unquote normies are absorbing and and how these middle class to upper middle class bourgeois shows. That's the target demographic. So my greater point would be that this enculturation is happening. But when you just pick out one sector of the media. I, I think it's ineffective and injection theory is, uh, although I don't know when you have like whole swaths of like every single network pumping the same message, like the uh, Trump, like Trump, the, you know, I, they set the narrative where like, I think people like Mark Dice will edit the clips where every single news anchor says the same thing in the same yeah. phrase. Uh, but, 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 but you could even say Dice, that they were all the same tribe. Like, could you say that all these people who are... Lev, are you, are you implying that the media is controlled by a single child? No, I'm not talking about... <laughs> media, I'm talking about Excuse okay, me. no, don't get that twisted. No, Excuse I'm me, talking I, have about... to, I have a little hat I have to put on. Uh, <laughs> by on, the way, cam, I only cam, say this on. because <laughs> Lev is, Lev is yeah. ethnically Jewish, so he's yes, allowed to make those points. Yes, I am. No, 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 you misconstrue what I was saying. I'm, when I say tribe, <laughs> I mean tribe of the people who are listening to the media, where I'm saying that people are split up into tribes, so one counter-argument would be Oh, yeah, like, that they've already yeah. been split up into these ideologically very separate tribes. So of course they're going to be parroting the things that their tribe agrees with. Well, Aiden's recent video, for example, yeah. the people that watch Fox News as opposed to people that watch CNN and their favorability opinions. Yeah, that exactly. Was, yeah, it, and we also have a yeah. Go on. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, Aiden, yeah. shoot. Now, now I'm starting to lose my place. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, what what you said was all correct, but. What I think is most important about that is that we have to understand that women are this vector to get men to agree with certain political opinions, okay? So that women agree with a certain vector that happens within uh, uh, CNN or, or CBS or whatever. And when women agree with it, they have this capacity to make men agree with it. Uh, when we look at the data, women are way more liberal than men. Women are also far more likely to believe the news media. Than and over-socialization happens more with women, you would say. Yes. So yeah. the data are very consistent on this. And I'm sorry I keep going back to data, but I have to say these things because it explains why this stuff is the way that it is. When women women believe the news more, women are more empathetic or, or 
quote unquote empathetic. So they, oh, they see a story about High a poor. Ability, bucko. Oh no, there's a poor, there's a poor <laughs> child at the border who's been put in a cage. Quote also, unquote. That, that's why Trump launched the Moab. That's why yeah. he attacked Syria because uh, his daughter was like, look at all, look at what Assad I, I know. his own people. Well, yes. so well, his, his look daughter... at how Trump, Trump is even controlled by the power of the puss yeah. because his daughter is upset about something unbelievable. Yeah, and she's also practicing that, some Wendigo magic now. on Trump, but we'll not get we're, into we're, No, we are going to get to the Wendigo magic soon enough, yeah. because that was a comment that was made let's that I do have now, to address. Yes, let's bring it up. Well, before that, we also have a $5 donation oh, okay. from Super Iron Bob, which hey. I'm going to read Friend right now. Friend of the show. Let oh, me just hey. Yeah. I know Super Iron Bob, too. Oh, nice. Oh, good. That is that is amazing. No, he's become a new patron of ours, a $50 patron. Holy shit. Holy shit. Holy shit. Guys, go to patreon.com slash break the rules right now. Become a patron and you are going to be impressed. We, you are on the right team here. We've got Aiden Paladin. Uh, we've got uh, Giovanni Penichetti, Corpse Carter. We've got myself. We've got Kukuruyo. Speaking of Kukuruyo, by the way, you got two questions in the chat that I got to address first. Question number one. Uh, do you hate Chadman? Hate him? No. Okay. Well, what do you think of him, just in general, out of curiosity? <laughs> it's not that I hate him. It's that uh, people compare me to, to him a lot. And I don't really like the drawing style. But I mean, I don't hate him or anything. It's like, yeah. I just don't like the style. He draws too many moles. He draws too many moles. And we all, well, here's the Super Iron Bob donation before we move on. <clears throat> Geo is noticing the great Satan of the Norman Lear Foundation. They provide yes! experts yeah! that yeah. are motivated yeah. in a certain direction, <laughs> and all the networks and movie companies take advantage of them. Norman Lear and B. Arthur ruined a whole generation of boomers. There you go. <laughs> There we go. Because and the now, people don't, but people don't yeah. know Norman Lear. He controlled mm. all of the most popular um, '70s and '80s sitcoms, like All in the Family, uh, Jeffersons. Uh, B. B. Arthur. That's a good critique, though. Yeah, <laughs> I like, and I like B. Arthur. But you're not wrong. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah Golden Girls. They they were like the proto. Uh, I mean, nowadays the shows are just. That that's how they stuff. slipped it in that's how they slipped that mm. stuff right in well, well even archie even all in the family like more so near you're the meant end. to hate archie exactly you know? but also the way that they would play off his relationship with uh what was what was you her had... name oh edith? Uh... edith yeah like edith was like the empathetic one like they had one where like a trans person was like the first time a trans person was on tv was on like all in the family and like Archie's like, oh no, this, you know, ex Efsler, Efsler. But then like Edith was the one that like was like because oh, she was honey, come back into the kitchen, I'll help you, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so it was sort of like that dynamic. And even um the way that Sanford and Son would play off certain racial relations, yeah. but it was entirely innocent at the time compared to like especially with realized race. it was subversion. Yeah. <laughs> But the yeah. stuff they have nowadays is just like next well, level. It's just actually kill yeah. whitey. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, literally... now it's it's openly uh, we hate white people. And well, my my contention would be, Ugh. you know, people like uh, Caustic and Iron, Super Iron Bob and people they they know my thesis that um you know having I'm currently with my parents and watching this uh this medical show from Australia from the early two thousands called All Saints, 
and I'm comparing it to medical shows from the mid 2000s. So like House to medical Ooh, shows now. You, yeah, medical shows now. You have what's the one where the guy's got autism? The Good Doctor. Oh uh, yeah. Every to me, medical shows have become even more than cop dramas, they're the number one vectors of social propaganda and social colonization of woke ideas to be for obvious reasons. It seems that every medical show just hits you and hammers you with this, uh, especially when it comes to, you know, because they all do the episode where a certain kind of person gets wheeled in with an injury. And don't they always do the episode where it's like a Nazi skinhead comes in and the yeah, yeah, they, doctor yeah. saves them. Oh, well, and yeah, you see that in real life because there's this tweet where it's like, yeah. I'm the doctor. Yeah. And I saved, and this guy had Nazi tattoos. Like, Did you see I, that I tweet? Guess, like, it might have been hard for you, but I, you I have job. No, no experience with this. I was going to say that I actually thought House was very good because House had a good explanation of actual um, intersex disorders within it. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was behind the times, but with other issues like anti-religious things, abortion. But no, nowadays, the, the medical shows, they're beyond that. They're like totally... Oh, I, I mean, yeah. I, I, if, if, I don't remember... Any, I've, I've rewatched House maybe like five times. I don't remember an abortion episode. But I remember they had a good handling of, of someone who actually had an intersex disorder. Mm, and, and, and it was actually quite interesting in terms of how people kind of view trans people, which is uh, hyper-feminine, they need to be that the trans people feel like they have to be this hyper super the most yeah feminine hsts kind of yeah. yeah yeah and it's interesting that 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 house episode deals with an actual uh i'm sorry i don't remember the name of the episode right now but it deals with an actual uh genetic disorder that causes uh men to who, genetic men who have uh, non-descended testes to produce enormous amounts of estrogen and causes them to be hyper feminine in their facial features and be very very pretty therefore yeah uh, the undescended <laughs> testes they do have a number of health risks such as testicular cancer oh um, that's why the house episode she has to have i think she has cancer in, in her testes and that's the whole point of the episode this great, is you know there's this series great show you know not to go off in a tangent i remember there's this one case here in canada where this trans woman uh, had testicular cancer and and died from it. Whereas testicular cancer on average is one of the most treatable and livable and least growing cancers. And my, th I don't know, like, this is the well, problem I feel is it, that this it needs more awareness because men are afraid to get tested for it. Yeah. We have yeah. Crazy, super high publicity things that are like women's breast cancer awareness month. Men get checked, please. You're right. Yeah. It is one of the most treatable forms of cancer as a men's activist, it's classified checked out yeah so it, what happened to this uh this no, my point wait wait yeah. my point though this is my point yeah. i'm getting at corpse my you know testicular cancer i think you know i think they're they classify it as an uncommon cancer compared especially compared to breast cancer although there's it's some rates though. yeah comparable, yeah comparable rates to breast cancer it is there, really it, it's 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 far lower but it's if you if you're a man, you need to get tested. Oh no doubt, yeah, cancer. Yeah, yeah. I, just as if you're a woman, you need to get regularly tested for breast cancer. It is lower for men. Testicular cancer is far rarer, but they're they're not incomparable. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But my point, this what I wanted to jump off of when it comes to research is that I was talking about this with my old man. My old man, he also is very interested in medical stuff, and my. I have a cousin actually who's in California who's a surgeon nurse. So she, he always like chit chats with her. And I, I said to him one day, I said, this, this, you know, 
testicular cancer is usually live. It's highly, highly livable if you get it, especially if you get it early, but this trans person died of it. And I'm wondering, is it a, an effect of the low rates of testosterone and med caused by hormone replacement therapy that could have a potentially detrimental health effect in terms of cancer growth in the male body? Because as we know, testosterone regulates a bunch of other hormones and they say that men with lower testosterone are not just at risk for heart, heart attacks later on in life, but also at risk for a number of different cancers, pancreatic cancer, so forth. Um, so, so real quick, yes, some of the early data has shown that hormone replacement therapy increases the risk of cancers in both men and women. But, so, but the thing is, nobody's talking about because it's, of course, you can't talk about it. No. There is this thread I read the that. other day. It was by uh, I Hypocrite. We're screen capping this Reddit thread where this person went through, uh, was a trans child that went through um hormone blockers and had like negative bone density and went through all these yes. physical pains and they don't tell you about this shit. Uh, and you know, I'm not that I wanted to talk about this, but it seems it always comes up, mm. but it's to me, I, I feel it's a real danger to not inform people about the risks of doing these things, not to be, you know, not to like, it's not, I don't hate people or whatnot, but you know what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah. I feel what, that you have that to shark, understand. shark girl story too. You remember with the shark, the stuffed shark? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. why? Don't remind me of that, Lev. Please. <laughs> the poop the smell filling the room. Fuck you have no. to understand. <laughs> you have to understand the basic processes of what hormone replacement therapy are. So, for example, in women, if you want, to, if you're a, if a genetic female and you want to go through hormone, hormone replacement therapy to become a man, you have to go through simulated menopause. That's going to, on average, decrease your bone density by about 20%. Yeah. And when, and, and from what I understand, because women, um, because of childbirth and things like that, their body later on in life does leach a massive amount of calcium. And like, uh, there's a lot of deficiencies that women have that. Oh, men I'll tell you, don't I'll tell you, I'll tell you straight up. So <laughs> I have a disease, right? I, I have something called endometriosis, which is a, 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 a fairly common disease that women's get for their women parts. When I was 19, I took a, a drug call that, that basically stopped me, that put me into uh, menopause, chemically uh -huh. induced menopause. And the reason to do this is because it gets rid of all the bad stuff in your body without going into extreme detail. About, <laughs> <laughs> about six months after taking this drug, which was injected, like very serious, very serious stuff in terms of the, the, the process. I was walking down the street to my class and I tripped off the curb. Just my, my left foot just kind of, you know, you know, it, it twists a little bit and I shattered three bones in my oh, left foot. Oh God. Because what happens is you, when you go through menopause, your bones turn yeah. to bird bones. And uh, I, like, I, they told like me- Like cancer that, patients have that where their yeah. bones are quite brittle, yeah. But that's what happens oh when, when women go through menopause, your bones turn to dust essentially. And, and the same thing is gonna happen if you're going to, to go through HRT. And I wanna be very clear because what I did to, to treat a problem that I had is very similar to what, uh, it's not the same thing, but it is actually the same kind of hormones that are given to people who, who are, are going through uh, hormone therapy. It's progesterone and stuff, I think, um, in extreme degrees. And that caused me to break my foot uh, after like three months of treatment. And not just break it, but shatter it. I had to be in a cast for a year. 
So be very. And then immune system stuff. regulation and all that yeah. must be out of whack. Mm -hmm. And yeah, th this this is the thing. I think that that's a big problem is that when you have a hyper politicization of science, especially medical science, you you're basically condemning almost a whole generation of, of Zoomers and, and early millennials to maybe who knows what's going to happen in the future with all of, there was a study, I don't know the validity of it, but have you heard the study Aiden where something like almost 40 to 50% above average of um, mothers who have trans children have like BPD? Have you heard about um, that? Oh, that study recently. Yeah. So yeah. that's, that's disconcerting. And I'm not shocked by those data because I, I get the feeling that people, a lot of people who are trans, it's, it's societal and it's socialized. And I really, they don't want to say that. They don't want to admit that. But the data keeps showing that that's where that comes from. There, is, there a, is there a genetic component? Yes, there is. We are finding a genetic component to people who feel as if they were born in the wrong body sexually just as we have found a genetic component to people who feel it as if they are gay. But there seems to be a, so a strong social component in trans people. Uh, and uh, that is the part that we need to be very aware of before we start prescribing these kinds of, as I am pointing out, the reason I told you that endometriosis story is because you will break your feet. <laughs> you will break your feet by tripping off a curb over this stuff. You'll well, even, just break shatter bones. Even Three within... Months three months of hormone therapy oh, that's, God. that's by the way i, I want to read careful. the uh, wendigo psychosis yeah yeah thing. go ahead they were asked, but before that the uh wendigo psychosis wrote something about social engineering that i will read first but even before that another comment to kukuruyo from buff which is kukuruyo would you draw aiden <laughs> <laughs> why not yeah, <laughs> yeah why not go. why not there we but go can i just clarify something you said Aiden, did you say that like homosexual homosexuality is the same as like the whole trans thing? That you don't think there's like you think it's same like socially conditioned? No, I don't. I, no, sorry, no. I just I must have misheard something you said. Um, I, I, I'm saying some of it is people are obviously with without question. We we have the data now to show definitively that some people are gay. I know I hate I know you hate that word. But... The, the, no, I know, but it's just like you don't even need to say it like half the time. It's just like uh, it goes beyond data. Some of the stuff you're saying, you know. Okay, like, that's all. Pe people are all right. How about this? Some folk are gay. <laughs> They're they just some men just like dicks. That's it's, fine. It's, it's, so, it's so funny though how the word gay it used to just mean like happy, and why did that word become? You, you know, it's very strange, right? Well, well, I mean, well like, now it's not even the right word. Now it's homosexual. They're going back to queer. Well, queer. That's, now, that's which weird. queer used to be an insult. But the thing is, like, like, also, isn't queer just a, a umbrella term for everybody? That's what I. They, they say it's an umbrella term, term for everybody, but it is. It used. I, to be I do queer. not follow the stuff at all. Interesting etymology, but in academia, queer could not just mean like yeah, um, homosexual, transsexual, uh, non-binary. Mm. It could also mean just queer culture as like certain transgressions of norms that lay outside of uh the certain social consensus like queer is a di different word like another thing too that comes to mind would be this recent uh people are talking about this there was this katie herzog uh, substack about the disappearance of lesbians like it seems that lesbians don't have oh, yeah. any social current so <laughs> the second waiver is the uh the early third waivers in the 90s the 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 riot girl kathleen hannah bikini kill 
lesbians with acoustic guitars like they have no social currency anymore no, they don't. now you it's know, because when you're lesbian they do with me unless you're non-binary or exactly. a trans lesbian no and it's this is going to be a very interesting thing that's going to happen within this movement because lesbians and gay men are getting pushed out yeah and and it's and oh, and the, the first and foremost people who have been pushed out of the movement are bisexuals. Bisexuals are not welcome because you're not really a gay, which, by the way, is the thing that they have been dealing with for 50 years. Bisexuals so, have never been welcomed into the, the LGBTQ. They've never been really welcomed. I'm bisexual. They've never really been welcomed. It's always been like, oh, you're not, you can just choose not to be gay. No, I really can't just choose not to be gay. Unfortunately, because like then they keep not. saying, oh, well, we were born this way. You know, it's just, except for that. you, bisexual, like, you, you can pick. But that, that's sort of born this way is a, more of like a, like old school, um, liberal sort of way of looking at it. Social constructionism, it, but is they now the still, I'm it's very ironic that they don't ascribe, apply their own logic to bisexuals. Yeah, yeah, they I know still ascribe that same stuff to bisexuals, as in, well, you can just choose to not be oppressed. You can just choose to to pass as straight. Excuse me, I can just choose to not be attracted, and it, I can just choose to not be attracted to a woman. No, I can't. I really can't choose. Well, I don't know. I I kind of question the validity of bisexual myself. I don't know, but oh, really, that's, <laughs> yeah, I don't actually, know. Actually, there's there. Oh, we can go into evolutionary psychology as to why women are probably primed to be bisexual I, by nature. I think that yeah, I think that women are probably more fluid in their sexuality compared to men. Yeah, that's women probably. would would have a nature would would be primed to be more bisexual by nature because in in the case there is no masculine figure in order to raise the children they would seek another woman in order to to, to raise a family the lipsticks have to go with the butches i guess <laughs> no i so i don't I, I, that's just the way things work i mean I, so, I i'm very attracted to women so i like i'm not gonna lie about the fact that i'm a bisexual now do, uh, do you like women with short hair or or with long hair or are uh, there both specific, depends both okay it depends oh, but, if she's cute. It depends on how the rest of her looks. <laughs> yeah. I think that there is, I think the reason they're pushing out um, homosexual men is because there is for, for the campy sort of like normal homo. I think that there is a subsection of gay men who have been uh, the, a very creative, but yet destructive force in terms of civilization. There has been gay men, a certain minority that has created um a lot of different things and i feel that a lot of gay men there is certain uh, there is certain reactionary sensibility to some gay men that are uh they're going to as, as the establishment is going to push back against them i feel that there will be more gay men who are going to become at least based in in some sense like uh, milo no, not Milo. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm talking about like throughout history, there has been like the Caravaggios and the uh, Oscar mm. Wilde's, and there there sure. has been certain. The but also, you have like the really, really masculine ones like Richard. Yes, Leonard. to cut to the yeah. chase, there has been a certain subsection of uh, fas fascists who are. Uh, now I'll say no more. I'll say not no. just the oh, subject. Like, it happens so often that it can't the, be cool. We know what the brown shirts were into. The brown shirts had their mm. own sort of thing that they yeah. were into. No, no, that's definitely true. There was a gang. I don't remember what it was called, but during the Weimar Republic, there were these German gangs of youths that used to be, you know, very uh, degenerate, for lack of a better word, in the kind of things that they wanted to do. And they ended up being some of the SA people that then ended up... Uh, yeah. Well, there know, was a huge... Uh, yeah, in that period, there was a, a 
contingent of German expressionists who were gay, but had very reactionary uh, and anti-civilization views. This is why, you know, as an artist myself, this is why I look towards uh, a lot of what you know what I call like vulgar trads they look at this stuff they're like that's degenerate art but in de within degenerate especially expressionism I feel that there was some there was a lot of reactionary potential but that, that's just we're getting off point read the comment I'm very I'm very right wing but my art is definitely by definition degenerate I yeah yeah like so, if, I don't I don't like drawing like well, symmetrical things I like drawing like lumpy wavy if you look at like even in the in the north, you had Edvard Monk. I mean, yeah. Monk, original OG incel artist. Need I say no more? I mean, <laughs> but I, I just uh, oh. I, I don't have a problem with a lot of the stuff. I think that um, I think that the problem that people have and they should have is not in that sometimes these apparitions exist. And by the way, I do believe it's normal for women to find other women attractive evolutionarily because it's like if there's no man then we would take another woman in to help us raise a family uh it's usually not sexual it's usually social it's like 99 percent of the time social but every once in a while those wires cross each other um that's relatively normal i, I also think that that gay stuff has a normalcy within human uh, evolutionary psychology um I can't exactly explain it, but it wouldn't exist if it didn't have a reason to exist at the level that it exists. Um, anytime you look at something that happens within the human experience, it probably has a psychological, evolutionary psychological reason to exist. Uh, that all being said, I that's why I don't have a problem with, with homosexual people. I don't see why we should, or trans people. I think that trans people probably have an issue psychologically that needs to be addressed because there's clearly something that is by definition causing distress there. And that's the definition of trans is I am distressed because I am not X, Y, Z. That's uh, where we need gay people aren't distressed. You know what I mean? Like I, I like men that doesn't cause distress, right? It can, trans, well, it can. I don't know. I, I suppose it can, but but generally it doesn't cause an existential level of dread that trans people talk about that they feel because all the, the issue, time. There's a huge there's issue some that people are talking about, have... which is body body dysphoria, and we should be sympathetic. Right. We should be helpful to people with body, yes. body dysphoria. Yeah. I, I think because of this, I don't know why, but for some reason we would rather have someone suffer with body dysphoria because it's their choice even though it may not be their choice if we're looking at these really young kids. As, as much as I'm not I, sure why we have this uh, phenomenon. Yeah, as much as, you know, again, yeah, again, I, as much as I'm a, you know, traditional Catholic, I, I do, I do put it this way. I think that for wrong or for right, homosexuality, male homosexuality is more Lindy than I would say a lot of the stuff they're pushing yeah. nowadays. And this well, is why they have to yeah. exclude gay men, in my opinion, culturally. They have, it's <laughs> yeah. sort of like, you know, the gay gay men culturally, they were like the Trojan horse. They were like the, you know, uh, how, I, you know, sort of like, uh, what was that movie uh, back yeah, in the can 90s? We, it, it's a Trojan horse. Can we push yeah. this through? Can we get gay men but accepted? Then, but then as soon as the bridge was lowered, gay men now are becoming like the first the most ones hated. to be excluded. Yeah. 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 The most hated. You can't be a gay man. Gay man now is, is, uh, is racist and exclusionary and, yeah. and everything. It's, it's, it's so fun. I, I guess in, in a very uh, cynical way 
to watch as they eat everybody that they had <laughs> at once. Uh, I, need to, I need to show everyone the picture of the Ouroboros going, damn, shoddy, okay. Damn, shoddy, okay. <laughs> it's an Ouroboros. Something, speaking of which, <laughs> I don't know how long ago this happened now, like two hours ago. Someone said that I was a gamer gator or something like that. I was never involved with gamer gator. You were, oh, sorry. Yeah, it just, see, that period no, is a blur in my mind. No, it's fine. I said that. It's fine. Yeah. I don't know. I just like, I was just retroactively thinking about it. And I was like, oh, yeah. By the way, no wonder you lasted was... <laughs> so long. You weren't a part of that. Yeah, thank God. Because I, I came God. in after the fact. I was yeah, way after yeah. the fact. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. Um, I, I just had that random thought. But... There, there are people <laughs> who so I sorry. saw who are, who are following you. Like there was one guy who was a uh, in the liberalist party. I didn't oh think that that existed. Kekistan. I thought that. I thought that Kekistan. was just. Some... <laughs> I thought that was. But Aiden, that I feel bad. no. But Aiden is really a cut above. See, the problem with Gamergate was that they established a network of grifters that really had sort of like the alt right as well. But the Gamergate, they started this where people with like really low IQ takes, but with some editing skills, they could basically grift an audience. And all of those people, they're gone now. And to be people, honest, I was really well, kept like, out of that community. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, I was really gate kept out of that community. They they called me alt right. They called me a Nazi. Oh, that's right. They, yeah, they did... I was very kept out of that community. Which it was you like, know, I don't care. Honestly. It was like you and uh, alt uh, alt hype and people like that. Uh, oh, I miss Edgy. Yeah. Um, it was me. Yeah, me and Edgy, and to a lesser degree, Layman, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oh, what was the girl's Putuna name? Says, Putuna says, I think she was a crowd fangirl. I don't, I don't know if they're talking about you or somebody oh, else, but that was crowd uh, yeah. and T. Uh, yeah, I can talk about that. <laughs> we got a really crowd, we yes. conversation well, We have somebody that. named crowd in the chat. I don't know if it's the same crowd. I don't know if crowd is even around. Oh, if really it was it. him, that would be very fun. Well, thank uh, God. Yeah. Thank God crowd is going after Ethan Ralph now and not you anymore. So. <laughs> oh, no, he's still going after me. He always will be. Uh, he's... Um, uh, I'm not saying this to be rude, but he is deranged. Uh, he is someone who sincerely has uh, mental issues. Uh, he, I was supposed to be on a podcast with him and Layman, and we were supposed to all like, we were supposed to be like a people from different sides of the political aisle. Layman was supposed to be kind of in the middle, and I was supposed to be more on the right, and he was supposed to be on the far left. Um, then he decided to dox me, and uh, you know, which is whatever. I don't care it didn't work in any way uh he went on his doxing ways and did his whole thing uh academics please respond yeah yeah one of the things that i found out very recently like literally within the last couple months is that when i found out that he was trying to dox me i went on to a call with him <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna reveal something right now that's in litigation right oh, now. oh i don't gosh. care i don't care i don't care i'm not actually gonna pursue it i don't think because what I realized was um, we were in a private call and he was asking me about stuff and uh, we were in a private conversation and it was about the show that we were supposed to do together, about me, him, and Layman. We're all, all supposed to do this show together. And I asked him beforehand, uh, this is a private call, right? We're not talking. Uh, and then after he said, I'm going to dox you, I'm going to release your parents' information. I'm going to make everyone know who you are and who your parents are. He recorded the entire conversation when I started crying because... Yeah, uh, that was the big thing. You were crying. To, and the, the, He played it off that you were hysterical and you were obsessed with it. After him. he said that he was going to dox my family. Okay? So what I found out recently is that it's illegal to record 
in Germany and Austria, that kind of private conversation. I'm not saying I'm necessarily doing anything, but I, I may have a lawyer involved. I, I'm just saying like, don't do this shit. <laughs> like don't record people behind their backs when you're pretending to be their friend. And yeah, it, and particularly when you're you're trying to, to dox their family. Um, well, apparently he's, he, he's come back and he says he has a more normie audience for the content that he makes. He's, he put that- uh, By that, I mean, uh, look, I looked into it. He, he bought a bunch of subs. Oh, okay. Oh. By the way, I love this comment from Sheepdog. Oh, I looked into it. He bought a ton of subs. I'm just oh saying I looked God. into the data on it. <laughs> well, if, if Kraut wants to come on the show to defend himself, that's... He can come on the show to defend himself. <laughs> that's something the data. I looked, okay. I looked one of the, the things I bought definitely a bunch can of subs. say. I can agree with that. Like, that's yeah. one of the few oh, things, definitely data you need to... But anyways, go, this is this comment from, and I'm gonna get to Wendigo psychosis because he's been waiting for a long time for the comments yes. to be read. But also, Sheepdoggy says she is spilling the crowd and tea. I like that. <laughs> okay, so here is the comment from uh, all the way, all the way at 6:12 p.m. from uh, Caustic. My internet is too shit to call right now, but I wanted to inject mimetic Wendigo psychosis into the conversation. Basically, my version of Wendigo psychosis is when during psychosocial development due to the lack of access to healthy models of emulation people cannibalize caricatures of uh, human behavior and tropes displayed on television and social media and video games but since those aren't real people it's like these people are wearing the personality equivalent of skin suits leading to a snowball effect of otherization and de dehumanization over time as well as an entropy of the overall human condition due to the contagious nature of these meme plexes. These people stop being human, and it's a huge contributor to the incel problem. Huh. That's I never thought it's about that before. Hmm. It is, I could see that that's where the parasocial relationship dynamic yeah, comes yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's I need to. I need to actually give that a read because there's a lot in that. So. It is almost in a way. It's you could say it's like Caustic would say it's a form of sympathetic magic in some ways. That's wow. That's really yeah. crazy. I believe in magic. I believe in Santa Claus. By the way, <laughs> uh, we. I, I'm really curious. You started playing that game. Uh, what's it called a. Uh, 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 cyber Cyberpunk wait, 2077. Cyberpunk. That's I. I had to leave playing it to be on on this show because. <laughs> what, what do you What do you think of it I so far? Uh, it's glitchy. It's got a lot of problems. <laughs> I am a, an enormous fan of CD Projekt Red, uh, in that I trust them to make good games, but uh, I'm not. I I don't know how much I can support them when the game is this glitchy. And this problem has this like many problems in it. Glitch, glitchy. Worse at worse, which worse. is not good. But yeah, they've had so I mean, much time to make it, right? They've had eight years to make it, and I don't know why the glitches are so bad. Look, I pre-ordered it. I pre-ordered it because I was going to order it. I was going to buy it no matter what. But the thing that actually made pre-order it was because. SJWs were screaming about it, and I was like, "Okay, well, I'm going to buy it now just because you're screaming about That's it." That's the seal of approval. But well, they were screaming about it because they said you couldn't really be trans. Why? I mean, you can have tits and a dick, but you can't use they/them pronouns. You can't have other characters refer to you with they/them pronouns. Therefore, the game is transphobic. It's unbelievable the 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 level that they expect of this game. Um, so you can have you can have breasts with no nipples 
and a dick and you can choose whether or not it's circumcised. Like you can have crazy amounts of customization of your genitals and yet they said it's transphobic because you I've been, can't I've been seeing pick, uh, pictures of the pronouns. I've been seeing pictures of the character creation. And it's like, you guys have heard of penis? Get ready for penis two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> penis two, exactly. <laughs> Wait, don't, don't they don't they make fun of you if you have an uh, have a circumcised penis in the game, or is that just that a was, rumor? It, yes, yes, it it is part of the game. It, it's I, I mean I'm playing as a woman with woman parts, so I haven't gotten that far. But the the game is it's fun. It's glitchy though. It's fun, but it's got a lot of glitches and bugs. Uh, we'll see if, if CDPR fixes it. I have the trust and faith that they will because the Witcher games were all fantastic, all three of them. And the first one, which got no attention from regular people. And it's still a great game that's fun to play today. Uh, you know, it's funny. Be- Witcher 1, good game. You go well, ahead, to, to, to be like a uh, an actual cyberpunk game at this day and age, I think they looked over a very important element which is to include furries like they should have included mods for it to be not not the first suits but i think genetically speaking we're gonna get to a point where we're gonna be able to make human well like like human animal hybrids where you you are right yeah like if if um if we get that good at gene splicing, you could have a first suit just be your flesh. We're going to crisp uh, exactly. into existence. Is that what you're saying, Lev? Yes, that is exactly uh, what I'm saying. I that think, would be the actual future. That I think the really military common. would be the first ones to do that. I think oh, the military yeah. would be the first ones on flesh. Well, well, here's an idea: a fursuit as a biopunk mech, like a flesh <laughs> fursuit. But it's like an armored mech. It can take more damage. It was terrifying. Or imagine like the baby furs. There could be like a whole special oh, battalion of baby furs with the imagine diapers. Imagine a furry mech. And then they throw the diapers oh, off you, you and they like shit on everybody. And, oh my god. And the is totally ruined. That's one Imagine a furry mech just like glassing a Middle Eastern village. No, I'd rather not. I'd really rather not. Like survive a nuclear bomb. You know, one one comment, one comment I remember from this uh, huge, uh, this develop. I forget who what it was, some fucking games journalist from uh, Polygon that everyone was dunking on, but it had like a lot of traction on Twitter. This one reply was one of the top replies. Said that um, in billboards, trans people have like huge dicks, like you can see. Oh, okay. And, and it's like you know, it means that trans identity is commodified. Well. Here's the thing. I hate to break it to them and I hate to be transphobic, but it seems to me that there is a fundamental relationship between late capital commodification and trans identity. I don't know. I'm not saying that trans it's, wouldn't no, exist. Right. No, no, no. I agree without that that's why late capital but... are being pushed out because they're not marketable anymore. You know, no, I, I know what, every what I mean, yeah. To it me, is I... actually marketed in the game. It's called yeah. mix and match. It's it's a it's a Oh, the face of uh, sort of like um, maybe attractive face, but not necessarily gender identifiable. Uh, and then uh, they've got breasts and then they, they've got a large bulge in their pants. And it but, says mix and match or something like <laughs> mix and choose, mix and pick, something like that. But even beyond like the, the, the game cyberpunk itself, I think that pick and there mix. is, <laughs> yeah, pick it. There, there is, a, there is something to be said about how, I think the modern conception of trans identity, I truly believe, wouldn't be the way it was without um, 
commodif- hyper commodification and late capitalism, hyper modernity. I feel that there is this connection between the fluidity and of the self and commodification of the self. And there is a purpose for why every corporation celebrates this, why they want you to be a, a androine, genderless, mm. rootless cog. Not to say that, that way they can sell you shit. Like, I, I, yeah, in, in some ways they are the perfect that, phenotype. You need to get the medication, of, or you need to get surgery, or at the very least you need to get. I guess. I guess this is not to hate on trans. Yeah, and this isn't to hate on trans people. But I'm just saying that it seems that trans people are the model of what is the perfect sort of late capital, uh, you know, uh, what would you call it, phenotype? Uh-huh. I don't know. There's not. It's not a perfect thing, but it's to me. I just feel that the forces of woke capital are pushing this for a reason just beyond political correctness. I don't know. I mean, that's... No, you're, you're right. I think that the, the transhumanist, such as myself, would say that all of these things, these excesses, are pointless and stupid and, and worthless. We should evolve past them. And if I was going to give a very nice review of cyberpunk and what it's trying to relay here is that it's, this is a nice, very charitable review, is to show the frivolity of things like commodifying your gender and your sex and, and, how, and how this makes it meaningless because a true transhumanist... <laughs> I'm not trying to be a gatekeeper, but a transhumanist would say that the ideas of, of gender and sex would be meaningless in a in a true post-human society. Well, we've had multiple uh, we've had multiple transhuman streams and transhumanism versus anarcho-primitivism streams, and we've had pretty high up there transhumanists. We've had a, a good friend of yeah. the show, Janati Stolyarov. Okay. So where do you guys, the... where do you guys stand on the transhumanism debate? Are you, well, I'm, are you I'm, more I'm, transhumanism or and prim? Cause I think they're, they both and, have good arguments. I'm, I'm, I'm good arguments. More and prim. I wasn't a part of that stream. Um, and I think there's a lot of problems with anarcho-primitivism, but I, I just, I don't get transhumanism and therefore I really? don't agree with it. I probably don't know enough about it. But um, like, it, you know, like it's something you'll get for me this entire time. Aside, I've been talking about like tribal people. I've been talking about tribalism. Uh, everything I like my biggest inspirations are Jack Donovan and okay. uh, Paul Wagner and kind of this sort of like, kind of like this barbarism kind of thing. And the thing, my problem with transhumanism is that I'm, I'm not against like a robot arm or like a chainsaw arm or something like that. But it feels that um, you should master the body you were born with before you get a new one. Like how, how, willing, how willing are you wanting to go into actual me questioning transhumanism stuff? Well, <laughs> I guess we, it's a question well, for everyone well, here. I'll say this. It's my, because I then, once told a friend of mine, a friend of mine once told, tried to convince me to be a transhumanist. I said, no, you should master your own body first. And then he says, okay. why? And I'm like, why not? You know, if you get hit by a truck right now, you're going to die. Like, well, like, we can... Like, we, if you have time, Aiden, I know it's late in Bongland. But... It is late in Bongland, but I... I will do a couple. Okay. So I had a wonderful class with, um, I had three sort of advisors for my PhD program. <laughs> so typically for any PhD student, you have one advisor, but I had, yeah. I was, I was sort of fought over and I fought over who I wanted to be my PhD advisor. I had an official one, but I had two others. Um, my favorite who was not my official, but was my favorite was a transhumanist. And she would, uh, I'm going to go into this just mimicking the way that she would ask questions you don't want to dox her though you oh no she okay she's a brilliant scientist and i would never want anything 
ever want anything bad to happen so you, to her. It wasn't like, um, do, do you know the case of Mar Michael Millerman here in Canada? No. Sorry. He was, um, he was batted over by supervisors, but for a negative reason, because he, uh, was the one who translated a lot of the works of Alexander Dugan. And he was mm -hmm. part of the U of T political science department. And I was all, I also have a master's in political science, but right. uh, he was uh, shamefully, they wanted to take away his PhD. He got his PhD, but he's, he's totally blackballed from academia mm -hmm. because he chose to translate Alexander Dugan, but look up the case of Michael Millerman. I think that when you're, if you want to do some stuff, if, yeah, if you want to do more videos on academia itself, I highly, highly suggest you contact Michael Millerman. I have his book uh, some, somewhere. I, I will, actually. Yeah, I have his book, actually. He's a Heidegger scholar, Beginning with Heidegger okay. by Michael Millerman. He is legit. Uh, go by Beginning. If you want to know about uh, just a general introduction to Martin Heidegger, get this book. Uh, oh, yeah. But yeah, go look up Michael. But just, sorry, it's just a tangent because you brought up the supervisors and his supervisors i actually attended a lecture here where i live in in ontario i attended a lecture with his former supervisor that kicked him out and, and he was going on about how if you read heidegger and nietzsche that you become a nazi and and nietzsche? uh yeah nietzsche will turn you into a nazi according to his former supervisor and this was a supervisor that said that michael millerman's an evil fascist nazi for translating alexander dugan but uh yes that's just a tangent um you could look up his story. It's very public. There's, a, in fact, a public access show we have here in Ontario called TV. It's called The Agenda with Steve Paikin. Look up Michael Millerman, The Agenda on, on YouTube, and, and it, he goes through his whole story. Uh, but yeah, that's just a side note. If you ever want to do a video, Aiden, on academia, contact this dude. He is bri a brilliant mind and buy his book. And uh, he was totally, totally shafted and fucked over by the university of toronto and it was just shameful and disgusting but yeah go ahead Aiden. sorry sorry i cut I, you off I'll, I'll try to reorient myself that's very interesting i wrote his name down it's very interesting um so something that my professor my teacher would always ask about like um transhumanism is that what makes something non-human right which i think is where mm -hmm. we were at to try and reorient it is that what could you define what makes something non-human or what prompts in you uh, an idea that something uh, violates the human experience, right? I, I'm sorry that we have to like move back like 10 minutes. Oh now. shit, this might include, I might have something to say on this, carry on, carry on. Sorry. Yeah, well, okay. So for in your, in your experience, what makes something non-human or what makes something outside the human experience? Well, I, I don't know exactly, but I, I feel like technically I might like be in part of this because I have a screw in my head. So, so I had surgery, so I don't know if that's Would you like consider yourself a cyborg? Because you are, no, according exactly. to some, some definitions, by some, definitions by some definitions, you are a cyborg. <laughs> no, that's true. Post-humans, a lot of post-humanists, uh, like, uh, well, even Donna Haraway now would say that uh, there's this debate around embodiment when it comes to people mm -hmm. who are amputees, for example, that choose yes. to have... Uh, post-human prosthesis and there's a lot of like highfalutin academic uh, jargon I, my, when I, my supervisor for political science he was actually a post-humanist in the 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 critical animal studies and that that kind of gets really mm. weird but yeah yeah uh, I get what you're saying so what would you highly say theoretical but it's very interesting yeah. in my opinion but what would I, you I, say I what would separate like that. this that's a really deep you know mind-blowing question but all I can say is that I feel that when I accomplish things with my own physical body, I feel more human as opposed to less than. 
I guess that's the only way I can respond. respond Interesting. And, and there is something that I would add to this as well. I think that uh, to be a human means to be an aware experiencer, but there are gradations of that. Like, I'm not going to say that this is the point where it stops being human. In the sense, I could say, like, people say humans are animals. I say animals are humans. Let's flip it up, flip it upside <laughs> down. And in that way, I see there being a gradation of self-awareness and consciousness, much like you would have a group consciousness among these uh, tribes where even though they're more attached to each other, they don't have that same, as far as I understand at least, they don't have that same sense of self. Or like in in individuated awareness. Exactly. A sense of self. And I, don't th and I don't think it ends here. I think it keeps going and going and going. Like I always say on this podcast slash stream, I think that just like a dog is not aware of what a computer is, I think the same thing would apply to the smartest humans compared to what may exist out there as far as intelligent life. But I also think that humans are based on a very sacred uh, principle. Again, like fractalness, even just like the shape of our face where the distance from the chin to the nose is equal from the nose to the eye ridge, from the eye ridge to where the hair starts. Like our face is like a symbol like a letter like a yeah. you know what i mean like there was something very special about this form yeah, yeah. In, and that that's kind of how i see humanity and i don't limit it to this planet i think humanity in this particular form whether it's larger or smaller or whatever it's something universal that's uh we're gonna find that there's a lot more of this than, than we think potentially uh hmm I think that the the um, that's a lot future, to take. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think about the the future of the transhumanist future, right? Is that um, people will select for certain things, and I do believe that we will find distinct evolutionarily evolution selection, in that certain groups will select for certain things, and other groups will select for other things. I believe. So, like cyberpunk. 2077 is a video game it's fantasy it's whatever i think that if you give humans access to all kinds of uh, upgrades in terms of of how to upgrade themselves and things like that i do think that groups will select differently i don't know if these will fall along racial lines or along iq lines they could coincide i would imagine they'll fall along iq lines in that people who are high iq will want to do things that will support their their higher IQ um, and support academia and support knowledge um, uh, consumption. Whereas people who might be lower IQ might want to do the more stuff that we see in Cyberpunk 2077. So, you know, guns and weapons and stuff like that. You yeah, because that's, that's Even, actually what I would want to do. I would, I do not want like my brain to get bigger. I'd want to get smart, smarter all on my own. But like uh, a chainsaw arm, like that actually, like that would be pretty handy. That would make my life easier. I could do all sorts Interesting. of stuff like that. But I would or not have, like um, multiple arms like Shiva. You know, I don't know. That's, I would have anything that like had a practical uh, application because like I love working with my hands. I like to use tools. I like to you know chop wood and do shit like that. Like that would make my life a little bit easier. But even then, I wouldn't be super happy with it. I don't. I, I feel that. I think this is completely irrational. I think this is just an emotional response for me from my own biases and opinions. Mm. But I do not like feeling like I'm cheating. You know, even mm. if it was completely socially acceptable, even if all the athletes. Uh, had cybernetics, I would just, I would feel like I'd be letting myself down if I were to use them. I yeah, think you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. It, it lacks a sense of personal accountability that um, I, I don't know 
I really don't know what the the ultimate outcome of that would be. I don't know. Well, it's a willpower question, I think, at the end of the day. If you use your willpower, I, th I really do think, like, the more I'm 32 years old right now, I still have a long, you know, hopefully, knock on wood, life to live. <laughs> but the more, the more that I love, the more that I get into this mode of your willpower does in a way determine your reality. And there is so much power within concentration. So many people, thanks to the internet, I think, because it's a double-edged sword, they have been split up into, like, all these multiple thought patterns and all these different things going on. It's as if you're taking the human being and just ripping them to shreds, putting one shred in this material, putting another shred on this mm -hmm. topic, and there's no cohesive whole. It's not a sword anymore. But if a human being right. becomes a sword, if they like if they meditate, <clears throat> if they concentrate, if they work on themselves, then they become whole. And I think it's in different spiritual traditions even. They talk about how when you pass on, you don't forget who you are. You have to remember otherwise you're gonna there's always apart. a karmic residual to the but then i don't know Aiden. i, I feel like to push no it back. i think when you no, go ahead go ahead go ahead when you put the cybernetic fact into that or, or fact into that you remove the soul right to a degree i think that's well, you remove, you yeah, remove the original power animating you other things are doing things for you in which case yeah. you're not really growing but i feel I don't and know, also I, the, with that whole willpower thing, I'm really, I'd be really scared if I were to be on autopilot because, uh, you know, I, I like sleepwalk and stuff and it's not a nice feeling. It feels like sleep paralysis. It feels like someone is possessing you. Someone is taking control of you. You're somewhat conscious of your actions, but you're not really. And like, and that's what terrifies me. I would, whether it was hacking, whether it was an autopilot system that the machine does to protect me, the idea of like something else controlling my limbs it's such an existential dread that it doesn't make all the the added so the, like the positives those aren't worth it to me at all the idea yeah, that my, i'm myself, not you had a body yeah there's just a slight risk of it messes me up so much that i don't even want to risk it yeah i just i mean that's in, interesting all the risking stuff but so we got the cybernetics right and like transhumans and stuff and it's like you wouldn't want to like have like a big battery cyborg thing controlling your whole mind but what would like? What would you think? I I don't want to talk about JoJo too much, but it's like I think the stone mask thing is quite <laughs> I interesting. <laughs> I I like JoJo, but I have would I would put on the stone mask. I would. I know that sounds like a whatever like dumb thing, but really, I wouldn't I wouldn't put on like the cybernetics? But I would put on the stone mask. You'd put on the stone mask. Yes, I would. I I would like the I would like that power. I'm wondering if you guys. What are your opinions on that? I is know this that, some but... anime you're talking about? No, yeah. Like, oh, God. I, I didn't want even want to mention it. I think it's very no, no, I see, no, I see where he's coming from because uh, I'm, I'm going to reveal something that's going to make me sound like a big uh, hypocrite. <laughs> is I think that I'm okay with the use of Prembolone and testosterone as steroids because I think that you're basically making your own ideal body with that. But it's a bit different than cybernetics because although there is, there is, a, risk, there is a risk to it, a lot of bodybuilders use it. And a lot of them are fine. Like, like there are negative mm. side effects, but you need to know how to control. A lot of people, I don't know, a lot people use steroids and they're absolutely uh, they, fine. They, I mean, obviously they, you're using too much of it. But the stone mask is kind of like that because the stone mask turns you into a vampire, but it's still flesh. You're still flesh and blood. Whereas if it's a machine, yeah. that's like, I mean, I guess you could add to it. That was my main thing. Really, yeah. like wow, really? You. If you're a vampire, it grow, if your bones grow with you. If it's a machine, it doesn't grow with you because it's not organic. That's fascinating. You 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 two find the difference between becoming a vampire versus becoming a cyborg to be fundamentally different. Yes, I definitely. do. I, de I definitely do. Well, they're both predicated upon some form of 
Faustian, like almost Gnostic. Yeah, to, to, to me, I would much rather become a cyborg. I would replace, I, I, I remember the first time I was in my class with my professor in grad school and, and we were talking about like full metal alchemist and everybody in my class which is like, it's like six people. Okay. It's a grad school. It's not yeah, a, it's a people, grad school. It's six it's not people. Real, yeah. But everyone in my class was like, no, I would never take my arm off to, for a metal arm. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah. Put, just replace everything. Just take it all off and give me something better. That's, that's mechanic. Uh, and I was the only person in the, <laughs> look, this woman was my mere um, advisor for a reason, but like we had a, a long conversation after the fact. And it was like, yeah, uh, that was an unusual stance for me to take of being like, yeah, I would like to have mechanical limbs. Because an arm doesn't sound that bad though, because an arm's like a tool. You know, it like, is a tool. Like, your arm is yeah, a tool. Like, that doesn't tool. sound so bad to me, but what sounds like with, again, you mean it's a readiness to hand. I think that, I think that, that eyes, hand, hands and ears. feet, hands and feet are tool. Hands and feet are hands and feet are tools. Yeah, arm that I agree. I agree with that sentiment. I definitely agree with that. No, but then, heart, uh, heart, and and core and brain, I have issues with. No, 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 no they're, they're not no, tools. I actually, I completely disagree. They are not okay. tools. From my own personal experience, hands have the ability to. Uh, and again. There's no study I could point to you and I'm an artist. To show. So, okay. I mean, I okay. Can well, that is what, okay. But they are so, a part, but when it comes to the artistic, they are a part of a certain form of embodiment. Like, you know, sure. I don't know but if not, you not just that. No, no, when you're touching. Embodiment not just that. is the correct term, yes. But mm. not just that. And this is, is going to be fun. Oh, good. Hands, fingers, like fingers, at least for me, I can't speak to everybody else. They have the ability to, when I touch something, I can actually feel it in my entire body. So it's slightly like, there's something else that's going on here. These are appendages that don't just grab things, but they can also absorb things. Like they can also, like if you put, if you touch something, then you can actually feel it much more with your entire body than just with your hands. So in a way, they're both hands as well as like uh, they're both fingers as well as just like these very precise sensory organs. And if something else can replace that same sense of uh, sensing, then maybe. But I, see I, I don't know. Pretty valuable. Um... I, I don't have any more finger any more feelings in my fingers so to me it wouldn't be a big loss in fact it would be better to have stronger control versus not having to not have feeling in your hands which is I've got an interesting question for you especially if you think okay so let's say your finger was chopped off or let's let's say one finger to make it like smaller scale now would you rather the ability to be able to regrow that like finger to back to its normal form but it'd be extremely painful and you would have to like do a lot of stuff to it. It'd take like a little while. Or would like you rather lizards. the quick, yeah, or would you, it's something, I don't know. Or would you rather the that, quick That is a good question. And for me, it, it, that would depend on my scenario because if I had to perform like, you know, I, I, sorry, I keep talking about the Pokemon Apocalypse or the Stone Age because that's what interests me so much. If I had to, if like, if like we were a constant war, well, I'll take the, I'll take the finger. I'll take the finger. Like if, because I don't want to let the people around me down. But if it was by myself, and I was allowed to take things as they come, take things step by step. And I, and I had enough personal freedom, and enough personal time to like, you know, if like, well, basically it's equivalent like, oh, if I broke my back, I didn't have to be, you know, out of the hospital immediately because of work or life like or whatever. Like if they, they yeah. could CRISPR like the regenerative properties of snails or. Uh, yeah. I, I would lizards. go through the, I would go through the more painful thing if I had the time to do so. But if I didn't, if life had other demands, then yeah, I'm going for the, the painless thing. 
Because this is going to sound very him. contradictory to what I, you know, to me being not super <laughs> um, well, uh, okay. transhumanism, but I love tools. I think tools are great. Tools are an extension of the soul, of the soul in my opinion. Yeah. So if it's yeah. a tool, I'm all in favor of it. What scares me when I'm very much against is, is stuff that you can't build upon. If you were built your entire body, um, like, like, you know, a human, the average human dies at a certain age. Uh, some live longer than others, yada, yada, yada. But if I had a choice between uh, a human body that, and I didn't have a death date to that versus a robot body, and that had a for sure expiration date, even if I could uh, get a new robot body, body to prolong the expiration date, I'd pick the human body over that. But if it's a tool, like if my robot finger isn't going anywhere, and it has also the other thing I like about tools is that they have one thing. The robot finger does what the finger does, whereas a brain could do all sorts of stuff and it goes way too deep and way beyond me. But if something's applicable, like a wrench or a hammer or a gun or a sword or a finger, I'm all in favor of that, you know. I'm just curious what Aiden was like, because would that be anything that would make you want to go for like the the more painful option or would you just rather the- Oh, I'd, I'd, cut, I'd cut my hands off right now. I have no feeling in my hands, so I would, I would definitely do it. No. Uh, no, but if you could cut... get feeling back in your hand though, like- no, like, I mean, you don't want feeling I, in your hand. No, if I, if I could get it back, I I guess I would go with that, but that's not a realistic possibility. Oh no, but so we're talking would... about fantasy here, like we're talking no, no, about, but I like... think that's the problem in general with this. I don't know this. This cyberpunk or... stuff, which is that yeah. like if my option is to either continue to live with no feeling in my hands for the rest of my life, or get robot hands. I'd rather with have the feeling. robot hands. Yeah. It doesn't even matter if they. It doesn't even matter if they have feeling. It matters. Like I, I have resigned mm. myself to the fact that I will never be able to draw the way that I used to be able to draw ever again because I don't have feeling in my hands, and that's fine. That, but that's like, kind of changing my perspective. I think you've kind of convinced me because there's certain things I like to do so much that maybe I would risk that. Like uh, having, know, like if I could ever taste food again, maybe I'd get a robot tongue. I like food. No, but much. yeah, having having had the uh, Chinese imported delicacy having not taste being able to taste or smell for two weeks <laughs> that was quite a fucking terrible experience that was yeah. the worst part of it actually but no what i well, want but, but i also i also don't want to I, I don't want people to hold out either if something doesn't happen but at the same time I, my hope is that uh science would be able to figure out a way that because like i didn't know about like uh you with the hands aiden but uh uh, to have that uh, feeling of nerves back, or even to expand it where you would be able to have robot appendages that have their own nervous but this system, was the last, so you would be see, able to feel it. When we had that epic five-hour mega debate with Transhumans versus Amprim mm -hmm. number two, uh, not the one where Janati was being mogged by Sunny, but uh, <laughs> we had the second one. That was a big part of the debate was, is it ethical to eliminate all human suffering but that's another that's again another but big topic. eliminating all human suffering is such a complicated question exactly um, we had this one guy who was an og transhumanist on what was his name um that's he, a very complicated question yeah exactly no but what i wanted to push back on you adian what you said a few you know well 10 minutes ago uh and to answer the question in the chat no i do not watch anime the only anime i watch is <laughs> the only anime i watch is new japan pro wrestling that's the only anime i watch but <laughs> no, jo jojo's great though i highly recommend uh, you check it out i think you'll enjoy it mm, i yeah. i really think I've, Gio, I've, I've, you, you've been you've been demoralized by a lot of western animation by a lot of cape, <laughs> cape shit as you call it yes cape so shit. I, I think yeah. there's I think that there's well, a lot well, of great things. Well, out Lane there. Lane looks pretty interesting. I've watched Akira. Yeah. I've watched Studio Ghibli. Oh, watched Lane. Lane's great. 
Yeah, because yeah. I'm really Some transhumanist the post- shit. There you go. That's yeah, good- and the the postmodernist stuff is interesting to me. And but anyways, so you said about how different transhuman abilities would be selected for by various pressures. Yeah, I don't. I I disagree with you because it seems that for a very short, when it comes to the evolution of technology, from my assessment, there's a sort of a very short period of innovation and wild west frontierism uh that happens when there's a paradigm shift but yet that a tech- free market a free market yeah account for things that are desired right by, but the, by by the people who desire it right but then what happens is there's always a massive streamlining of that technology usually yes. in corporate hands so for me i would say that not like corporations, they would obviously be controlling this transhuman technology and they would combine this. Okay. Combine CRISPR, combine social selection pressures with the social credit system that will be enacted throughout the globe. Combine this with woke capitalism. To me, I would say that there would be a massive amount of homogenization of transhuman abilities. So you would have selection pressures that would be put in place. Even just saying like you would have fucking uh, Vox journalists that would say that, uh, well, oh, yeah. you know, if you decide to have the bodybuilder CRISPR extension, then you're racist. It's like this, that'll <laughs> be the way this all works out. Let's look at the let's let's just predict because it's not hard to do. When transhumanism, in terms of plucking yourself in physically into the net, happens, it's going to be that yes, the Vox journalists have to plug themselves in via the neural network into a constant feed of garbage, fake fucking news, so they can produce shit and just disseminate it all over the goddamn internet and world. And everybody else yeah. isn't going to have any kind of access to things that actually freaking matter. See, see, I'm so conflicted. You guys, you really convinced me on transhumanism just a moment ago. No, hang on. There are cool things. Now it sounds awful. Hang on. There are cool things. Hang hang on. Hang on. Go and prim. Yes, let me explain the the problem with it, right? Transhumanism does have the the future solutions to so many problems of the, the current day issues. However, it only has those uh, solutions within a vacuum, and life does not exist within a vacuum. It yes. exists within a, within the, the context yeah. of the horrible socio-political uh, uh, context, which is that the the media will absorb all of this stuff, destroy and ruin it as it has always done. And there will be and negative feedback loops. Yes, it, yeah. it, politics and media will destroy everything that is good and wholesome but, and and useful about yeah. <laughs> about but the, even, the, the post-humanist transhumanist stuff. But even a lot of to me, I find and I know you're very critical of um, critical race theory. I, I find oh, yeah. a lot of this shit interesting. Just uh, reading a lot of the postmodernists, um, I find um, a lot of this. Well, why do you think they want to get rid of posthumanism? Because if you're posthumanist, you can't be racist. Right, right. But even the posthumanism that people like Michel Foucault were talking about is different than mm-hmm. a lot of the posthumanism that's being bandied around now. If anything, you would say there's an anti-humanism because the subject is literally created by power. Um, but which I agree with, by the way, but for different yeah, reasons. Yeah, yeah. I but I feel see when I, when I you know bring up critical race theory, there's already this discussion. There's already um, 
there's what do they call it uh afrofuturism there's afro pessimism and i feel that you know as despite a lot of the sjw shit that's attached to it i feel that it kind of is a viable discussion to have in terms of certain um ethnicities relationship to a potential transhuman future there's even they should on they the should have level, their own transhuman transhumanist right. future they should have their own capacity to develop their own because uh, everyone should have and, their own future like i think everyone is entitled to have a future yes. where, where they, they, that can and be I know, to them you know and i know it's a meme like people are like oh you mean making wakanda real right no but- i mean like you should be able to if you want if we're talking about okay post-humanism is such an idea that is very hard for people i think even at this point in time Sorry, to what is post-humanism i'm kind of like i it's don't really know you don't the have confines a, of you have no oh, physical it, it, form there's no more physical it's all it's all cybernetics it's all your brain it's within the net it's within it's within data there is no more physical form that matters in any real way but so that's you can make Wakanda. You can make your own black. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay, because you can just make a server online. See, this yes. I don't like. Like, why not oh, make that a sounds real? grim? Why not it's make a well, real one that's instead what of we're headed, dude. Like the it, sounds, it sounds grim to me personally because I honestly think most people are just going to go full pleasure mode and they're, they're going to ready player do... one everything. Yeah, no, um, that's, I mean, that's what I want to avoid. It's and the like, end of humanity. See the difference in the effort. Yeah, it's, a real it, Wakanda it's, would help people. A second life forum wouldn't help anybody. But let's that's, be, that let's would... be clear that if if humanity goes in this direction, and I am a transhumanist, I'm burning the servers. If humanity goes in this Valerian jihad. Hang on, hang on, hang on. If humanity goes in this direction and truly does, it's the end of humanity. There'll be no more reproduction. How will people reproduce? They're all plugged in. Uh, well, it's only going to be the end of humanity if everyone goes yeah, no, for I'm it. Not a, I, I, you just convinced me. You convinced me for it, and now you. Well, can... But I must. No, oh, but I must I'm... caution, fellas. I must caution that posthumanism it's... is like Aiden. What you're describing is the transhuman section. Posthumanism yeah. as a concept is very wide and broad in terms of different subsections of what it means to challenge and problematize yeah, and there and there could be insemination and all kinds of stuff that would and, and there could be it, it doesn't even have to be physical so post-humanists and transhumanists potentially would say that like you can create a new entity via thought and right. not necessarily via um a physical uh unherbergor okay the problem is that we're talking a about topa. all these well, we're talking about all these technologies, just like people love talking about simulation theory, and probably a lot of them imagine some hunched-over scientists sitting down creating the simulation. <laughs> yeah. Same thing with all these tulpas with ones and zeros and stuff. No, I'm gonna go uh, in this, another this direction. This is not a tulpa. This. this is stuff that's actually very likely but, to happen with. But what do you mean? No, but that's the funny thing that you're saying. Actually, likely to happen because another way of looking at this whole thing that we're in Fuck. right now is that human beings have such a small amount of understanding of what what the fuck this reality even is sure and beyond yeah. that when we're talking about tulpas when we're talking about the jinn from the islamic world and fairies and demons yeah. and elves and all that stuff we are ufos we are opening up the idea of what exactly it means to not just be a human but to experience reality where perhaps the limitations that we consider to be sacrosanct are anything but and we can go beyond those limitations for example Giorgiani I don't know if you're familiar with Jason Riza Giorgiani but he wrote a book yes yes it is Uh, he wrote a book 
uh, that talked about what he refers to as the spectral revolution and how he defines that is um, so he talks about how humankind often confuses the technological worldview of scientific theory with reality itself and he maintains that we have become mesmerized by the specters of the ancient uh, Greek titans Prometheus and Atlas whose myths foreshadowed the rise of science mm. and technology Giorgiani describes the spectral revolution as one in which humanity awakens to the dimensions of consciousness outside of the scientific and technological domain. In particularly, he urges study of the paranormal. He believes that if we properly understand the nature of Prometheus and Atlas, we have the ability to foster a new culture that honors the depths, the depths of the mind in uh, nature. So this is the other way of looking at uh, life that I think... Uh, there's one side that completely disregards it and another side like all the crystal hippies that just go whole hog <laughs> but it doesn't mean yeah. that whatever the fuck they're doing is gonna work you know what i mean like i know yeah. that what i do works just because i was able to see actual results in being able to move around a three-dimensional tower with a dna helix in the middle when i close my eyes and it's like like i don't know yeah. how best to describe it it's like a 3d program that you can move around so i know that can happen because i've Whoa. experienced it and there are other things that people yeah, have done you... which and it's it may even be dangerous like people have like uh people have said like uh that it may be dangerous for people to even consider the fact that these are possible because our reality in a way cocoons us protects us and what we are safe in knowing and if we start to expand to the idea that wait a minute maybe these demons and all these various things are real and that they actually do have an impact on Nate on just the, the reality of existence. What does that mean for us? What does that mean for these puny human beings that are living on this planet? What are we even being guided uh, by? So I think this whole thing is imagination. Personally, I think we are all in God's mind, well, if you, but that's yeah. If you look at like Jason Rez's Giorgiani's recent book, it's called Prometheanism, a manifesto. He talks about transhumanism and posthumanism very explicitly as bringing on a, a, another spectral revolution. But no, but quite simply to answer myself's question, posthumanism is just the challenging and the problematizing of our conception of what it means to be an embodied human itself from like Descartes onwards, like from mm. Ray's Extensa and the Cogito. So there's a lot of different subsectors critical animal studies, our relationship to animality in the natural world, and how nature itself is an artificial construction by humans. There's the transhuman section, which is, of course, the most popular rock star uh, subsection of posthumanism. And there's other ones, <laughs> critical race theory is involved in there as well. But myself, you had a comment? Uh, well, yeah, it was just the things of the, all the whole posthuman things, especially the ones that we're talking about right now, transhumanism. I really, really, really do not want the future of humanity to be sided by the people who like Ready Player One and want to recreate <laughs> yeah, exactly. the well, I well, refuse. Well, well, well. Hang, I on refuse. For, hang on for a hot second. I've never even read Ready Player One. I've so read you, bits of it. It looks like fucking it's shit. Just, just, be clear. just be clear. When you're talking to a transhumanist, I have no idea what that thing is about. <laughs> it's, it's, it's basically it's just talking people about, going... He's talking about soy boys. He's talking about soy it's, boys. It, it's just not... It's more than... No, it's more... I'm, not, I'm telling you, it's more than soy boy. Because soy boy, at least, you know, it's like Marvel superhero. People replaying the role as their, like favorite childhood heroes it's worse it's 10 okay. times worse than that no, Ready Player One if you that... go if you go i'm going to post in the chat and lev hopefully you will link it as well no, no, i no, wrote no. 
back in the day I wrote when I used to uh, publish in Thermidor magazine, I wrote the scathing, scathing critique of Ready Player One, the movie, when it first came out. Oh, it's it was in, a terrible film. I hated it. Yeah. I didn't and it know was, that, was that supposed to be a transhumanist film? Well, sort of, sort of. Well, no, but I'm trying to say that I don't want to be at least. If you if you go to content, if you go to content minor volume one, you go. It's a free PDF. It it's uh, I believe I call it. um, You'll find it in there. It's a critique of Ready Player One. It's from the Thermidor years. Content minded volume one, the Thermidor years. Yes. Yeah. You go to the PDF and uh, I wrote this table of contents where I can find it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wrote this hilarious. They found it. Scathing. Great. Yeah, it's called. Uh, what did I call it? Um, Ready Player Ready. One: A Study in Generational Media Colonization. Yes, that that's it. And yeah, I basically yeah, wrote a critique of how boomers are colonizing through uh, sci-fi futurism. Very crass, disgusting. It was just a terrible film. Uh, yeah, they're colonizing I, I like the imaginations. Yeah, yeah. Of. Oh, you're you know, right. That's what they're doing. They are. You're right. Boomers are colonizing the imagination uh, by yeah. trying to take over the, the cool things that young people think about. Yeah. And, uh, you know, retro, futurism and, and particularly uh, transhumanism is a very contentious idea. And I understand why transhumanism is in terms of having to give up bodily autonomy is pretty much the most horrifying thing I think any of us could think about, right? I, well, myself included. Having to, to give up your bodily autonomy to say some company would have ability to take control over an aspect of your body is awful. Yeah, yeah right? that's what As a concept. freaks me out. But then, but to give up humanity in general, this is what Nick Land talks about because the 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 uh, right acceleration transhuman horrorist uh, neo China future is going to happen whether we like it or not. But uh, I don't know if you've. Oh, by the way, it's happening whether we like it or not. He's oh correct. God, no! This is why no, we it's no, happening. No, 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 me around. No, this, me this around. is why we need. It's the going book. to happen. It's no, not me around. I'm telling you. I'm not. I'm telling you. If me around. This okay, is why we need to can... free Ted Kaczynski from DSX. We need the, <laughs> we need the Butlerian Jihad. We need the turning cops. We uh, need it all, baby. Let me Get just, rid of this menace. Let me just give my my um, prediction, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and if I'm wrong, somebody come and try to ask me for money in Probably glad to be wrong, to be honest. Like, Ten years. Yes, I, I really wish I would be wrong, but I think you I will think be. We'll see okay. what happens. Well, go go ahead and go ahead. Wait, wait for what my prediction is. No, predictions always go wrong. Don't bother. <laughs> this is the okay. nature of prediction. Go on, though. Okay, so my prediction would be that we are going to see increasing support for this kind of cyberpunk-esque connection to the grid, connection to a, a global connected internet at all times, at all yeah. places. Everybody always on the internet, inside their heads, inside their brain, constantly getting uh, feed updates as to what is happening. I think that's going to happen to an increased ability and capacity. I'm not talking about like the, the weird cyberpunk-like, uh, you know, limb stuff that's probably not no you're talking more of like existence type Mm. of yeah well well, we have a comment from from wendigo psychosis in relation to exactly this transhumanism is a spiritual egregore and oh and by the way he is a he is a patron of ours patreon.com slash break the rules anyway transhumanism is a spiritual egregore a slowly self-realizing amalgamation uh, comprised of rocos basilisk 
uh, and the tangible mm. machines themselves. All of technology as we know it exists as an equivalent to primordial soup, a gestating living mm. mass that has yet to put itself together within the amniotic sac of the aeon. Is yet Typhon, to reveal itself, as Heidegger would say. Yeah. <laughs> Typhon yeah. is an eldritch demiurge that is born with the sole purpose of subjugating and destroying nature, uh, the divine forms, and this occurs through his physical, physiological manifestations, technology. Power lines are literally the nervous systems of Zeus, LMAO. Whoa. Hmm. It's, that's it's pretty true. deep, dude, but he's not... I mean, and he it, says, it, if they're interested in this explanation, I can go deeper into it. Now, he's a he's a great dude. It's interesting. Uh, I, I think I get the basic gist of what he was saying, and I don't disagree. Um, technology is a vector for theocracy, I would say, in certain in certain aspects. It Wait, is. What was that? I didn't get the, I didn't catch the word theocracy. What? Theocracy. 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 Okay. Uh, it is that, a true is a gnosticism at its root like yes. a lot of ideological programs that are happening now to read you know again people go out there read eric Vogelin. he is totally right that we are being subjugated by certain politicized secular gnosticisms within certain mm -hmm. ideologies that are happening nowadays that's his basic thesis that a lot of millenarian uh especially in the 20th century a lot of millenarian uh you know year zero final revolution political ideologies at its root are Gnostic in the sense that they want to transcend the limitations of embodiment towards a totally wiping out of the slate towards an ideal future, uh, similar to how the, and there's always a demiurge oppressing humanity at mm -hmm. the root, whether it's uh, the, the Jews or the capitalists or the, uh, I don't know, the Germans or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. The, the reptilian demon, pedophile demon goblins. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I see it in a different way, though. Like, I see whatever they're talking about, a demiurge, not being a negative function so much as, like, uh, that fight that... Uh, who had that fight with the angel? It was... Um, uh, it was Jacob. Well, it was Israel. Jacob, Jacob yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So Jacob mm -hmm. fighting with the angel, to me, that is, in a way, the demiurge saying, you know what, bring it on. Just like the wild forests... Uh, for the people Lev, who listen, settle this is, into the area. This is bring Gnostic Christianity. I have to stop you here, Lev. This is Gnostic Christianity. Please. <laughs> but anyways, I wish no, we had no, another... No, uh, no, but it's like, I, I think all of nature and all of the negative parts of society, too, are in a way like like a training, uh, you know, like a boxer with a, uh, what do you call it, like with a, that box. bag, the boxing bag, uh, you know? Yeah. Like, everything is a challenge for us. It's an antigen from. to provoke a response to... Exactly. And mm. if it's not there, then we're all going to descend into animality and Mother Nature is going to have to either kill us or if we stay alive, <laughs> we're not going to be as functioning anymore as we were before as far as being able to see ourselves as, as we there, see ourselves No, today but there's always like a, an equal... I've, someone said this on the stream last time, but I think it was my friend uh, uh, Painted Worlds, but it's there's... I, who said this was it Lewis Mumford that said that with every development technology or no, 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 it was McLuhan that said with every development, especially media technology, there's always an atrophying of a previously natural ability in humanity. Yes. And, that's yeah. what I, as a media psychologist, that's what I think is happening in that um, all of our capacity to understand media is based on inherent psychology. And when we get used to, 
uh, in uh, just digesting media, media, media all the time. Uh, now, by the way, as I said earlier, it's going to take thousands of years to truly become an evolutionarily um, consistent thing. But what it does do in the short term is that people want to digest media. They do. They want news. They want information. Consume. And yeah. They do want to consume because people want information and data. And, and that is how the human brain works. Yes, they want as much as, it, as they can get. And if you give them fluff... I think they will accept it as long as you present it as news, as long as you present it as information, they will accept it. Or as data. Sorry, I had to. That is, to. Uh, oh, you want the data on it? Actually, I have a No, no, I'm saying, no, 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 you and I have to apparently debate each other. <laughs> about, about what? About what? Well, I we'll, don't know. You just, we'll, everything I say, you have an issue yes. with. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, when we do know. another transhuman and prim stream, I'm sure you'll yeah. be the top of the list. Well, Aiden. no. What, what would you like me to, to discuss? Because I, I know everything about everything except for yeah. Well, anything. you have to come again. You have to I become a regular. Yeah. And when you come again, uh, myself, you got to paint yourself with your blue war paint. No, I, no I'm done with the. I'm done. Yeah, myself. Myself. No, no. Hang on, hang on. I'm not being aggressive. I, no, 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 no. I'm talking about the painting shit. Like, oh, I don't know. He doesn't on you. One time he put can, can you post that image again? I'm gonna put it in the I, chat. Yeah, sure. Can you post it? Hey, in the I just really, see. really appreciate you constantly checking me and and asking me for support yeah. of whatever I'm saying. It it actually is no. A Aiden, if, if you knew the deep lore myself here, he does these interesting performance oh. pieces on air. One time he put the whole stream in a blender. He put his webcam yes, in a blender. Another time he painted himself red. He glued sticky tapes all over his whole body <laughs> on stream. And another time he hyper-focused on different people on stream. And it was this weird, like, Dadaist, like, visualizing the, the eyes, focusing on eyes and nose and... He does these weird performances. He's like, Dadaism to me, is my favorite form of art, so I can't. Yeah, he's the... He's, <laughs> I told him from the very beginning, I said, myself, my God, you are doing like a Joseph Byers yeah, performance piece. And, yeah, and like it's, yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> I will say, I will say, my dude, I have to, I, I'm very serious. I really, really appreciate when people question me and don't just let me talk. I'm, I'm glad you do, but it's not something I'm doing out of like intentional no, I know kindness. You're not. I'm no, just very no, aggressive. No, 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 no I know you're not. I know. I know. I really, I want to just tell you, I sincerely appreciate it because I hate when I get on podcasts and people just let me talk. And oh, well, my, oh, so Aiden, what do you think about? <laughs> no, it's fine. Like, it, it's fine. like the fact yeah. of the matter is that I have data to support everything that I say. But no, don't don't crush your. <laughs> data, data. No, I just that's I just want to get you know to put data for like five minutes. That's, that's before I, before you go. I know it's your thing. But. I'm a scientist. It's hard for me. Before you go, <laughs> in, please. What who who are some of your favorite? Before you go, who are some of your favorite uh, dotists? Oh, oh, uh, Man Ray for sure. Oh, yep. Uh, I love Man Ray. Um, I'm trying to think of anyone else that I I really love to the same degree as Man Ray. Um. 
Oh my goodness. I haven't thought about Dadaism in so long. My brain isn't really... Okay, Speaking you're actually... Dadaism, look, look at the blue, yeah. the blue man here. <laughs> Speaking of Dadaism... <laughs> You're yeah. asking me to access a part of my brain that I'm not really capable. I don't normally access. Manly by, by far is my favorite Dadaist. Let me just put it that way. Very um, good, very good choice. Uh, um, man, uh, man Ray has my favorite piece, which is Gift. Truly, my favorite piece. Oh, I think I've heard of Gift. Yeah, that was where. Uh, um... Gift. Gift is the iron with which a bunch with a bunch of nails. <laughs> yeah that's yes that's right um gift oh and also um what's the uh urinal one i can't remember that's that's duchamp yeah that's yeah i i i always preferred like in music uh is tom green while we're on the topic is tom i would say tom green Green is sort of like i i think he could potentially be considered a dadaist he, he he's like a dotist for post, uh, post Gen X uh, Gen X yeah. uh, potheads. That is. <laughs> I feel like dotist would hate being called dotist. You know what I mean? Like they, I feel like they'd be yeah. like, well, hate putting in a box. Well, and I don't the, like being put in a box. I just like doing my fucking thing. I, I yeah, I'm, I'm I'm more of an ex, of a fan of expressionism than dotism, but dotism did do a lot of interesting. If you um if you ever go to uh, uh, DC and go to the uh, Museum of Modern Art. It's fantastic. They have mm. a wonderful, uh, uh, also of uh, Giacometti. Yes. Giac- See, Giacometti is one of my favorites oh, as well. He's the way. my favorite modern yeah. artist. I love Giacometti. Uh, he, I love when it art. comes to modern to contemporary, probably him, Anselm Kiefer, uh, Also, uh, Lucian, Lucian Freud. Lucian Freud. I actually have a video um this is an I, artwork that I like, by the way. I combined Sneed and Nala, thanks, Fat Nala thanks. together. Oh, God. I don't mention this enough, but I also have a YouTube wow, channel. Wow, we're, we're talking about, like, serious. Yeah, and we yeah. have fucking Sneed. 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 Lev, if you go to my, post my YouTube channel, I don't show that enough. Post my yeah, YouTube channel. I, I and I have, have a, yes. a YouTube channel. I need to check that out. Yeah, I have I have videos <laughs> mostly art related. I will post painting more painting videos, but I I'm uploading. Well, I have a critique of Jerry. Lucian, how about more Lucian Freud and Giacometti? No, I'm going to post a video on Giacometti. <laughs> I have I have a video on uh, Anselm Kiefer. I have a critique of Jerry Saltz doing this Carol Dunham exhibit, and I'm going to post. Actually, um, if if you're a serious artist, like we could have conversations about art that wouldn't necessarily be uh, interesting here. Uh, I was classically trained in art, so. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Go no, my... I don't. I don't mean it. No, don't take that as a. Some people like hear me. I don't think he's taking it as anything. He's just well, saying. Well, Geo's like an actual fine artist. About, like Geo like, talks about fine art quite know. a bit. It's like no, yeah, I was trained you in that. I'm a self-taught artist. Um, if you go to my Instagram, that's from my art. But I'm, I'm you, you're a self-taught taught artist, and you put Giacometti and Lucian Freud. That's fantastic. Well, I'm, I, I, when I did my, um, when I did my, you know, I have, I told you, oh I was political science. Uh, when I was in philosophy, I did an MA in philosophy as well. I, most of it was aesthetic philosophy and continental stuff. I went to a very interesting university in Canada, but no, I'm always interested in art theory. Holy I'm, shit, dude. Let me tell you what. I won't... Primarily, that's my thing, yeah. Next, next year, well, in a, in a couple of months, I will be coming back to the United States, and every year I go to the uh, Modern Art Museum in D.C. when I visit mm. the U.S. Come hang out. 
I'll, I'll see you. It's kind of nice. far away, but no, if we, yeah, maybe no, we should come hang out. I'm offering it. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a place to stay. Oh, dude. How about wow. that? Amazing. But no, maybe we will have another, <laughs> we'll have another aesthetic stream or uh, you could come back and we'll have uh, some other artists. Uh, but yeah, check out my stuff, Hayden. And uh, um, I'm going to post more videos. I have a lot of writings. If you go to my, um, my WordPress, I'm contemplating moving a Substack, but on my WordPress, the major PDFs, I have this 70 page massive art review of this gallery that happened at the beginning of the year. The gallery is called abortion is normal. I critique wow. a lot of the contemporary artists. It's called bodily profanations, part one and two. I've my, read that. No, that's great. I really recommend yeah. that to everybody. Post it, everybody no, post it in the it. chat. <laughs> it's really Hell good. Yeah. Hell yeah. I'll check it out. I'll check, check it out. It out. I, ignore I'll the spelling mistakes. I'll yeah, check it out 100%. When I come you, to the United States next time, I'm taking you to the uh, DC museums. I, with I would love that. By the way, Gio, I, I must have missed something. you got a girlfriend. When, no, I don't have a girlfriend. No, no I thought people in chat, I felt the chat memes. But... Oh, okay, yeah. But no, I'm I'm one of the only uh, right-wing trads that defend a modern contemporary, some, some contemporary. I think there's massive problems in the contemporary art world, well, but there are... Well, I'm a trad and I, I very much... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I also had this series on my blog called Modern Art Madness. You might want to check that out. Um, if you go on the sidebar, it has like the, the list of things, and one of them is Modern Art Madness. Check out that series. I think you'd love it, Aiden. Um, oh, definitely will. Yeah. Hell I, yeah, man. I when cover, I I cover bacon. Seat, you gotta I, come down to the US and come and come to the <laughs> I have to. I mean you gotta it's, come it's pretty down. depressing here in Canada. But no uh to the Guggen, uh, Guggenheim in New York or to the, um, um, what's the name of the museum? In Guggenheim's got some, Guggenheim, Noma. Oh, no, there's another one in New York. There's one that's actually, yeah. I actually don't live too far from it. Um, what the hell is it called? Um, by the way, I want to invite both of you guys to the National Arts Club in Gramercy Park. We're closed right now, but pretty soon it's going to open up. I would love to have an event live with you, Aiden Paladin, and you, Geo, just Where? like the two of you together. So National well, yeah. Arts Club. He, it used to yeah, be Lev is oh. a director at the National Arts Club in New York, I'm, the oldest I'm National Arts Club. I run. Well, well, you're. I would love for you to come too, sure. And Lev, can, Lev, I'm in New York. Can I actually come to that? Fuck yeah! Absolutely. Hey, oh, hey. Oh, I will yeah. tell you. I will tell you. My, I have, fuck the stupid coronavirus stuff. Not that it doesn't exist; it clearly exists. But fuck it. So I'm trying to go to Amsterdam in <laughs> April. Meet sticks? Are you gonna meet sticks? <laughs> oh, oh! I haven't even thought. He's living. In he Amsterdam lives in Amsterdam now. now? Oh, yeah. I should yeah. message sticks. Well, that might happen. We'll find out soon. Uh, <laughs> I didn't mean to think about that. Oh, I should. I, I want to get sticks on BTR. I've been messaging. He, oh, he, oh. he, he does seem uh, interested in doing it. I guess he's just finding no, the time. Just... He was actually at the National Arts Club too. So I had sticks, Hex and Hammer. I had Tim Pool. I had Bill Ottman. I had Lionel at the National Arts Club back in Whoa. 2018 for a talk about censorship. Damn. Here it is, by the way. This is the National Arts Club. See, it's like very fancy looking here. Uh, so I had them on for an event in 2018, and you know Bill Ottman, you were at his event, the, uh, was it called, because ours was called Gathering of the Minds, and I think, uh, no, his... yeah, My, well, Minds is, is it now a, a thing, it's now a, uh, company, I, I, mm -hmm. let me, I'll, I'll message Sticks, I'll see what happens, uh, we'll be in the same, oh, sweet. Country, I guess, so we'll see what happens, I don't, he probably won't, 
respond to me. I, I'm far. Sp- I don't know. He, he doesn't might. seem like no, a sociable no, he, guy. <laughs> no, no, he he responded to me uh, pl- plenty of times before. So I think it's all a matter of just uh, getting, uh, y- you know, just getting people at the right time. Really, everybody's busy. The, the, everybody's the doing reality their own stuff. is that uh, I'm going to Amsterdam to get really, really high, and I don't care about. I want to see the the the. The land as well, but I also want to smoke a lot of marijuana. Also, guys, I have the Excuse name me. of the other museum I you guys like... should check out, which is the Whitney. Also, be sure to go. Oh, to the Whitney, yeah, oh, yeah. Whitney's a good museum. It's uh, always made too far from it. Also, I always there, wanted to see there, MoMA. There is oh, the MoMA. Oh, the MoMA is a wonderful museum. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm such an art whore, but um. Are you the what is that? Are you the quintessential art hoe? Is that what you are? Is that what you're now? <laughs> Look, she's I went got to the Van, she's it. got the Van Gogh poster print. She's got the uh, the cut off jean things. <laughs> no, I don't. She's, do got, you the, she's got the alcohol as well. She's got the dry <laughs> martini. She's the I art hoe. I don't have. I don't have art any. Hoe. I am an. I am the art hoe. But unfortunately, like I okay, if people don't know, I went it's to a an case art. art I went to an art high school, so I I was. And do- adopted into the art lifestyle when I was 13, 12. So um, I've been in it for a long time. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, where were you living most pl- uh, most times? New York City or Washington? Oh, or- uh, uh, Baltimore. Uh, I will be very clear. I went to my, everyone knows this, so I don't care. I graduated with honors from Baltimore School for the Arts. You're welcome. Oh. And and Lev here, he also went to a, a fine art school. Not well. I went to a SVA. <laughs> oh, nice SVA. Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness! And, and, wow. And guess who was in his graduating class? Guess who? <laughs> what? What? We we would like constantly compare ourselves to SVA. That's crazy. <laughs> wow. Lev, you, who was in your graduating class? I know yeah. you're dying to say it. Who who right. was she? It was uh, Rebecca Sugar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, I'm so sorry. Well, no, she my was great. I have no, I have no complaints about Rebecca. She's an amazing, an amazing draftsman. Like she did not need to go to SVA. Let's put it that way. She was already, she was already at such a high fucking level as far as artistry goes. We had a talk with Doug Tanapoli. You know Doug, right? Yeah, I know Doug. So uh, I don't. Oh, that sounded said, a bit bitter. There, hold on. Yeah, hold on. <laughs> like how there was no we... question. Like yeah, I know Doug Tanapoli. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, well, it doesn't sound like you like it very much. Uh, I have some issues with Doug. I don't necessarily agree with all of his politics. Mm. But that's yeah, I, I mean, same thing. We had we had him on our show. He was great. We had a fun time. Like, uh, yeah, who all, cares? We didn't all, yeah, we didn't all have to agree. But uh, I do appreciate that people are willing to come on these streams and talk with us. And it's actually great that people don't agree with each other. It doesn't just become yeah. like a mutual, you know, a mutual self-sucking event going on here. An so, Onanist live stream. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we did we did have like the furries and the uh, uh, the the Crowley people. Those two that was yeah. like they had no they well they had really thin skin. So yeah, we had... <laughs> no yeah. way, really. You two are still seething oh, no, about the whole, the whole Crowley stream thing. It was good for us. I don't know why I, I was like... seething because people were trying to false report me for giving her critique yeah. as to why people were uh, calling me as spiritually well, libertarian. But it is a fun fucking episode. It's a really good episode, though. <laughs> it was. It fucking fell apart. But I'm glad that we've had at least three streams 
since then we've had one with Eli Schiff, one with Nina Paley, and now with Aiden Paladin that have all been yes. fireworks great. Yes. So I'm sure hoping. I will say this, the guys, it's 1 a.m. here. I am oh. very sleepy. Aiden, listen, we're going to have, maybe in a few months from now, we will have another aesthetics and art stream, and you have oh, to yeah. come on. We're if going you to want have... to uh, if you want to go, talk about art, I would love to. I never get to talk about art, because I know that if I did it on my channel, people would be like, yawn, boring, I don't care about <laughs> art stuff. And they only um, come here for the hard data. And then I mean, that's, and that's fine, that's fine. Love. That's fine, but I well, can't talk about art on my channel because it's just well, like, people because people expect a certain level from your content, and then, yeah, and and you're not exactly like a streamer, like no, I don't. Yeah, stream. Your, I, I don't your channel, do what you want. I say force them to like <laughs> ten art. Well, I'm not gonna. I'm channel. not gonna poke people to to force. Them if it's something you're interested in, people will be interested in, and that's what I say. Uh, I don't. If you're know. more interested I, in, I, yeah. But the thing is, uh, Aiden's content's art, very refined art, and crit yeah, art criticism. It, art criticism also is a super niche. If it's more niche than me trying to educate people on social science, then that makes it yeah. a hyper if, niche hobby. I'm one of the only uh, really right wing art critics out there. I mean, I recently had this video critiquing Jerry Saltz on. Uh, his Carol Dunham exhibit he walked mm -hmm. through where he's talking about it's the death of the it's the violent death of the white man tearing each other oh, apart. Okay. So all this bullshit. It's like um, yeah, but anyways, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm going to have a video well, also recently about we, um, we could have a, an interesting conversation yeah. about art criticism because uh, <laughs> I'm actually I'm going to come out with this um longer video where it's a discussion between me and a very, very good artist you should check out. His name is Matthew the Stout. Um, very good friend of mine. He's also lives in London. Uh, I, I could send you some of my old teachers. Too, yeah, that's that'd be think. great. Um, he he does a lot of great portrait work. But we're talk we were talking for a very long time. About, I don't know if you've seen these four paintings that were trending on on uh, Twitter and Instagram, yeah. where where it was these still lifes where this woman painted her dildo and uh, what. And Oh, yeah, no, I yeah. Saw those, oh, I saw those still lives. Yeah, like maybe still it was very depressing, like modern life. And these still lifts weren't done very well. Hi hyper, hyper realistic. Uh, yeah. uh, um, 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 what would you call it? The the sort of photorealism. Yeah. Photorealism of, of, was, the, of, of the middle middle still lives. Because thing is, that photorealism of Instagram art had house. to be about sex. Okay, they but it would have to be the like. I, I kind of want it to be that specific photorealism of the middle ages of the dutch renaissance but mm. see that's high yeah the high realism but this is not it this is oh she's she's trying to be photorealistic. Oh, if it was dutch realism i'd be cool with yeah. it yeah <laughs> but she's she's trying to do photorealism but because she doesn't have a lot of uh and here's the thing i'm an express i'm an impressionist expressionist painter yeah. i'm not that technically wall versed, but she's trying to like she has no sense of like shadows or anything so okay. but but lev if you can find this one you have to see these these are like are these just, the just ones with the level. mask the mask and then like the, the mask the, next the to the condoms yeah, yeah. i've seen this I and, feel and like there's a pregnancy test next to the abortion yeah, yeah. pill yeah it's, oh my god God, where could I find this? So, Gio, if I, if I go to you know, your Twitter, G I'm going to send it to you, love. I'm going to send it to okay. you. Um, it her name is uh, something why do, have, why do they have to destroy everything beautiful? I, I did this, <laughs> why I did do they this, I have to ruin everything nice. No, I don't know. I feel 
I'm developing no, this concept. Myself, what's your opinion on, well, on the idea of destroying everything beautiful? Well, I don't know. I don't feel like it's actually destroying anything. I just think it's. I think it says a lot, but I don't think it's intentional. I don't think a lot of what she's trying to say is intentional in those. Uh, I, I do think, think that. Do you think that what the leftists? Do you life? think that what the leftists? I'm sorry. Do you think corpse? But do you think what the leftists are doing in general is an attempt to destroy beauty? Not necessarily, but redefine. Uh, what no, I think it's is. an attempt to half-ass it. I think it's an attempt. To, like they still believe in beauty, because I think everyone believes in beauty, except for the most incredibly rational people. I think they believe in beauty. It's just that they want to lower the standards of it because they're lazy, and and like that's why I hate this piece. Is that well, it's so lazy? It, well, where, it's not where just does, lazy. Where it's also the, egoism. Where is the delineation drawn between destroying beauty and redefining beauty, as to what it is? That's the real question, right? Is that yeah. is this? Is this beauty? Because this is what we would cons conservatively, I suppose. No, because I think destruction is an angry act, whereas what we're talking about is an apathetic act. You know, and I, and I kind of have a lot of respect exactly. for someone who's it, it, Yes, so is, it, is, it active, is it active or apathetic? And love, I said apathetic, to you, I, I think it's apathetic, whereas destroying beauty, because I'm very pro-beauty. I don't want to destroy beauty, but I have respect for people that are so incredibly angry. But, no, they but see, this is- And, and by field. the way- I like things that are ugly sometimes. Yeah, yeah. No. But here's but here's the thing. I think the problem is that we have to define beauty. Something horrendously ugly can also expose a type of beauty as is relation to truth. For example, yeah. Francis Bacon, uh, Lucian Freud really yeah. revealed the the essence of the human subject in the 20th and 21st century. And, and so yes. to me, I feel that, Lev, if you could uh, go to the tweet, at, the original tweet Here and post is. that. Yeah, this is the uh, this is the still life. So you could check it out, Aiden. Uh, this shit. Yeah, this this stuff is uh, ghastly, mm -hmm. in my opinion. But me and Matthew, we we go at lengths as oh. to why this art is not subversive because. Nice. I'm I'm oh my god! Can I tell you so many things that are terrible about this piece of artwork? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I I think I know what you're gonna say, but go oh ahead. my god. Um, so the objects don't actually fit properly upon the page in terms of the, the, the comprehension of light and dark. They use pure blacks, which is, yes. a and by black is not a color you should actually use because pure black does not exist in reality outside of extreme circumstances. There's no uh, complementary colors. There's no, yeah. This is just terrible art. It's it's just not good. I mean- And the highlights are milky as fuck. That's pure yes, white it's highlight. Pure yeah. white, pure white, which also doesn't yeah. exist in reality. Terrible. There is no, no such thing as pure white. This is, bad art and i do not mean that because i don't care because of something that, that is depicted upon the subject matter the art itself is bad and and i can tell you from <laughs> i'll yeah. be very honest this would look like something that a freshman would have produced in my high school it's first year in my high, high yeah. school okay but are you ready to hear the are you ready to hear the big pill on this the big pill on art what's the pill on it the pill on art is that good art is art that's talked about and bad art is art that's not talked about so the fact no, that we're having yes, so no. much don't, talking about this right yourself. now I don't care. I, let, let me let me show yourself. you one of my pieces Here, I, I also got to fuck myself up. okay we fine. gotta clean the palette with geo's art <laughs> no uh, we gotta clean oh. the yeah this is one uh, aiden i think aiden you'd find this in particular i'm gonna send this it to love no 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 like that's that's not my no no i'm i'm that's a i believe that is a rembrandt yeah i just want to oh my god is it a recreation of a rembrandt no no this is one of my paintings 
<laughs> I'm actually going to write about, I wrote about it, but it's in a publication that, uh, well, it's in suspension. I, I wanted to do an art book, but one of my paintings, this is actually ha having to do with a femen activist that chainsawed this cross in Kiev. Alev, if you have it, I sent it to you. On uh, Twitter, right? Let me. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Twitter? No, but okay. basically... Well while I'm taking a look, I also want to remind everybody who's watching, don't forget to subscribe. Aiden, you are incredible. Uh, I love you. You are, you are the this best. This is amazing, yeah. <laughs> and and also, I'm, I'm developing, like, me and Matthew, like, I'm developing this concept of I'm going to do a video or an essay where I call it uh, two things. I call it neoliberal kitsch or radical liberal realism. To me, this art is what I call radical liberal realism because... Uh it's it's the same it's it, it's a politicized version of kitsch because it's entirely within its in, not to give the video away but we talk about how it's an enclosed within its own world and it's pure um cope pleasure seeking palliative for uh terminally neurotic uh or instagram white girls so uh i, I go into this a fine thing to do you're at least giving them an option in mm. terms of their weird yeah, hold on. I, I gotta take a screenshot from this unfortunately seeking. This... i will say however um it is very late it's 1 30 in the morning for me <laughs> so uh, i no. am gonna well, have to dip out well, 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 let All me right. quickly show you let me quickly sure. show you geo's sure. art right now uh, what i hate about instagram is that instagram yeah you can't you have a, yeah they don't yeah. let the link so oh, there's doing... a there's a f oh shit! I, I was know. Say I there's know, an extension gives... you can have. That yeah, you but the extension yeah. uh, has a virus in it. It gives you spam. But anyway, what? this is Jim's uh -oh. work right over here. Ch check it out. Oh wow! Look at that. The extension has oh, a virus. Yeah, I call it the triumph of discordance. And there's oh, like Job crying over the awesome. the death oh. of masculinity. <laughs> really good stuff. They, no, no, it's just that's one of yeah. That's I I worked really hard on that one because to me I just. I, I like a lot of this subversive imagery. Like to me, that really tugged on my heartstrings. There's this other one I'm working on right now, but I feel it's almost too spicy to release. It's from this photo in Argentina. There was again, these feminine activists, they were protesting. Yeah. This yeah. Yeah. In, in Argentina, they had this, this like public display performance where they're literally giving an abortion to Mary of Jesus. And Ugh. I just felt drawn to that particular imagery. I'm going to have this like post-apocalyptic sort of scene. Uh, I, it's been like almost a year in the making because I'm literally afraid to paint it of what people would think. So uh, oh, one car, why super fan XOXOXO uh, asks, is it for sale? I really have to use the bathroom, but I'm here. Yeah, um, yeah that if, if you, I, it, it comes with another piece. There's like another um, painting to it. Uh, but if you want, if you were serious, then yes, I, I, you know, a lot of my, almost all of my work is for sale. Uh, but that one, I feel like I would have to charge a lot because the dimensions are big and I do have sort of an attachment to it. So, uh, yeah, well, if, if you want to DM me, Wonkai, we'll, we'll talk. <laughs> definitely in the future though. I definitely want to talk more art on this podcast. Hmm. And, and maybe, uh, yeah, so Corpse, if you want to share your links, I know you you have an Instagram, right? Uh, I don't yet. I have I have an Instagram for a band, and the band is an art, so I haven't, I'll figure <laughs> out, I'll get an Instagram eventually, it's just right now I have an Instagram to for show, yeah, to okay, show you. Um, I guess I'll show that, but I do have, uh, my main place is my Newgrounds and my Twitter is where nice. all the art goes, and I just want to, it's just Corpse Carter. 
Like that's it. Corpse Carter on yeah, Newgrounds. Yeah, Love Love will throw in the chat and we'll uh... Corpse Carter on Newgrounds and Corpse Carter on um on Twitter. And also uh, I guess if we're if we're shouting people. Are, are you posting it in the uh, Zoom chat? Uh it would be oh yeah, and I'm gonna get the link to the um Newgrounds. That's gonna be in the let's see that's BC Zoom chat is easy. Uh, uh, no, in, in Zoom. So in Zoom, if you go into the chat, oh, that's the right, easiest, right. Yeah, no, yeah, that's I'll, the I'll easiest that. one right now for me just because I'm using a laptop and everything is way slower than usual. I like got my you. mouse, sure my mouse yeah, moves like a, right now. Like a snail. But I just want to thank everybody. As soon as mm -hmm. Aiden comes back, we're just going to say our goodbyes. There yeah. it is. Yeah. New if we're chilling, can I show my, I want to show my book while we're here. I, I want to show road. one more thing, which is I just want to shout out to Egrivore. I know that they're on Twitter. Yeah. I absolutely love Egrivore. They're <clears throat> all my favorites, uh, and they've improved my life tenfold. So, you know, I really just, I owe everything to them, and I just love them so much. So everyone go check that out. Might as well. Egrivore there. And so, yeah, that's it. Go ahead, Ewan. Here we no, go. I, I just want to show this, my book. What is, a what is a stupid robot? Intelligence app said, I'm so sorry that you can't. I put the stupid robot in there. It's not doing what I want it to do. It should not do that. <laughs> So, Robots this, never do what you want. No, them. no, it wasn't. That's fuck why that they're But yeah, it, so in uh, Cheka Olisot, uh Corpse, he has his artwork in his, in his Twitter. And uh, oh, yeah, I, I don't know why I don't fucking follow you on Here, that. this is this is Evor, right? Right here. This is yeah, Evor. I could yeah, post yeah. this. So go. now I'm going well, to follow Aiden on Twitter. Actual, like, what is, it's actually my yeah, favorite. Follow me on Twitter, right I guess. I and also, yes, follow Aiden on Twitter. Subscribe. Yes, everybody subscribe right now. Subscribe. subscribe right now to BTR. Guys, we are we are going right now. Aiden, you got to go to sleep. We appreciate I you sure so can. much. Thank you so much for being here. You guys, you guys are the best. Thanks for having me, guys. And please come back subscribe. when we do an art stream. Subscribe. Yes. We're going to subscribe. do an art stream. How about so this? Myself. Okay. You... you are oppositional to me clearly so let's have a debate about i don't know what yeah all right <laughs> we'll see what happens <laughs> i think we're not that dissimilar i'm just about... very argumentative I no it. i like it i actually appreciate that so okay. right. beautiful let's have right, a guys, fun, fun debate subscribe subscribe <laughs> subscribe subscribe subscribe, subscribe. subscribe. <laughs> subscribe. <laughs> 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 give us money we'll give you money really something special subscribe